Patricia, my darling Patricia I can see all my dreams in your eyes Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia You could make all my dreamin' come true My heart is just droolin', Patricia, no foolin' I'm falling in love with you Patricia, my darling, Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling. Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no foolin'. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in It is Saturday night, February 24, year 2018, and here is my compadre, my buddy, somebody who I, I love and adore very much, the one from the Deep South, who's really a Yankee in disguise. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Here she is, Patricia. Hello, Patricia. Hello, Walden. Happy Saturday, everybody. We are back. We are. Is there is there any S stuff going on tonight that yes. might intrude on our fun? The Olympics. The Olympics. I think they're getting close. Oh, the Olympics. Yeah. They, are they winding up this weekend? Uh huh. They're winding up this weekend. So. Yeah. So, oh wow! If it wasn't for the girls, we oh, I don't think we've done very well. The girls, the it's been girl power in the Olympics. They've been carrying the uh, the medal, uh-huh. the medals for it this 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 time about. You know. Ah, good. I haven't been following. I'm shame on me. Um, but that's that's good to hear that we're taking home that we. I get so possessive. <laughs> America, <laughs> the the athletes are taking home medals for they the are. work that they're, they did. My gosh, they we, work hard. We've Ooh. never we've never been number one in the Winter Olympic terms of medal count, but but this year we got you know maybe thirteen medals or something and. Excellent. Yeah, but 
eight gold or so. But it's basically been the good old Seb done it. You know, they from the skiing to mm-hmm. the girls hockey team beat Canada in a big deal in uh-huh. an overtime playoff. So well, there was, was a snowboard. Yep. Uh, someone took a medal in the snowboard. That's right. So. And it was a girl. See? What can I say? I mean, you know, you, you missed your calling, Patricia. You could have been a great American athlete rather than a writer. I could have been, a, I could have been an athlete cheerleader just standing on the side going, whoa, whoa, yay, yay. Oh. That's about it. That is about it. I did hear something really goofy about the Olympics. What's that? When, when the athletes go through drug testing, they're looking for performance-enhancing stuff. Yes, yeah. And one of the Russians flunked the test, flunked a drug test. So I'm making an unauthorized leap here. I'm assuming that it was the performance enhancing that they were looking for and they found it in him. It could have been something as simple as a cold medication, which knocked out one of the athletes a bunch of years ago. But it was in curling. Curling, you play bending over, brushing ice, waiting for the puck to get up to, it's a huge uh, disc, but it's like a hockey puck to get up into the right. You do not need to perform. You need to be able to roll that thing like a bowling ball (laughs) (laughs) and provide uh, some guys on the ice. They follow it up and they they do little brushes. They've got um, little sweepers to make Mm -hmm. sure that it's slick enough that it kind of changes the course of the of the disc as it goes up toward the bullseye how can you need performance enhancing drugs to crawl up a block of ice well it's a bigger story than that oh you know about it uh-huh oh good thank you you're going to clear up some confusion yes me. i am okay this goes back to at least four years ago uh-huh. when they actually banned the entire russian team because blood doping right and so uh, they decided to allow Russia not to compete but to let the athlete compete under the Olympic flag mm-hmm. and so this year they decided to let them compete not under Russia but under the Olympic flag right but there was some talk they were going to let them march home under the Russian flag well now with the latest drug fiasco that ain't going to happen and uh so, you know, the, the, the other athletes are not too thrilled. They don't even think the Russian athletes should be involved because it's just widespread yeah. doping issues. But, yeah. I know. Well, I agree. My gosh. You know, you can't, when you ban a country, you're banning the athletes from participating. Mm-hmm. So they're just saying you can't do it under the right name. <laughs> but if this was specifically the, the drug test for this particular individual. If it were in skiing or ice skating or finger skating or just anything at all that required some physical um i know it takes some physical effort and dexterity to do the <laughs> curling deal yeah. but it it just it doesn't you know <laughs> <laughs> all they have to do is stay upright and bend over and i mean it's just i don't know it was really a peculiar thing for me it made i shouldn't say it made me smile it made me go what? what? <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> so now, maybe somebody has more information for that, on now, that for uh, me and uh, what he was tested for exactly. Now, I want to have the family hear the good news about Patricia's athletic prowess this week. So go take it away, Patricia. 
oh, my athletic prowess? Yeah. Like walking up and down the yeah. stairs and walking all over outside yeah. and going over to the next parking lot, which yeah. is the hospital, which is huge, and I didn't even use my walker. Isn't that wonderful, everybody? Uh, I am so excited about that. I really did well. And Patri- oh, boy, did I hurt yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and Patri- I'm, not sure. and Patri- uh, I'm pretty sore today, too. But. And Patricia has some good news from her from a heart right. doctor. So it's been a wonderful week with Patricia. It's been a wonderful week. All my cardiac tests came back normal, and that's a word you only hear me use occasionally. <laughs> but for this week, it's okay. They came back okay. And that was soup to nuts. My God, they had me in the office two times. and oh. So anyway, it's I'm wonderful. It's been a good week. And Patricia went Walmart shopping today. So you know what that means, everybody. It's it the get it the best game on radio. What's inside Patricia's refresh? So yeah, so yes. Really, so give us a call at seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Do it early, uh, because you know Patricia's not gonna be here forever. You know she'll yeah, be here. Yeah, we're not gonna stay on the phone forever. You know. And we'll walk through some extra calls tonight because we'll keep them just a little bit short. A little bit short. Yeah. And, uh, and so Jim and Patricia were planning to do a book review, but we are postponed that until a more convenient time. I, I know Jim's looking forward to that, but we'll, it'll be done. And uh, so we'll take more phone calls tonight. And Paul called last night. He's so sad today, his daughter's wedding, so... He Who is that? Oh, Paul. Paul. Yeah. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Now, two weeks from tonight, mm-hmm. Patricia has a night off. I know. Mm-hmm. You know, the March the 10th will be at the Spurvac event during the day, and then a group of us will go out for dinner. So we'll get we'll let Patricia have the, that night off, the, the 10th off, and we'll take the ninth off. But you're going to hear the best of uh, Patricia. You know. So, we are? Oh, yeah. I have the best. Oh, yeah. I mean, Larry gone to the archives and pulled the best of Patricia. Whoa. It's actually our podcast with Patricia. Mm-hmm. We're over 540 podcasts up there with Patricia. And I got a couple oh, more goodness. drives to go. I think before we're dead, we're going to have about 3,000 hours of Patricia up there on the, on the web for people to listen to. Are those that many hours in a year? Mm-hmm. 3,000? Only <laughs> <laughs> have 168 every week. Let me let me whip that one up there. There you go. Right. <laughs> That's my yeah. Hello, you're okay. on, you're on with Patricia. This is this is this is John and Meryl. John, how oh, are you? John, how are you? I'm I'm pretty good. I I, I got in tonight. You did. You did. You 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 quick roll McGraw. You you're the you're the fastest gun in the east, John. You you beat everybody. Yeah, that's on you because last couple of weeks I couldn't get in. Well, you, now you well, know. You know. Well, the, now you're here. You know the secret. You know, they just keep trying. You know that, John. Yeah, well, I keep trying. Yeah. So how's how's the weather, John? Is everything somewhat warm, or what's the weather like in Maryland today? It's 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 back and forth. Okay. We had nice. We had nice weather, mm-hmm. and then we had snow, and then we had, then we had seventy-five degrees, 
and I sat on the front porch. Right. And then it got cold again. It's, now it's been raining. Mm. So it's been back and forth, up and down. It's been cold here in California this week. It's like 59 degrees, and my mom, oh. my mom was frozen. She had the two layers of clothes on today. We went, we went to, we went to a musical, John, a college, a college musical, uh, based upon I guess, the movie Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. And it was terrific. It was a, uh, you forget what a good those good musicals were like in the 40s and 50s. It was, I know. It was terrific, and all the college kids. And you know, my my the the, the people I was, they had they would pick the, the guys would pick up the girls and throwing them up and catching them, and oh, uh, my. oh yeah, oh yeah, and they had a but had the spell. That's right. He was the choreographer first, and and they had a six piece orchestra and the, and the piano player must have played the whole two and a half hours. He would sit there and bang on the piano. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, that was a good movie. They don't make musicals anymore. No, no. Did you do you have a favorite musical, John? When you were growing up as a kid? When I was growing up as a kid, the favorite favorite musical? Mm-hmm. Probably the students, probably the students, Sigmund Romberg. Uh huh. That was probably my favorite. My mom liked Singing in the Rain with Gene Kelly. That was her favorite. Well, that's Music. Yeah, that was a movie. Yeah. Yeah, Singing in the Rain. You know who made that really famous was, um, uh, the one who played Jimmy the Cricket. Uh, oh, 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 um. Uh, his nickname was Ukulele Ike. Ike. I can't think of his name. Ukulele Ike. I can't think of his name. Yeah, well, I think of the guy who was Ukulele Ike, um, who was Jimmy the Cricket, and then, of course, Eddie Carroll took over. But I, I can't think of what his Cliff, Cliff Edwards. Edwards. That's right, Cliff Edwards. Yes. Aren't we good, John? <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, the poor guy was, he made One You Wish Upon a Star so famous yeah. for Walt Disney. And here he died, and he died in... Uh, Potter's Oh. I thought I thought sure Walt Disney people would, uh, you know, kind of bail him out, but they didn't do it. Walt Disney productions are not like Walt Disney himself set them up. I think he'd be disturbed. But I, I, what do I know? They, they just raised the ticket prices going to Disneyland this week. I know. And, and I don't. I just don't think Walt would have done that, considering the first no. year he opened it, it was at fifty cents for a kid and dollar for an adult, and now they're asking one hundred forty-eight dollars to get in. I know. I I went down there about fifteen uh-huh. years ago, uh-huh. and with my youngest and his his uh, his wife and daughter. Yeah, and it wasn't that expensive. No. Just to get in, it's $148. Right, but there must be something attached to it, like you get five free rides or 
something get, like that. You, you get the, you get the run of the park, you know, all day. Um, yeah, that's what it was when we went down there. When but, you say the run of the park, do you mean all of the all the rides, all, all the, of the shows, attractions, and yeah. rides are yeah. Oh, you know, in that case, that's not such a really bad deal. No, no. Because you'd pop up uh, 5 or $10 on each of the rides. You could have, sure. And, uh, and, but, you know, food is extra. But, yeah. uh, if you wanted to go first class, you that's can... not first class. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee, I could fly to California on a ticket like that. <laughs> Yeah, oh, they just, okay. they, what's, what's I first think class? The first class is they started last year, VIP uh -huh. service to go yeah. to Disneyland. And this means you get to be on front of the line, and you get oh, to have the backside, the backstage tour that people don't see. And they just don't sell, and they're, they're selling these out. So anybody want to guess how much the VIP pass is? Well, I would... I would guess close to 500. If they call it a VIP, it must be a biggie. John, what do you think? I have no idea. Okay, and they sell these out every day. Okay. $3,500. Oh, my goodness. Oh, come off it. <laughs> no! <laughs> you have got to be. And I'm popping off about people buying comic books for $10,000. These guys... These guys get to see dirt backstage, people changing their clothes, and they pop three thousand dollars. This is incredible. Only in America, folks. Only in America. That's oh my Bowl, god! Right? the Super Bowl tickets. That's true. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. But three thousand dollars. Three thousand five hundred dollars. Three thousand. Oh, forgive me. <laughs> get over $25 for me, everything is <laughs> overpriced. Oh, my heaven. Oh, oh, I'm so glad I'm sitting down. Be still, my little heart. Oh, oh, it's a good thing I had all of my tests done already. Oh, oh wow. Oh. Well, John, you did so much traveling in your life, your world traveling. What was the most expensive trip? Was there one trip? For example, my... My aunt and uncle, this is my brother's, my my dad's sister and uh, brother-in-law, they, they, they wanted to see the penguins. Uh-huh. And they, and they went to the, I think, is right, Patricia, the South Pole or in the penguin? South Pole, that's correct. <laughs> so they took the cruise down to see the penguins. Yeah. And tickets were 9500 apiece. To yeah. But they got food. <laughs> Place I don't think I'd go with that one. <laughs> so a a lot. And they didn't have to help clean up backstage either. This is a lot amazing. of place, but that didn't cost me that much. No. No. That's amazing. They must give them. They must give them a free beer. <laughs> Something. Something. Oh wow! But, but, Too much. Okay, you. You are. Um, you get one more guess on my refrigerator, John. Oh my goodness. Uh huh. I'm trying to think. Oh, okay. When I was in the hospital, I was trying to think of the things that they automatically give you. 
Right. Rather than what you had to buy. Right. That's a good way to. That's a good. That's well, a good if, strategy. Well, if it's in my refrigerator because they give it to me, then you get another chance. All right. So you have you have several items from the hospital, from the rehab place that you should have stuck in the refrigerator, or just a, just a Yeah, few? I keep milk in there, and I think that's the only thing that's in there that they get. So everything else is mine. Yeah, they don't give you. They don't, you don't have to worry about water. They give you. They give you water all the time. Correct. Not good stuff, but it's water. <laughs> it's awful. They kept giving me water. Yeah. John, she keeps her peanut butter out of the refrigerator. I mean, my gosh, who, whoever knows? That'll be. You, you do too, John? Yeah, it's in the cupboard. Hmm. You're the only person I ever knew, Walden, who had it in the refrigerator. And then somebody, who was it, Paul last week somebody, said he did? Yeah, somebody else, yeah. I guess we're, Outrageous. I guess we're a minority group. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you are. I think, so. you know what, I think the family, this is going to be a new email poll. Email Patricia at floridawriterhotmail.com. Do you keep your peanut butter in the refrigerator or out of the refrigerator? We need to find out what America does with their peanut butter. So, And how many of you have kitchen-sized <laughs> jackhammers to get it out of the jar? <laughs> so email Patricia throughout, throughout the week, and we'll keep a running tab. Do, mm-hmm. you, do you keep your peanut butter in the refrigerator or out of the refrigerator? This will be the big, the big debate. Right up there with the, the American... Oh, right up with the Tootsie Roll? The Tootsie Roll, of course. Whoa, well, yeah. okay. Well, John, I'm so glad you got through this week. We're keeping things a little bit short so more people can give a call in. Um, I'm glad you're feeling okay, and I'm glad you're having some decent weather. You uh, I've got one, one little thing to tell you. Yeah, go ahead. Uh-huh. Well, you know about the, the shooting in Florida. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you remember, did you recall the one uh, right after that, the uh, NSA, National Security Agency? No, I'm, I'm, I don't know what you're talking about, John. Yeah, the, the NSA, the National Security Agency. Right. I, yeah. yeah. They had one in Laurel, Maryland, where they had three gunmen that shot up. The, well, my, my, my granddaughter works there. Oh, my. Oh, my. And right where they shot everything up, this was the door where she went in. Oh, God. He was in a, he had to go in early that day and uh, get to attend a meeting, and she didn't use that door. She went back afterwards and looked at it, and it was shot off full of holes. Oh, geez. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Oh, thank goodness she's safe. Yeah. So, and then they try to crash through a concrete barrier. I remember when that happened, yeah. Yeah. They caught all of them. But can you imagine that? No. I, well, I was just thinking about our, our family member, Fred from, from Vermont, who lost a family member in that, in that Las Vegas shooting last year. Remember when they when mm-hmm. that gunman mowed down over 500 people? And, uh... That came close to home to think that we knew somebody that had a family member that lost their life right there. It's just, 
it is so staggering to think that we're going through this time like that, everybody. I, Patricia and I just sort of just talking about the big picture, how things are unstable like that. It's just, it's mm-hmm. one of the... Makes you think and wonder, you know. Yeah. But uh, I was so glad that she, she didn't get involved in it. Oh, absolutely, John. It, it, yeah, what I'm a so blessing. glad she's safe, John. Well, you have a good week and stay warm. Yeah, I will. And I keep on listening. And you had a good show last night, Walden. You like that? Yeah, we, we had uh, Chuck Satan on last night, and he was so good. And then, of course, we lost Billy Graham earlier this week, so we played some of his yeah, stuff. The, and, uh, and so we, the billboard on uh, Facebook, yep. it had a billboard out on the highway and showed Billy Graham, and it said next to his picture, going home. Going home. I, now, see, this is something I, I did not know, and John and was looking this up. I guess he's lying in state at the Capitol, and there's only four or five U.S. citizens who are not politicians who ever had that honor. And so that's an interesting thing to look up. I guess the last person is Rosa Park, um, who's been given this honor. So, wow. Well, well, John, stay warm, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, I hope you. I hope I can get through. You, we will. You will. You will, John. Thank you. Take care, John. Bye bye. Bye bye. Seven one four five four five. Two oh seven. I got a call in the morning yesterday morning from Dave King, Patricia. Oh, hi, Dave. He wanted to go for lunch because he's in California. So he <gasps> asked, really? He, he was asking me how far away I from San Francisco. So I told him, oh. well, I told him it was eight hours away. He figured that probably was not gonna get quite. He might work make out. it for dinner, but not lunch. <laughs> <laughs> but he's seen his. <laughs> He's seen his son perform in South Pacific this weekend, so uh-huh. so that's why he's in San Francisco. So. Oh, how nice. Yeah. So how he's, nice. He's looking forward to having us on the show, the radio studio, the new studio get up and running. He's gonna, Good. He's going to have uh, Skype services to it and everything else. So. Oh, super, yeah, super. Yeah, well, so. I have some stuff. I have, I have some stuff. Can I quickly go through some stuff? Please do, my dear. Okay. We missed Ken Goff's birthday, which is in the beginning of January. And we missed Dan's birthday, which was in the middle of January. So happy birthday to two of our guys. Okay. I'm really sorry I missed it. Are, are you going to sing to them? <laughs> no. That's my birthday <laughs> present to them. <laughs> my gift is I'm not going to sing. And we still here we are the last Saturday of the month, and I still have... Um, some black history information mm-hmm. that I would love to be able we to do. share. Maybe we could sneak some in between. Absolutely. And we have, this is great American Pie Month oh. and National Cherry Month. And today is National Tortilla Chip Day. I love tortilla chip. Okay. And Saturday night, the last Saturday of the month, is Open That Bottle Night. I don't know how that sneaked in there, <laughs> but... There you go. And tomorrow is Carnival Day and National Pistachio Day and Tell a Fairy Tale Day. And then Monday is Polar Bear Day. Where are the polar bears living? Um, North Pole? Very good. Oh. You remembered. No, you guessed no, right. I, you had a 50 50. Yeah, yeah. It was only 50 50. <laughs> You're so funny. And the 27th is No Brainer Day. I love it. I love it. 
Um, and stuff like that there. Oh, this this coming Tuesday is Mardi Gras Day. Oh. And what is Mardi Gras Day? Well, it, it's celebration in New Orleans when they have the parade. Mm-hmm. I... I know it's the parade, and they sh- they sort of get a little wild and things, but I wonder if Mardi Gras is a French word for a certain term. I don't know. I mean, I don't know beyond that. It is, but I don't remember what it is. Right. But it's the the last day before Lent. What I th- Tuesday is party, and then Wednesday starts Lent, where you're supposed to behave yourself and deprive yourself of some things along the way. Um, and it's also called Fat Tuesday or Shrove Tuesday. What I did not know until this year that Lent doesn't include Sunday. So it's 40 days, but not counting Sundays. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I did not know that, but... uh, Are you telling me the truth that somebody put something over on you? Did we really miss it? Did we really miss that all this time? I've never heard that until this year. I know that when people give up something for Lent... Mm Mm-hmm. They can have it on Sundays, so maybe that's my goodness. I just never thought I never counted the days. <laughs> I can count to forty. I know I can. <laughs> I did not know that. Easter this oh way falls on April the first. I don't, I wonder how often that happened. That Easter falls on April Fool's Day. I never even wow. thought. Never even think of that happening before. No. You know that's an unusual. That's early. Yeah. And use a combination. Um, yeah. 714-545-2071. I know there's a lot of family members who've never called in to, to talk to Patricia. And this is your golden opportunity because, you know, it's, you know, this is the only number that's good for her during the week. It's 714-545-2071. But what you, did you just say? That's the only number that's good for her during the week. Oh. I have. <laughs> I thought you said it's the only day that's good for me during the week. That didn't sound right. You know uh-huh. how I, you know how sometimes I talk in uh-huh. and I can fill in the blanks, but I missed a word. <laughs> Hello, your are Patricia. Hello, you two. Well, how are you? Oh, hi, Celeste. Oh, how are you? And Miss Patricia. I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, okay. And let's see. Today is the 24th, right? Right. Correct. In two days, it will be my birthday. Oh, put that on the calendar. Oh, girl. Happy almost birthday. Yeah, the 26th will be my birthday, yes. My goodness. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now, so if you had your daughters on your birthday, yes, what would be your what would be your dessert of choice? My dessert of choice. Well, let's see. I like chocolate and I like cherries, but they don't have to really be together in the same thing. Okay. Uh, but I like uh, I like cake with chocolate icing. And sometimes cherries sprinkled on it, mm-hmm. or sometimes I just like whipped cream with cherries in it. Oh, okay. Sometimes I just like whipped cream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, do you have whipped cream in your refrigerator? 
No, I don't. And, you know, after I got home today, I thought, wow, I've got room for that. <laughs> yes, I can eat whipped cream just because it's whipped cream. I know. I feel exactly the same. And my mother used to make a big thing on my birthday with whipped cream and cherries and, and sponge cake or whatever, you know, something like uh, that. My mom catch my dad. My dad my dad would take a spoon and just eat the whipped cream out of the container. And I know. <laughs> no, I'm my kind of guy. My kind of guy. I'm going to excuse myself for one minute. I'll be right back. You'll be I right promise. back. So, so I and I will hold down the fort while you're doing your thing there. <laughs> I don't like the whipped cream, just uh, just whipped cream with nothing with it. I have to have sugar and um, something to make it sweeter. I don't like the taste of milk or cream just naturally the way they are, you know. Well, what would does you... your drink, daddy drink it natural or does he put sugar or what? No, just, just go ahead and just eat, just, you know, take a spoon and eat it out. That's oh, my goodness, really... my goodness. Now, recently we were trying to put Cool Whip and Whip on pudding. Yeah. And uh, when I was a kid, we just ate the pudding, chocolate pudding. Out it, yeah. But now we're put, and also we're doing it for Jello. Yes. I love jello. I love jello with fruit in it. It's always yeah. a, it's a yeah. great, it's a great dessert, you know. Yeah. Well, on Christmas and Christmas Eve and New Year's and New Year's Eve in the wintertime, Mama would make a wonderful dark, uh, heavy coffee, you know. Yeah. Nighttime coffee, New Orleans coffee. And then she'd put a big blob of whipped cream that had sugar in it, and a cherry on top of that, and everybody loves that coffee. It, Yum. I'll have some. Doesn't that sound good? Yeah. I take that all the time. Christmas, Thanksgiving, you know, when it was cold weather. I have a confession to make. I have gotten the aerosol... You know the the can of, like Ready Whip, uh-huh. right? But I get that, but I got the heavy cream stuff, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and sometimes I would just eat that. <laughs> it would it would last for a while, but that's what I would have for dessert. Well, Walton just says that he eats it like that. Too. <laughs> <laughs> my dad will just take a spoon to his container, you know, mm-hmm. and that makes my mom too happy because she has other plans for it, you know. But yeah, right. Like, I know. Oh gosh, well I got caught this week. I'll, I'll make a confession. Uh, I did not know. My yeah. mom bought a box of Rick crackers. All right, for you use them, you ate them. <laughs> I ate a roll of Rick crackers and I threw the box away. And I guess other family members oh, have other, other, other family members. And my mom at two in the morning. I had planned for those Rick crackers, and sometimes you make tuna fish with Rick crackers or something, and oh, yeah. my, my dad had the yeah. promise he'll buy her another box of Rick crackers. I don't know if your families or anything. Now, all through the year, we just had regular coffee, you know. But around Christmas time or Thanksgiving, when it gets cold, that good New Orleans taste, dark, dark uh, coffee, you know, mm-hmm. and then a big dollop of sweet cream on top of that and a cherry on top of that. Wow. Yeah, it's good. Well, I told you, Patricia, they, if you, 
if you have the Ritz crackers at the normal traditional way, they taste the same, but these, um, they've been putting out a new brand of Ritz crackers, like, uh, like calories or whatever for it be like a fat-free Ritz, yeah. and they just don't taste the same. You know what I mean? No. And like the last time I bought them, and, and I tried them a couple of times in a row, and they just did not taste right. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. They're off my list, and I wouldn't put them in the refrigerator anyway, so you can cross that one off your desk. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I would say no rich in the fridge. But no I love fridge rich. I, I, you know, now there's another cracker that they call hi-ho. Remember that? Uh-huh. Sure. I hope cracker, but I don't think it's as good as the Ritz. Do you? Mm, I think it's no, not as no. crispy or buttery or something. I don't know. Hi-ho is a little, uh, and they're shaped kind of oval, like a yes. You no, know, instead of being round. Yes, I know what mm-hmm. you mean. They are good. Um, they are good. They are good, but they're not as good as Ritz. You no, know, I-, I wonder though. It's sharp teen, it's sort of the American cracker. I mean, we always have it here available. Okay, you know, we have soup or something. Yeah. Am I, am I different, everybody? Uh-oh, I, there's another confession. Yes, I will take sharp teen crackers and crack up and, and break them up. And put them in your soup. Yeah, and, normal. Uh, okay, I'm just wanting to make sure. I went Not there. a yeah. thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm listening. My ears are perked up. <laughs> now, every once in a while, Mother would uh, bring home uh, a little, the little soup crackers, little bitty round oh, oysters. Yes. yes, oysters. Oyster cracker. <laughs> oysters, yeah, crackers. They're good, aren't they? Yeah. They are. Yeah. They are. They are, yeah. You know. Yeah. Now, okay, so what did I put in my fridge? Uh-oh. What did? You put in that fridge. Let's see. Yeah, she went shopping today, too, everybody. You're all going to be ashamed of yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> We're not, are we, Walton? <laughs> we'll find out. Ashamed of ourselves, are we? <laughs> will, will, we be, will we be surprised at what we find out within your fridge? <laughs> give a hint give now. Here's, here's, it has to be cold. It can't be hot, of course. Is it? <laughs> no. That's that's Very number good. one. Yes. Very good. What 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 do we do? This is what's my line? Yes. Is it brown Next or white? Oh no no. Twenty Not questions. Twenty questions. <laughs> <laughs> I want to cheat because I want to win. Let's see. <laughs> is it? Uh, let's see. Is it? That's uh, a bread box. It's in a box? No, it's not bigger than a bread bread box. box. Oh, not bigger than a bread box. (laughs) All right, let's see. Walden, help me here. What else is there? Let's see. see, How about pimento cheese? Do you ever Mm. eat those olive pimento? They come in a little glass jar. Olive pimento cheese or regular pimento cheese. You know, they come in a little uh, white. A little glass. Yes I, yes, I know what you mean. No, that's not in there. And I'll even give you another guess because Walden guessed cheese, and that was correct. And I'll tell you what kinds of cheese okay, when now, the game is here's over. A, here's another big debate in my family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you put fruit? I like fruit in the refrigerator. My dad likes it on the counter. 
So, oh. so. Well, it depends on what it is. I would put oranges in the refrigerator, but bananas stay on the counter. It depends on the fruit, doesn't it? Yeah, I would yeah. think so, but I've never heard anybody ever put a banana in the refrigerator. That's for no. after, until it was actually been peeled, you know. But, but yeah. no, my dad likes even like these little small oranges on the counter. I just, mm-hmm. I love citrus fruit in the refrigerator. I just think it tastes better. I just, uh-huh. What's in my refrigerator, Walden? <laughs> We're digressing yes. again. Now, let's Walden is on his, way, <laughs> on his way to Oshkosh, and I'm asking for something in Texas. <laughs> How about I, I like, in your, I like in your refrigerator some little wonderful tangerines? Tangerines. No. No. Hmm. That was a good guess, though. That was very good. No. They're not in there. No citrus Tangerines, yeah. I actually like them better than the taste of oranges. Do you? Yeah, I do. I like them a little bit better than oranges, yeah. I like them both. Oh, well, I do, too, but <laughs> well, I like the one on sale, don't you? <laughs> Yes, the least expensive ones always taste the best. You're right. Taste the best, yes, absolutely. Yes, they are. Yes, yeah. They are. Well, let's see. One more quick try, and then somebody else can yep. call in and try. i got to let somebody else call in. How about, um, you know those little individual puddings, chocolate and vanilla? Oh, they're very good, but no. <laughs> Oh, well, shame on you. Oh, dear. How can you have a... They're wonderful. No, they're not in there. A little refrigerator. Put them on the list for the next time, though. That's good. A little refrigerator. Yeah, they come six or eight, I think. I forget, forget uh-huh. which. And you just, you know, peel the top back and eat them. Yeah. They're good. Yeah, now, my mom put those out in the garage in the, in the shelf. So that's one, that's one of my duties in the family. Well, when you get, go get the pudding, and I have to go out, out in the garage and pull them off. Oh, the dear. That's why I have to go. Does she keep it cold out there? No, it's just, you know, it's room temperature out there, but, you know, that's where she keeps the pudding. Now, now uh, I'm accustomed to eating uh, pudding kind of cool or cold. Not, doesn't I have, have no problem with cold. that, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh... All right, Patricia, you win this time. No, she does. <laughs> that sounded what? very evil and sinister. This is what will happen. Walden and I will wear you down. Yeah, no other food <laughs> left. Well, we walking on this on Christmas of 2025. <laughs> I might be gone, but the refrigerator will still be there. So you're right. You can keep on going. <laughs> We'll be sorry. <laughs> okay, let somebody else. All right, Celeste. Have a, have a super week. And, hey, put down on the calendar Friday, uh, March 23rd, because we're going to be celebrating Ella's 100th birthday with a brand-new book. Yeah. Oh, night. really? Yeah, yeah. And we're having her biographer on the show that night. Yes, now, honey. It, her, her, his name is Jeffrey March. And he was in the inner circle of Elifa Child. Oh, my. And this is, she would have been 100 this year, so they're coming out with a brand new book. Yeah. And so we're gonna be, oh. we'll be putting that. So I know how much you love music. So. Oh, yes, and that'll be Friday? Friday, March 23rd, a, a month from now. A month from now. now. March 23rd. Yep. Okay, very good, yeah. All right, my dear. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, well, I'll talk to you later you now. Know. Take care. They should watch out. We're closing in on you. <laughs> okay, I'll be careful. How are you going to keep tricking us like this? You're a trick. No, it's not a trick. They're, they're just normal things in there. I didn't put any surprises in there. <laughs> okay. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Okay. Normal. Do you think we're normal? Is that the, that's the other survey question. Send us an email at hotmail.com. <laughs> Is Patricia and Walden normal? Yes or no? You know, let us know. Do you peep? For you, that one, maybe they could email you. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to mess up my, ma- my email. I'm not accustomed to words like that. And Patricia is. Peanut butter. Do we keep peanut butter in the refrigerator or out of the refrigerator? We want to know what the family thinks, you know. Patricia keeps it out of the refrigerator. I like it in the refrigerator. So that's another of the great American debate. 714-545-2071. And uh, let's see. Now, Barbara's got to get ready for her poem on St. Patrick's Day. That's the next big poem that she, that she will have to get her ready for put that in your notes to remind your sister to get ready for St. Patrick's Day. She reminds me every <laughs> day. <laughs> Did you ever know She's got me hunting down words like shillelagh and shamrock. <laughs> did did you ever knew you had a poet in the family? No. <laughs> no. She did really well. I know. She's done wonderfully with it. And and considering Patricia's not a a uh, poet expert or whatever, the, you know, that's no. not your wheelhouse. Here, your sister is the, is the poet lawyer of Yesterday USA. What can <laughs> I... <laughs> She'll be thrilled at the designation. <laughs> well, it comes, it comes with responsibility. She's now on, she's on the call. <laughs> the yeah. <laughs> yes, and she's starting to get nervous. <laughs> Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Patricia here be for about another forty five minutes or so, and we'll, we'll cut her in bed because you know she gets up in these really early hours right now. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you know. It just throws her body clock off. All, all the heck. What nobody, nobody needs your blood checked at five thirty in the morning. <laughs> nobody. Except it's never right. <laughs> Probably good that they do it. Okay, I have a question for you. All right, sure. This is a trick question. Okay. It's a trick question. What is the highest court in the United States? Well, I, I, I'm going to go with the logical answer. The Supreme mm-hmm. Court. It is higher than the Supreme Court. Hmm. I have to tell you, there's no way you can get this. There's a basketball court on the top level of the Supreme Court. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was one of the cutest things I ever heard. It's the highest court in the land. Oh, geez. Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah. And I I picked up some real fun stuff along the way this week. (laughs) George W. Bush. Mm -hmm. You may remember the story about Barney. Yeah, that was a Bill Clinton dog, wasn't it? Or that? Or no, George W. Bush had um, Barney. He had Barney. Or no, yeah, he had. Bill he had, had Barney. Bill had Buddy, right? Was it Buddy? What was it name of his dog? 
Buddy. You're right. Yeah. He did have a okay. dog named Buddy. Okay. I forgot about that. Yeah. I remember the cat socks, but not Buddy. Buddy's. Okay. George Bush had a dog named Barney, mm -hmm. and Barney was famous because Dick Cheney's dog bit Barney, and Dick Cheney couldn't bring his dog to <laughs> Camp David anymore, <laughs> which I thought was a great story. But he had two dogs, Barney and Miss Beasley. Never heard about Miss, Miss Beasley. But they also had a cat. And? You're going to take a shot at it? I'll give you one guess because you'll never get it. Uh, Mama Bush. There has to be a story behind this one. The cat was named India. Huh. Yeah, it got to be. He has, an, he has to give an accounting of this. Okay, so you want to drop an email to Joyce and Kim will come on the show next week and we can talk about this? I don't think so. Oh, why not? I mean, we could talk about baseball with them? I don't think so. <laughs> I think in the current climate it would not be advisable. <laughs> you just never know the way the wind is going to blow on one of those. <laughs> you just never know. Well, we, we've been pretty good on the station. We had Margaret Truman and we had uh -huh. Barry Goldwater's daughter, you know. We, uh -huh. we, we've done pretty good on the... Uh, the we, didn't, fun. we didn't have anybody subject to political attacks. No matter what side you're on in politics, there's somebody out there who hates you. Yeah, but we don't hate nobody. We would be kind. We don't. We, no. We'd be kind, gentle to everybody. Maybe if we just kept the lines closed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I trust our family, but by gosh, you know, once in a while in a political arena. You hear something that just makes your toes curl. Oh. And you want to say something. Yeah. That's, that would be a fun thing. Just a, just a, just a, just a, a for instance, if you and I got invited to the White House, I think, <laughs> our, I think, our, <laughs> okay. I think, our, and we had our chance of two on one interview with any president of the United States over the last 50 years or so. Oh, my. So, I don't think, because of our nature, mm -hmm. I think we would definitely be an interesting interview pair because we would not necessarily be drag out politics. No, I think, I think no we, it, it wasn't having a contemporary effect no. on us or other people. No. It was something from history, and the effects were already done deals. Uh, yeah, who would you choose? Oh, I, I've been fun to spend time with Ronald Reagan. I think it been. I think we could have done a whole gamut of stuff. But really, I think any of the president would have been fun to to sit down and talk to over the mm -hmm. over the last run of them. It would been yeah. it would been fun. You know, I think some I think some some would get get us, and others would probably look at the look at the watch on the and think one was gonna leave. <laughs> you know. I think I would pick Harry Truman, Harry and I don't think he would look at his watch. No, no. And as I mentioned, Harry had to be a good guy. That my aunt, Carol, mm -hmm. my dad's sister, um, her high school class was a whopping nine people. Oh, you did tell us. It, yeah. yeah. And so she wrote to Truman when he was retired. And he invited his, her in class to come to him, to see him. And this was, they were in Nebraska, and so they traveled to Independence, Missouri. And they got a chance to spend time with Truman. And my aunt still kicks herself today 
we were just high school kids. We weren't prepared. We didn't have any questions or anything. No. We, were just, we were just ill-prepared to spend time with the former president of the United States. Mm-hmm. And I, she said, I really regret that, squandering that opportunity that we weren't prepared to, to, yeah. to do that. I would fault the teacher for that, and that's for not she prepping thinks. them or having them prep themselves. Yeah, and that's what she feels. Now, you know, she wasn't yeah. in the teaching profession, but she still kicks herself about that. You know. And I can understand why I would. If I were in high school and had that opportunity, in high school I wouldn't. I would have been stymied. I, you know, okay, entertain me type thing. You know, <laughs> uh, so I'm here. I'm wonderful, and it's about time you recognized it. I don't know. It's um, I I would have. I I think squander is probably a very good word. I would have squandered it as a high school student. Mm. The older I get, the more I realize how important time like that would have been. But I can't fault her as a high school student for that. I can understand why she kicked herself, though. Yeah, that's why she feel, she still feels that she kicks, yeah. her, kicks herself. She's still opposite. kicking herself uh-huh. for it. Yeah. yeah. Here, you know, 60 years later, she still regrets that, you know, the opportunity. So, 714-545. Two old seven one. If anybody never heard, and we should probably pull this someday. We'll probably put it on the podcast. The time when uh, we had Margaret Truman on the air. Poor Bill Bragg did a blooper, and she never let Bill forget oh, it. Oh no! What uh, did he do? He introduced her coming from independent independent Kansas. She got on. Well, look, what, did, what did I do? I, I, <laughs> I, I said um, Indiana to your uncle. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so she, 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 she stuck up for Missouri. There's no doubt about that. She let, she let Bill know she was from Missouri. You know, not, yeah. not Kansas. You know, so. Oh well, the great bloopers we all make in, in life sometimes. Oh yes, you were from Wayne, Indiana. <laughs> You <laughs> oh, really did a good one on that one. Oh, oh, no, no, no. Cut it out, cut it out. Did you, yes, you did edit it out. I did, didn't you? yeah. Oh, bless you, and you can, <laughs> And you can hear the that podcast. It's up on Patricia's podcast, that interview with Uncle Jim. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> so funny. I was just listening to it this week, the unedited version of that. And I was going mm-hmm. to, Patricia and I generally talk before we talk to the guests. And she wanted to know the proper way to introduce my uncle. And so she had it all worked out, you know, retired four-star general J.B. Davis. And she wanted to know what else proper terms. And I guess said Walden's uncle. And you just got a big kick out of that. You typed that in. I did. That's what I used. <laughs> this is so much simpler. You've heard Walden talk about his, his uncle Jim. Here he is. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. We are, we cannot be duplicated. We cannot be imitated. We are one of a kind. We are. Yes, we are. We don't, 714-545-2071. We Give don't, us a call. We don't take ourselves too seriously. What is the beauty of the thing? Yes, 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 yes. Well, well, I came across some Charles Schultz information uh, this week. Tell me, what, what do you find out? Well, um, I found out that has some money. He only took one day off in his entire life. 
Can you can you imagine? He had a work schedule Monday through Friday, but to take a work day off or a vacation, he had one vacation in his entire career, and it wasn't until he was 75 years old. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. I think he must and, have, I think he must have loved what he did. Oh, he loved it. Yeah. Absolutely loved yeah. it. But in the dollar department, creator of Peanuts, read by 355 million people around the world. I, 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 I had a hard time getting my arms around that one. 355 million people know Snoopy. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. In the dollar department. Now, we've got merchandise, product endorsements, and pay for Snoopy cartoons. Schultz earned between 30 and $40 million a year. Wow. And he drew at least 18,250 strips over, the, over 50 years. Isn't that amazing? That's incredible. Yeah. Just the excursion, the lunar excursion model, in the 1965 NASA's lunar excursion right. module right. on the Apollo 11. Right. It was nicknamed Snoopy. Oh. Isn't that cute? That's my Snoopy for now. Yeah. You got some good info on Black History Month, considering this is our last Saturday for the month of February. Maybe That's you want right. to. Thank you for reminding maybe me. Maybe we want to get into some. There uh, it is. Okay. Our wonderful black family members. What do we have? We have a whole bunch of stuff. Black History Month mm -hmm. began as Negro History Month in 1926. I did not know that we had observations about this wonderful heritage that I, we've got. I, I never knew. We went, I never knew we went that far back with that concept. No, that, that's what I said. You wow. Know? But it became a month-long celebration in 1976, okay. and February was used to coincide with the birthday of Frederick Do Douglass and Abraham Lincoln. Ah, okay. And I'll bet if I were a good person, I would be able to tell you Frederick Douglass's birthday, and I can't. Shame on me. I, I need to read these things more <laughs> carefully. Okay, the first black lawyer, John Mercer Langston, was the first black man to become a lawyer when he passed the bar in Ohio. Guess what date? Seven, the year, not the date. 1780. First black man to be an attorney. Mm -hmm. 1780. I'm going early. 18, 1854. Well, before the, before the Civil War. All right. Okay. Uh-huh. That is true. And he was the first African-American ever elected to public office. John John Mercer Langston was also the great uncle of Langston Hughes, uh, who was a fame he was a famed poet in what? the Harlem Renaissance. And I did not look up the Harlem Renaissance either. Boy, I'm really not I, I I've never here, heard of I? I've never heard of the Harlem Re Renaissance. That's I new... never did either. Okay. But if we do something interesting like have some dead time, <laughs> I'll look it up because sure. I've got a link to it here. Sure. Uh, and, of course, Thurgood Marshall, our yeah. Supreme Court Justice. When did he take uh, Well, let me think. He, he, he made that famous uh, argument in uh, Brown and the School Board in 54, and I think he was elected, I want to say about 60, about 1960 or so. 1967. 
Go in and he was appointed. Okay. Yeah, he was appointed by Lyndon Johnson yeah. and served from 1967 to 1991. A good run. It was a good run. 24 yeah. years. He okay. was a very austere-looking man. Yeah. Very serious-looking. Yes. Yes. Wonderful person. And then, of course, George Washington Carver. I mean, I just I, I revel in the history of George Washington yeah. Carver. Yeah. What what, had more, what what an inventor to think about all the things he oh, created. Yeah. Unbelievable. From peanuts. Mm -hmm. From peanuts. Three hundred products derived from peanuts. We we're having ambient sounds here. Um, among them. Cheese, milk, coffee, flour, ink, dyes, plastics, wood stains, soap, linoleum, medicinal oils, and cosmetics. And that's just a couple of drops in the big bucket. Mm. I, I just, I, I'm just astounded. Every time I read something about him, I get astounded. Yeah. <sighs> Let's see what else we have. Self-made millionaire. Let's see. Oh, Madam C.J. Walker. She was born on a cotton plantation in Louisiana and became wealthy after inventing a line of African-American hair care products. Huh. She, yeah, she established her own laboratories, and she was also known for philanthropy. Isn't that cool? Very nice. And then we have Hattie McDaniel. Hattie McDaniel from uh, who won uh, an Oscar, I believe. Yes, she did. She was the first African-American performer who won an Academy Award, and she played the governess, the slave governess, in Gone with the Wind. And she had a marvelous career. I looked up some stuff. When, um, do we have some time to talk about sure. some of her stuff? Absolutely. She was, uh, she, of course, she had a good one on radio. She was one of the viewers on radio. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, she, I think she was one of the viewers on TV. Yes, she was. Um... Of course, I, of course, I, you you hear her a lot. Uh, I think she did other movies besides Gone with the Wind. I can't think right off the bat what they are, but tell me what what were you able to dig up about Hattie McDaniel? Well, one one of the things was that she had a marvelous sense of humor that coupled up with her serious side because she was criticized for playing uh, Beulah the role of Beulah on the radio and television, and the NAACP criticized her very, very harshly for playing a stereotypical black maid. But she, her retort was, why should I complain about making $700 a week as playing a maid? If I didn't, I'd be making $7 a week actually being one. Good point. And I thought, wow, this lady, <laughs> this lady was really on top of her things. So, um, it, it, she really had some, some hard times here. Let's see. She earned. Ah, here we go. Um, when she was back on the top, she had the role of Beulah. November 24, 1947, earning a cool $1,000 a week. Now, that must have been on television. Did we have television? Did we, the, the Beulah show wasn't on television that early. No, it was with the radio side. Um, $1,000 a week? Yeah. Really? Yeah. A in lot. in dollars today, it would be twenty four thousand uh dollars -huh. yeah. a week. Yeah, that's well, amazing. Well, think about how Perry in nineteen forty seven, his son told it. How Perry in nineteen forty seven was making six thousand five hundred a week for the Gallery Park. Woo! 
That's a lot of shekels. The problem was the taxes were so... Oh, that's right. They were in the extraordinaries. 90, yes. 95% tile or some gigantic mm-hmm. things. And so that's why how for you, he started around 45 was trying to get control of the name of Josephine. That way he could mm-hmm. incorporate and Kraft never wanted to give it up. So it just they kept raising his salary, but it didn't do him any good because they were all going to the, for taxes. To the government, yeah. Now, it, I need to do some research mm-hmm. on that mm-hmm. and find out what the system was, what kinds of deductions did they have, um, how, what opportunities they had to protect their money, not avoid taxes or do income tax evasion, but to protect their money, perhaps in investments or um, during World War II, were there any special things that they could invest in or get credit for buying bonds or It'd be interesting because I, I know my friend Kitty Cowan in 1954 in the 95% tax bracket. And Bud said it got to the point because we, we, we would just write it off. We decided to take friends, charter an airplane, and fly from New York to, to Chicago and have dinner because there was money gone anyway. Why not? Why money not? gone anyway, but that was their money that they were spending, right. not the government's money. <laughs> they were going to wind up with really nothing. <laughs> Something so, wrong with this thinking, but yeah. it sounds like it was fun. So so I guess you've been interested to see what kind of uh, a... It was the famous story about I.C. Nelson, who was a pretty practical person. And when, mm-hmm. when Ricky was hitting it big in the late 50s, uh, you know, he was done to record those rock and roll songs and he was seeing them on the TV show. He wanted to buy a sports car, you know, one of those really nice cars. And, and mm-hmm. I see was trying my, Ricky, you are in the 95 cent, 95% tax bracket. And he didn't care. He, he wanted that, he wanted that sports car, you know. But, uh, so I don't know what kind of deductions in those days there were, um, you know, for people. Uh, yeah, there had to be something. I mean, it's still hard to it's still hard to, for me to believe, or it's interesting to believe that up to 1940, only five percent mm-hmm. of the population were paying federal income taxes. Hmm. But to think about, in, in those days, you had to earn so much before you were qualified to pay taxes. Yeah, and so there was only. Five percent of the U.S. population that paid any federal income taxes in 1940. All um, that, of course, changed be- question, d- during the war. You know. Yeah. Uh, My question then is: Were there more people who should have paid, but they weren't able to track them down? That's a good point. Who knows? You know, we didn't. Ha- we didn't have um, <laughs> W-240s or yeah. you know w- W-240. No, I didn't mean that. <laughs> I I had um, 1099s uh, instead of um, W2s. Right. But they didn't they didn't have that kind of a system where employers were submitting to the government how much money they paid to whom. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. I wonder how they track people down. That would be an interesting research. Give them my timing quickly. <laughs> That's an interesting research project. Well, continue. We're getting into the. <laughs> It seems we are getting into the tax season. Maybe we should look up the attack code of of, of during the war or something. It'd be fun to see 
that the words ain't called loopholes. Mm-hmm. You know? I just made a note to myself. <laughs> yeah, okay. They always, and I really do have notes. Hmm? Yeah, they always talk about encouraging people, you know, with the radio, to buy war bonds or savings bonds or things yes. like that. So. Yes. That's interesting. If they were allowed income tax credit for buying bonds, it would have washed out some of the benefits of yeah. having, for the government, it would have, they would have surrendered some of the benefits of having bonds purchased. Right. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, back to famous people. Mm-hmm. Dr. May Jemison. Do you know who Dr. May Jemison I do, is? I do not know. No. Dr. May Jim Jameson was the first African-American woman to go into space aboard the shuttle Endeavor. Boy, that's what, that's, I, I should have known that name. That one's really swept past me. I, I'm really surprised. Okay. I have seen that. And please, Dr. Jameson, please forgive me. I have seen your name in that, in that capacity several times. And when I came across it again, I said, I don't know who Dr. Jameson is. And I should have. Wow. 1992. And, it, you know, it wasn't way back when. And, of course, we had Barack Obama in the White House yeah. and Condoleezza Rice yeah. in um, the Bush administration. And let's see. Oh, I've got some fun stuff from here. Are you ready? Oh, can I mention a thing about Condoleezza Rice? Oh, sure. What a talented lady, Coach. I think more people know she's on the University of Stanford faculty right now. And I think she's like a concert pianist. And she's really high-end piano skills. But you know what she mm. did here the last couple of years? I don't mm-hmm. think she's on the committee now. What committee? What big-time committee in the United States that she was part of? A committee. Mm-hmm. This must have been something fun. It was. Hmm. I don't know. She was on the college. Softball. She was on the college football committee to pick out the four, the four team that played in the playoffs the last couple of years. Wow. Yeah. My goodness, <laughs> brains and <laughs> football and <laughs> my gosh, my. Gosh, she also, by the way, yeah. as did Dr. Martin Luther King, the two of them started college when they were 15 years old, both of them. Jeez. Great people. Yeah. Okay, Henry Box Brown. I'm not familiar with that name. I wasn't either, but <laughs> he should have been famous because in 1849, he mailed himself to freedom. He was a slave, uh, and he put himself in a shipping box for a 27-hour trip from Richmond, Virginia, to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And when he got to Pennsylvania, he was free, and it worked. I wonder what address did he use? Did he mail it to himself? It must have been, you know, <laughs> I guess, general delivery. I don't know. <laughs> But it worked. It worked. And I, I mean, that's ingenuity. It sure is. Who's there? Hello there, you're on with Patricia. Uh, hello, you two. Hi, Celeste. And just a quickie. Uh, Mr. Woolworth was one of the richest men in the world. And remember, his daughter was married many, many times and all that. And at the beginning of the war, uh, FDR 
raise taxes. That's the first time everybody began to pay taxes was during that night. Okay, well, Mr. Woolworth wrote President Roosevelt he wasn't going to pay any taxes. And President Roosevelt told him, that's just fine. I assume you're in your office. And he said, yes. And he said, I'm sending my soldiers in to keep you in your chair and carry you out to the sidewalk, and you will pay taxes. Now, there's two big, rough guys duking it out, isn't it? I think well, I gotta tell you, this must have been something that ran through the government because the person who owned uh, Mr. Montgomery, yeah. Montgomery Ward, Montgomery got Ward. marched out of his right. too. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. What in '43? I I did not know that until you figured that one out here about he was not doing right by uh, the weapons or the. Uh, the orders, but from the... That's right. He, he didn't... Montgomery Ward did yeah. not fulfill the contracted... Uh, th- he had government contracts during the war, and he wasn't fulfilling them. So they went and took him out of his office and put him on the street. They took over Montgomery Ward. They nationalized Montgomery Ward. <laughs> and, and I guess... And he, he didn't get the company back till after the war. That's right. Well, I don't know if the same thing happened with Woolworth, but I know it was that uh, Barbara, oh, I can't think of his granddaughter's name. She was kind of a playgirl that people, she had the best of everything, and people Mm -hmm. followed her all over the world. And he just thought it was obscene that he wouldn't put in his part for the war to save our country. So he said... I'm not coming out of my office. I'm not paying taxes. And FDR said, I'm sending my men up to get you. You stay in your chair. It's- I would have sent them up just to stay outside his office. As long as he said he wasn't coming out of his office, we could help. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe he, maybe Roosevelt could have wrote, you could become one of my dollar a year men and we'll get take everything else you make and get, give it <laughs> to the government. <laughs> that's absolutely right. But I usually try not to call in twice. Oh, that's a great story. That's a good story. No, that was a good it's story. One of those that just always popped in my mind. I always thought that was funny to see a grown-up man with a beard being carried out of his. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're doing good. What else are you talking about? We're going to Black History Month a little bit. Some things that people that we're not familiar with that Patricia is yes. looking up uh-huh. her biographies right now. So that's, yeah. that's what we're doing. I heard some of them that, you know, LBJ appointing um, um, Sergeant Marshall. Sergeant Marshall. Marshall, yes. Yeah. He, he had a little office in Austin, Texas, and he really worked his way up the judiciary. He was a wonderful man, yeah. You might, mm-hmm. miss, the, you might miss this one, Celeste. Patricia, you right. read this one. There was a gentleman who mailed, he mailed himself to freedom. <laughs> he did. He, he in, did. In 1849, and they, they, they gave him the nickname Box, Henry Box Brown, mailed himself to freedom in a shipping box. It was a 27-hour trip. He mailed himself from Richmond, Virginia, where he was a slave, to Philadelphia, where he was a free man. Oh, how what a... I know. He figured out a way where he wasn't in danger of being run down. 
right. hunted down, and he nailed himself to safety. I, I think that is just so... That is really, most wonderful I love that story. story. How great. So that's what my, que- that story. my question is, who did, who did he mail it? Did he mail it to himself or Patricia I, said General say. Delivery? It didn't say. And I, I suppose he could have put down any name care of General Delivery because that meant somebody was notified that a package was coming and they would come to the post office and collect it themselves. <laughs> so he must have sent it to General Delivery. Oh, it was general delivery, or do you suppose he mailed him to his family? That's an assumption on my part. All I know is that he shipped himself from Richmond to Philadelphia, but Walden raised a good question. Who did he ship himself to? Yes. So here's my other question. How much were stamps in those days? (laughs) I wondered that, too. I wondered. It must have been uh, like railroad shipping. Yeah. It wouldn't have gone through. Uh, You would go in a freight. Listen, my daddy was for the railroad. You would go in a freight. Or if you uh-huh. been that. So, yeah, so, so that's probably what he so, did. So, in other, words, in other words, you've probably gone to the train station, and they would probably measure it and weigh it, and then tell you how much you owe before they put it on the train, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, somebody had to put him on the train, too. Yeah. 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 Well, maybe he had a friend. Let's make a story. He had a friend that worked for the railroad. <laughs> Yeah, we can make it a good story, yeah. But as, um, as Walden and you are coming up with these interesting little tidbits, well, what did he do for this and what did he do for that? This really was a piece of ingenuity to get this. It sounds so simple. I mailed myself to Philadelphia, but no, he had to really make some intricate arrangements. And one one of the most famous stories from that time when blacks were fleeing for their lives uh, is the Underground Railroad. Have you ever read of that? Yes, we talked about that last year quite at length. I thought I remembered talking about that. Yes, yes. What a story. How courageous. That's the word. Now, isn't she the one on, on, is it the $10 bill? Wasn't then we whichever one Jackson is on. Right, I think it's the ten, right? Then we right. Then we go with her now at the portrait okay. on the ten dollar bill. Uh, who's on? Who's on the twenty? Who's on first? Hold Who's on, on first? All right, let's see here. Um, let's. Uh, what is Jackson? Is he the twenty? That's what I'm asking. That's <laughs> 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 I'm I'm doing a one finger check okay. here. Okay. <laughs> On Google, I can I because I'm holding a phone. Let's see, um, Jackson is on a twenty dollar bill. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, who is, is he the one that they replaced? Yeah, I think it was Jackson that we got replaced. Remember the, the yes, but Harriet Tubman is going to be, from what I recall having read a couple of months ago, that she is relegated to the back of the bill, not the front. So I don't know who they're going to. So she didn't get the whole. It has to be. It has to be her. Um, all right, you, you keep... You, you, you go, so us and I will, will, will ponder this while you... Okay, research. now I do remember that happening last year, and there was a kind of hubbub over it. Some people wanted it and some people didn't. Right, uh, and I think a lot of people were really... Want him on that bill because he was a slaveholder. Correct, and they, re- and then they, and they realized they started looking at his background, so a lot of people, they got to be and such an anti-Jackson... Did. Native American. Yes, I think that was it. The trail of years, yeah. Now, huh? and, and here we here we are with uh, Mnuchin, our 
treasury person yeah has now said maybe not harriet tubman what uh, I'm, I'm looking at an august article here the trump administration signaled on yeah they they were try, they're trying to change that huh. yeah they don't want harriet tubman i don't yeah. and then this is the opening paragraph and it's a new york times article the Trump administration signaled on Thursday that the black abolitionist Harriet Tubman may not replace President Andrew Jackson on the $20 bill after all. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin declined to endorse the plan for a 2020 redesign of the $20 bill, which was announced by the Obama administration last year. So I'll have to read the rest of the article well, and see I what's just coming thought, out here. I just thought I can't, mm, go ahead, Patricia. How did they get by me? How did they get past me? I don't know. That's a new one. I just thought of something. Oh, but it it doesn't sound good, does no. it? Here's another interesting thing. I guess don't we have don't we have plenty of bills that we can change if you want to change it to something else? I would think so. I mean, you, you, I don't think they make the five hundred dollar bill or the thousand dollar bill anymore. Yeah. Um, they don't make the thousand. I'm not sure about the five hundred. That's probably out of circulation. You're right. I believe I read recently that the hundred dollar bill is the highest denomination you can get now. Okay, so is, is Benjamin Franklin and Alexander Hamilton, are they the two people on the dollar bill, on the currency, that are not mm -hmm. U.S. presidents? That is correct. Okay, that's what I was just wondering. Well, now, Benjamin Franklin's on a five, isn't he? He's I think on a 50. He's on the 50. Lincoln, Lincoln, Lincoln's on the five. Lincoln's on the five. Lincoln. Uh, Franklin is on the 50, and Hamilton is on the 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, why didn't they ever make a twenty-five-dollar bill? They didn't. Make you uh, are you saying why did they? Yeah, why did they? they? Why haven't they ever made a twenty-five-dollar bill? Why should they? Well, a lot of things cost twenty-five dollars. Yeah, and it, yeah you know, so you have a twenty-dollar bill and a five-dollar bill. How are you going to give change <laughs> to a twenty-five-dollar bill? <laughs> oh, honestly, Walter, you come up with the darndest what-if. <laughs> if the one hundred the most used currency for twenty five dollar bill seems so logical to me than five twenties, right? <laughs> Wait a minute, one twenty five dollar bill wouldn't be the same as five twenties. Is that what you say? Yeah, it's yeah. Another, I said I should make a hundred. It would take oh. five twenty for a hundred. It would just take four twenty five. Four twenty five. Okay. And see, so see, it's less real. It's a huge strain for people. Where are they going to put it in the cash drawer? They've already got the slots assigned. It, but see, it'd be less people. <laughs> I thought that was a great comeback. Walt, <laughs> you're not giving me credit. <laughs> Very good, Patricia. But I got one. See, my art, it would save the trees. It's less paper, yeah. so it would save the trees. Except they're linen. They're not trees. Oh. <laughs> they are. <laughs> so there. They're, they're made out of fabric. <laughs> A yes. fabric, I don't know, a mushy kind of fabric. I saw that one time, what it looked like, laid out. Yeah. Then the big cutters come through. And uh -huh. chop, 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 chop. Yes, they, they print the sheets and then they chop, 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 chop the sheets. Uh -huh. Okay, so, so here, here's another crazy... Well, I think the three of us could take a sheet each, don't you? Oh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Yeah. If I have my choice of denominations, I'll take the hundred if it's all right with you. Sure, okay. I'll take I'll take uh, two hundred and fifties. Okay, that's good. Okay. What do you want, Walden? Oh, I'll just go with the thousand dollar bills. I think they're more convenient. Thousand. They yeah. don't print them anymore. 
I'll just have them do a special one just for me. We're trying to help you out here. You're going to have trouble passing it. I'll everything. wind up with nothing if you don't listen to us. That's true. Okay, now here's my what if. Why like did, Rumpelstiltskin, you only get one more chance. <laughs> right, that's right. So my question is, why didn't they, why didn't they ever make a seventy-five cent piece? Well, why should they? <laughs> well, then, I'm getting frustrated. I know, I know. You just, you know, some nights. Yeah, but I, she, I just, I just want to take him by the ear and march him to his room. Yeah, you know? but, yeah, but. Just have to hold him down. Yeah, yeah but. Take him back. Make him act yeah, but, nice. yeah, but. Yeah, yeah but. but. And Patricia would say, yeah, but. We have a yeah, penny, but. a nickel, right. a dime, a quarter. Uh-huh. They used to have the 50 cents piece, right? They still do. And a dollar. Yeah, I used to. So why do we jump from the dollar to the, from the 50 cent piece to the dollar? Why do we skip the 75 cent piece? All them. Because somebody <laughs> probably said, hey, guys, we'll save money if we give you and a quarter. Yeah. I don't Thank th- you. I don't think. Thank you, Celeste. The I voice don't... of common sense. Are you listening to Texas Walden? <laughs> <laughs> That's what they said, and the other guy said, "Oh, they said there was a nutty guy that wanted a seventy-five cent piece. <laughs> Not going to do that one." <laughs> when you stand out on the corner with a cup. Yeah. And somebody drops a seventy-five cent piece in there. Yeah, I want to see it. <laughs> You'll be so happy. Oh, look! I told you it could be done. <laughs> Unreal. Now, who should be on the seventy-five cent piece? I think we should start a campaign. Do another campaign. Yes. Yeah. Who should be on the seventy-five on cent the 70... piece? Well, I'm only about three quarters there. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what? I don't see much anymore, and this is this is real without joking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susan Didn't we have for a while Roosevelt dimes? Yes. Yeah, and then we had the candy they dime. Still, they still are, aren't they? Do you ever see those anymore? Hold on, I've got some in my pocket. Just okay. a minute. Well, then we have the candy dimes, and I think it's in the 64 candy dime with a little silver. And some of those. Yeah, th- Roosevelt. But I think the use. I think got one. Okay, okay. I hadn't, I didn't remember seeing one for a while, but but, but I understand that the, for a while, Kennedy was on the on the dime, and Kennedy, Kennedy, Kennedy was, was on the fifty cent piece. Then they're screwing up. Can I've heard someone for a while the sixty, the nineteen sixty four, but she said if had enough silver that some of those got be worth a thousand dollars. Wow. They weren't. I don't think they were using silver when the Kennedy half dollars came out. So, I guess that's another thing we need to look up from. Yeah. Now, don't all of them have another alloy, but the silver's on the outside? Am I wrong about that? Probably. I don't know what it is, though. Um, I don't either, but I always thought there was some kind of mixture. Mm-hmm. But the oh, yes. shiny yeah. silver was on the outside. Isn't it ironed, ironed, something, is it something which... It's probably got some copper in there. Okay. Iron would be too heavy. Oh, gosh. I can see your 75-cent pieces in your pocket. <laughs> You'd be walking on the side of your body. 
Well, I think be crawling like a worm. I think we did have iron in the early days, right? Somebody would be walking behind the fishing chair and say, "Look at that poor lady. She's all scooped over." <laughs> Because she has something falling out of it. <laughs> Do not walk in front of a magnet. Oh, yeah. my goodness. So. Okay, well, Celeste, you all behave yourself, okay? Oh, we can't do that. And get something good in that refrigerator. <laughs> oh. oh, I do. You just haven't guessed what it is. I haven't guessed it. You go get some of those little puddings. Yeah, puddings. But... <laughs> okay, I will put that on the list for next time. <laughs> good night. Good night, her. Take care. Good night, Celeste. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, honey. Well, it's midnight. Should we let you get ready for tomorrow? I think so. Yeah. I think so. I do have some stuff here for you, though. Okay. Just one thing I want to give you. Let me see what we've got here. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, we are having a couple campaigns. Yeah. Do you think Patricia and Walton are normal? Let us know. Okay. You can email us at floridawriter at hotmail.com. Yeah. With Patricia and Walden, are they normal? And yeah. the and the other survey that we're, we're finding out this week, did you keep peanut butter in the refrigerator or <laughs> out of the refrigerator? Those are the hot topics, you know? Yes. American wants to know about peanut yes. butter and Patricia and Walden. Are they normal? And where did you keep your peanut butter? Those are the hot topics of the week. Boy, the normal one is going to really get people... <laughs> Okay, we're finished. <laughs> okay, my dear. You, right. you you have fun, and I will talk to you next month. That's right. Ooh. That's right. Next week is a new month. You Good bet. night, everybody. Good night, Good Patricia. Good night, Walden. All right, hon. Bye-bye. And there go Patricia. And we'll say our prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity of spending time with Patricia. Thank you for her callers. Thank you for this wonderful country we live in. But the opportunities we have. Lord, look after our men and women in the, in the military. Thank you for their service. Thank you for their family to support them. Help those who are in need, Lord, who might be looking for food or clothing or shelter or medical service. Help those who are in the hospital. Help all those who are going through the flu. Lord, bless my friend Brian Hager and his wife Sherry. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right. We're going to get to a Ray Breeze. Stand by here on Yesterday, USA. Jaws Proof. Saturday items view multi ray bream mate ray bream mate for enter. Hello, I'm Henry Morgan. Did you know that one word is worth a thousand pictures? It sure is. Here's a word France, easily worth a thousand. Polaroid, you get the picture. One word, the right word, and an advertiser saves the cost of a thousand pictures. That's exactly what radio does. In this case, it's a word to the wise. The wise advertiser. San Francisco. Sailboat. Raquel. One word does it. That word is radio. Red hot. Call this station or the Radio Advertising Bureau. Americans, before you head down the open road for anywhere this summer, be sure you're part of the interstate system. That means you'll have an interstate battery in your car, of which there is none finer. And... 
You'll have a telephone number which you can call without charge from anywhere, anytime, to be put in touch with the nearest of 105,000 interstate battery dealers. 105,000 friends standing by to serve you. When you're part of the interstate system, nowhere are you ever alone again. Now, the rest of the story. What do you know about the science of optics? Do you realize that we can now, from an orbiting satellite, count the dimples on an Earth-bound golf ball? Do you know that NASA, looking up at a space shuttle, can count the missing tiles on its belly? And that's not all. It was in 1979 that this high-tech process for digital image analysis was turned to the scrutiny of a piece of linen cloth, a curiously marked and controversial herringbone twill. It had long been treasured by the Roman Catholic Church as the shroud used in the burial of Jesus. Ironically, when the Shroud of Turin was first exhibited publicly 600 years ago, church officials warned everybody that it was to be viewed as a representation, was surely not the authentic Shroud of the Savior himself. Recent years, however, that liturgical skepticism has been challenged, and by, of all things, by the scientific community. A parade of pathologists and physicists and chemists and textile experts examined the relic and almost all concur that the image mysteriously imprinted thereon, the face, indeed the entire body, was produced by a three-dimensional something, most likely a deceased human. Blood stains correspond appropriately. Wounds in every way suggest a crucifixion, as described in the biblical account of Christ's. Even the fabric itself is impregnated with microscopic pollen from plants which, indeed, thrive only in the Holy Land. Then arose the issue of the coins. You see, it was Jewish custom in the time of Jesus to place coins over the eyes of the dead. And in the image on the shroud, these coins are all but invisible until in 1979, advancing technology caught up with the questions and these supposed coins were scrutinized by digital image analysis. Now, the results of the examination. Only one of the coins is clearly enough defined to be identified and that coin is the one over the right eye. If genuine, did it fit the general place and time of Jesus? No way. For on that one discernible coin, the inscription was misspelled. Where the letter K should have been appeared the letter C instead. And so the skeptics, rubbing their hands with glee, announced that the shroud's forger had betrayed himself. And it was indeed agreed among numismatists worldwide that the coin depicted on the shroud as inscribed had never, ever existed. And now you know, oh, oh no you don't. That scientific pronouncement was made in 1979. Since September of 1981, at least four authentic ancient coins have been discovered with identical misspellings. And each of these coins was issued by the Roman governor of Palestine, Pontius Pilate. And one of those newly discovered coins 
we are now certain was issued in 29 AD, which scholars currently agree was the precise year of the crucifixion. Now, do we know the rest of the story? He represents 2,600 square miles of California's mountains, deserts, farms, neighborhoods, and almost 2 million people. More than the state of Nebraska. It's a big job, and Mike Antonovich does it well. Ask the people he represents. Talk about property taxes? I'm still for Prop 13, and so is Mike Antonovich. And that's important. Police and fire protection are my concern. I'm glad Mike Antonovich is our supervisor. He's a reserve policeman himself. He's concerned about government cost and waste. So are all of us. He saved millions by letting private contractors bid on county services. More than 100 years ago, Lincoln offered us profound advice that the future of this country can only depend upon the realization that government should only do for the people what people cannot do for themselves. Four years ago, the people made the right decision. They will again. That's why friends of Mike Antonovich have paid for this message. And your ideas are always welcome right here on Talk Radio. It's the place where you'll hear one-of-a-kind, two-way conversations filled with information and provocative ideas. Talk Radio is entertainment in its purest form. Talk Radio is... Ray Bream! And good morning, everyone. In World War II, millions of military personnel discovered the value of what was then a rather new thing to the armed forces fighting for uh, the survival of this country and the liberation of Europe and, of course, uh, the Far East. It was called the Armed Forces Radio Service. And it was a priceless link to home, and home became less remote. And, of course, in Korea and, uh, of course, in Vietnam, it played a very major role, and in those uh, wars, television made its appearance as well. Armed Forces Radio Service became the Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. So you've heard many times when people will say, this program is being shortwaved to our Armed Forces overseas via the Armed Forces Radio Service. If you've ever wanted to know what it's all about, if you've ever been a GI, you know what it's about. Well, we have some people in the studio that... Well, take us right back to the very beginning. Let's go back to 1942. There was a man named Tom Lewis who put this thing all together. He's here with us. Tom, glad to have you with us. Thank you very much, Ray. Would you tell our audience exactly how Armed Forces Radio Service began? Well, one day uh, I, was, I came out here as a vice president of Young Rubicum to do a show called the Screen Guild Theater. And... Um, one day, a man came from Washington. The war, of course, happened, Pearl Harbor, then the declaration of war. And then uh, Colonel Arthur Farlow came out and said, will you um, quit your job right away and um, make a plan for, the, for radio that would reach troops wherever they may be in this global war and um, present it to the 
Joint Army and Navy Committee, and uh, you will be commissioned a major. And um, I did that, and that's how we began. Okay, so it began in Hollywood, California, and that was 1942, right? Yes. Uh, it didn't really begin in... Ho uh, the, the conversation was in Hollywood, mm -hmm. California, but mm -hmm. then I went on to New York to make that presentation and then to Washington. I see. But uh, command performance and the shortwave transmitters that were being used in those early days, uh, that all began in 1942, correct? Yes. Okay. Then, uh, of course, uh, we didn't have any stations overseas, uh, so it had to be shortwave, and that was it. That's all we had, right? Yes. In but the beginning, in that's the beginning, all we had. Right. Then, in about 1943, a year later, uh, in, in London, uh, together with the BBC, you had a small operation going, yeah. uh, based in London, right? Yeah. That operation, really, the genesis of that is that uh, at the, um, when I first went to Washington, uh, Robert Sherwood, you know Robert Sherwood, the playwright? Yes. Was a speechwriter for uh, President Roosevelt. Uh -huh. He also was in on the creation of the, of the OSS, with General Donovan uh -huh. of the and very much in the creation of OWI, he was a friend of mine. He called me, and he said, um, "You'll never be able to do what you came here to do. You have one man given you. Uh, it'll break your heart. You won't be able to operate as you did in Young and Rubicon. But uh, I'll request your uh, transfer to uh, to OWI, and uh, that's the Office of War Information. Yes." And um, we will give you the money uh, by executive order that you need, and the men, they will be civilians, because we have a technique called the eavesdropping technique, that all military broadcasting will be tuned in by the enemy, and they will not jam the uh -huh. signal. Uh -huh. And um, I said, think about it, and I said, I don't have to. I did this to get into the Army, and I'm going to do it in the Army. And he was a help to me. Uh, Dutch Harbor happened. And uh, I asked if I could go out of the country. This would be a typical situation, mm -hmm. and typical situation where men were isolated and needed this 24-hour touch with home. And um, so I went up there on orders from General Marshall, actually. He arranged that and um, was able to observe what was happening there, which was, which was an extreme case of what would happen in other mm -hmm. places. Mm -hmm. And um, up there, during that period, I also went with a man called Murray Brophy, who is known here in Hollywood, was at CBS, I believe, who'd become some sort of assistant to Bob Sherwood. And uh, we went, <laughs> I went with him. He, was, he operated in a very high, wide, and handsome way, as all those people did in executive order. And um, we, one night in the only hotel in Anchorage, near Fort Richardson, uh, we um, laid the groundwork for what Bob later called, Bob Light, uh, later called, he and whoever else, called the AFN, the American Forces Network. All right. Uh, I think we ought to pick it up now with Bob Light. Yeah. Bob Light is with us. He's uh, the president of the Southern California Broadcasters Association. And let's pick up the story now in London. That was 1943, correct? Uh, yes, the uh, actual date was July 4th. Of 43, and a man named Brewster Morgan came over from the War Department, and uh, we went on the air on that uh, that date with five 50-watt, not 50-kilowatt, but 50-watt <laughs> transmitters because 
the BBC wouldn't permit broadcasting by Americans uh -huh. in London. Uh -huh. So in order to avoid any conflict with British listening to British radio, we had to have our own transmitters, all very low power, scattered around in army installations or military installations in the British Isles. We started on that date with five, and within a couple of years we had 65 throughout the uh, United Kingdom. All right, that was 43. Now, of course, uh, you had to wait until D-Day came around before you could get over to the continent. And uh, we're going to be celebrating the 40th anniversary of D-Day here on June 6th, upcoming. And uh, the plans were laid at that time right. to take radio service to the continent. You were involved in that. Tell us about it. Well, the way that worked was we were to go on the air on uh, D plus one. And we had to f try to find out when D was in order to be prepared for D plus one. And uh, I was able to find out. It was uh, top secret at the time, and I found out in an inadvertent fashion, and I won't even go into that, but we did find out. And on the, the um, 7th of June, uh, we went on the air on what was called the Allied Expeditionary Forces Program. It's spelled with an M-M-E, the British spelling, mm -hmm. of the BBC. And that was 180,000 watts from Start Point, England, directed south to the continent. See, England is really north at that point of, of France. And to d pick up the troops and pr give them uh, broadcasting from Britain and from London, we, we supplied actually 50% of the programming. The British supplied 45%, the Canadians 5%. And that's the way we, we uh, broadcast until we moved to the continent. The first station in the ETO on the continent was one that I put on the air in, in Paris with a 15-kilowatt broken-down transmitter we borrowed from the French mm -hmm. uh, in Paris, in the Shell Building in Paris. And I think we had our transmission went out about four blocks in all directions. It was a terrible <laughs> transmitter. But that was the first on the continent in the ETO. And now when we come back, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, I want to find out when Munich began. It wasn't uh, long after that. And uh, a story about uh, General Patton uh, and the uh, okay. Third Army. Uh, and we have yet to hear from Jack Brown, from Jerry Fry, and my old commanding officer, Mr. James Raleigh, Colonel James Raleigh. So uh, stay with us. We'll be right back. We're talking about Armed Forces Radio and now television service. Your ABC Summer Olympic Station, KABC, Los Angeles. Voluntary early retirements have become a popular way for corporations to trim bloated payrolls. But according to a recent article in the Wall Street Journal, these golden handshakes aren't cheap. And some say they're not good for the worker, the company, or the country. If information like this is important to you, have a pencil ready for a new money-saving offer that will help you get off to a head start every business day. If you'd been reading the Wall Street Journal every business day, you would have read what the investment picture is for gold. How floating interest rates that have already made sweeping changes in the housing market are now available for certain car loans. And why concern is mounting over airline safety. The Wall Street Journal. It's all the business news you need when you need it. Now, here's that new money-saving offer. Order 19 weeks of the journal for $39 and save $7.50 off the cover price. Call toll-free in the continental U.S. 800 554-9600. That's 19 weeks, just $39, and save $750. Call now. 800-554-9600. You'll be billed later. People who've applied for bank loans can tell you that waiting for the answer can take a lot of time. 
People who've dealt with Univest Home Loan can tell you that's the way to avoid the frustration and irritation of long delays. At Univest, you won't be bogged down in loan committee deliberations and a lot of red tape. Univest deals exclusively in arranging equity loans for property owners. Now, Univest understands you don't want to be left hanging. They're geared to get you the answer and arrange to have the cash in your hands without unnecessary delay. In an emergency, cash is available in one day on verification of sufficient equity. Talk to Univest Home Loan Corporation brokers, 272-7500. That's 272-7500. In Orange County, 635-4400. Covina, San Gabriel Valley, Whittier area, 966-4411. Univest Home Loan. Now arranging loans of $5,000 to $100,000 and up at their lowest rate since 1979. For Democrats, the buck stops here on KABC. The California primary is just days away. And Wednesday, Michael Jackson is back and in the middle of it. Wednesday at 11, Jesse Jackson joins him live in studio and on the phone with you. Friday at 9, it's Gary Hart ready to talk to you. And at 11, Walter Mondale live here and on the phone talking to you. Michael Jackson, the candidates, the pivotal California primary, Wednesday and Friday on Talk Radio 79. In Los Angeles, dial 520, followed by talk. All KABC Talk Radio 79 numbers are followed by the word talk. Orange County, 714 area, dial 750. The 213 area, it's 448. South Bay area, 679. And the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. And then talk. All right, uh, we have James Raleigh in the studio, Colonel Raleigh and uh, Colonel Tom Lewis and Jack Brown and uh, Jerry Fry, both uh, past and current director for programming for AFRTS Hollywood, uh, former Colonel Bob Light, and on the phone from New York City, we have Colonel Robert Cranston standing by. Uh, we uh, were about to go to Munich, I believe, here, Bob. Uh, Munich was in, uh, in May of 1945 when... Uh, Ben Hoberman and I went into... I know that what, name. You, you, I, I'm sure you do. We uh, uh, flew into uh, Frankfurt from Paris and then drove a Jeep pulling a quarter-ton trailer all the way into Munich. And Ben went on the air and put that uh, station on the air and became manager of his first radio station was Munich, Germany. But I had an unfortunate experience, which I think is what you were alluding to a moment ago. Uh, I had made a deal with uh, General Patch of 7th Army to borrow a, um, a mobile uh, studio, which we parked in front of, in front of uh, 15 Kolbachstrasse, and we went on the air from the mobile studio with all of the equipment in to broadcast on a, actually we had a 100 kilowatt transmitter in Munich and another one uh, hooked together in Stuttgart uh, in sync. So we had tremendous coverage of, of uh, southern Germany. And uh, I made the deal with 7th Army to call the station AFN 7th Army Munich. And uh, that was on a Sunday morning at 5.55. I signed the station on. I was not aware, because we were so busy at the time, that on the day before, on Saturday, General Patch's army had moved out, and a man named George Patton, General George Patton, with his third army, had moved in. And if I had been a little more aware of what was going on, I would have heard the tanks coming over the cobblestone streets. Anyway, I signed the station on as AFN 7th Army Munich, and I identified myself, and I went back to bed. I'm not an early riser. <laughs> At 8 o'clock in the morning, I was very rudely awakened by a couple of MPs 
who asked me to identify myself, I did. They said, we have orders to take you in. I said, that sounds ominous. What does that mean? And they explained that they said something about a court-martial. Scared the devil out of me. It seems that General Patton had a radio, and he was bunking uh, with the dial, and he caught that sound that you get when, you, when there is transmission, a sort of a shh sound, and he was unfortunately shaving with a straight razor, and he literally <laughs> cut his throat when he heard this idiot announce that there was AFN 7th Army Munich, and he said, I'm going to have that so-and-so for the last... And he was about to court-martial me. I flew out that night back to our headquarters in Paris. I couldn't get out of town fast enough. <laughs> All right, now a name that is very much involved in the beginning is Colonel Robert Cranston. Tell us something well, about him. Bob joined us in uh, about uh, shortly after the war ended in Europe and in the summer late summer, I guess it was, in 1945, came in as, as Captain Cranston at the time in our uh, Paris operation. And then later, of course, came back here after the war. Right. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll be talking with Colonel Robert Cranston, and he's on the phone, so stay with us. This is Talk Radio 79, KBC Los Angeles. I'm Ray Brain. We all live with pain, and like all of us, you've probably tried many products for relief, but now there's a totally new dimension in pain relief. Therapeutic Mineral Ice. Over 5,000 chiropractors, MDs, and pain clinics now use and recommend this amazing new formula, Therapeutic Mineral Ice. It's a better way to help relieve the minor pains, inflammation, and swelling associated with arthritis, rheumatism, sciatica, back pain, bursitis, sore, aching muscles, neuritis, and soreness due to sports injuries. Mineral Ice conquers pain like nothing ever has before. And there's no grease, no stain, no unpleasant odor, just pure relief. Therapeutic Mineral Ice, truly a small miracle for relief of pain. Available at better drug or health food stores, such as Horton and Converse Pharmacies, Quinn's Nutritional Centers, Great Earth Vitamin Stores, Abbey Medical Stores. Or for the location nearest you, just drop me a card. Ray Brain, KABC Radio Los Angeles, 90016, and just mark the words Mineral Ice on the front. Message brought to you by Biopractic Group. In the next few seconds, I'm going to give you more than 100 good reasons to make Charles Schwab and company your brokers. So listen carefully. Reason one, Schwab is America's leading discount broker, and when you buy or sell stocks, you can save up to 76% on commissions compared to rates charged by full commission brokers. Two, you can enter an order or get a stock quote by toll-free phone 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Three, your securities at Schwab are protected up to $2.5 million. Four, Schwab often executes your market orders in seconds using advanced computer technology. Reasons 5 through 105, at Schwab, you have your choice of over 100 nationally known mutual funds. Over 100 no-load and low-load mutual funds you can buy or sell as easily as stocks. For your free Schwab information kit and discount rate schedule, call toll-free 800-554-9600 in the continental U.S. That's 800-554-9600. Charles Schwab, member SIPC a Bank America company. Man, it's true, after 38 years, the Southland's famous Monty's Men's Shop has had it. 
Monty's is calling it quits at Topanga Plaza. A milestone in menswear retailing comes to an end. That's the sad news. The good news, Monty's is offering magnificent men's clothing at outrageously low-quitting prices. Example, new pure silk sport coats, originally $275, now $138. Suits as low as $97. $32 polo shirts, now $16.77. $195 men's blazers, just $118. Dress slacks, shirts, ties, jackets, names as Dimitri, Yves Saint Laurent. Daniel Hector, Sasson, and many others. Monty's, the last independent menswear store in Topanga Plaza, says farewell, goodbye, and amen. Share in Monty's going out of business bargains. Remember, it's Monty's for Men, Topanga Plaza, upper level near May Company, Canoga Park. Phone 883-1780. Visa, MasterCard, American Express accepted. ABC Los Angeles, your ABC Summer Olympic Station. If there ever was a uh, military broadcaster, it would have to be Robert S. Cranston, who as a lieutenant colonel was AFN commander in Germany from 1960 to 1964. We talked about uh, Mr. Cranston when he was there at the beginning in Germany, at the uh, end of the war. His entire career, military and civilian, has spanned the history of military broadcasting. Now, during World War II, he served as executive officer to the AFN commander, John Hayes. After the war, he commanded the Blue Danube Network, headed, uh, headquartered in, the, in Austria. Back in the U.S., he was the Army's first television officer and technical advisor on Phil Silver's Sergeant Bilko TV shows. He was a combat correspondent in Korea before coming mm -hmm. to the American Forces Network in Germany as commander. On leaving AFN, Colonel Cranston was promoted to full colonel, became commander of the Armed Forces Radio and Television Service in Los Angeles, and following his military retirement in 1973, he returned to Washington where he became head of the Armed Forces Information Service. And he even continues to direct the activities of military broadcasters worldwide. So it's a great pleasure to have him on the phone, and let's say hello to Colonel Robert Cranston. Hi there. Hi, Ray. How are you? Fine. I'm sure glad you could make it. It's uh, very early in the morning where you are. Oh, yes. Well, we have a little reunion going, as you can hear. Yeah, I want to say hello to Tom and Bob and Jack and Jerry and all the rest of them are there. It's good to you that they're there all together. Hello, Robert. Bob Light. Hi, Bob. How are you? Terrific. How are you doing? Just fine. Hi, Bob. It's Jack. Hey, Jack. How are you, Jack? Fine. Say hello to Monica for me. Hi, Bob. Tom. Tom, bless you. How are you? Bless you. I'm delighted to hear you. Jerry Fry here, Bob. Nice to hear Hi, you. Jerry. Jim Raleigh here, Bob. Hi, Jim. How are you? Now, we haven't heard from Jim Raleigh. We're getting to him. We're doing this <laughs> thing in, in progression. Uh, uh, Colonel Cranston, um, you know, really there's been not too much written about the saga of the Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. But any GI who's ever served anywhere in the past 40 years certainly knows all about it. So that's why we're doing the show here this morning. Well, they're, they're writing a book about it now, Dre. Oh, are they? Uh, there's, there's a contract been let now for about a year, or a little bit more than a year. I got that thing started before I retired in Washington. And uh, we got a very good writer, and uh, presumably within a few months that book will be finished on the history of the Armed Forces Radio and Television. So You'll have to go on the circuit and be my guest. <laughs> <laughs> 
We've got to do that. I mean it. Right. Uh, in your uh, long association with the Armed Forces Radio and Television Service, what is it that uh, you remember most vividly and what it's done for uh, four decades of military personnel? Well, as Bob Light said, I was at first a listener. I was mm. with, uh, with a unit during the war, and we had reached uh, the Elbe River and met the Russians, and for the first time they started to give a few passes, and the first thing I wanted to do was get back to Paris and, and see how this operation ran that I had been listening to on the mobile station through the field. And I went back and met John Hayes and uh, Ben Hoverman, and, uh, For those who don't know, Ben Hoberman is the president of ABC Radio, headquartered in New York City. Yeah. I know that, and uh, I've seen him a couple of three times just recently. Uh, there was quite a quite a, a group back there in Paris, and uh, I went took my tour through the station and went back to my unit. And I was informed when I had got back, I had been designated to command a company going over to Japan. And about two days later, my battalion commander called me in. He was very unhappy with me. And he said, I didn't send you back to Paris on pass to get yourself transferred. And I said, I'm sorry, but I didn't do anything about getting myself transferred. And he said, well, I've got a set of orders here. And he threw them on the desk and I picked them up and looked at them and they were transferring me back to AFN. Colonel Hayes had taken some sort of action to get me. And he said, how dare you do this? And I looked at the bottom and he said, by command of General Eisenhower, and I said, well, goodbye, Major, I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's when I joined the group at 19 Avenue Diana in Paris, which was the AFN headquarters at the time. And uh, one of the first jobs I was given was to go back to England and supervise the closing up of those stations over there and get the equipment and the people back over the continent. And um, one of the main things that I had thought about as a listener before I went back to the headquarters was how lucky I am because this organization performed a terrific service for the troops. Uh, just the news, if nothing else, to know what was going on. And uh, those long nights when you didn't uh, know where you were going to be the next day or whether you were going to be anywhere the next day, you could feel just like you were back home. And that sort of service that AFRTS has been providing ever since. Indeed. Uh, Colonel, uh, we, I think, uh, on behalf of uh, servicemen uh, everywhere for the past uh, 40 years or so, we owe you a debt of gratitude because you've devoted your entire life to it, and we congratulate you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, I have certainly been really devoted to it, and I, I've got to say this because uh, with, without any feeling of uh, my own importance, I have given a lot of myself to this operation, and it's always been from the heart more than anything else. I've sacrificed quite a bit in, in a couple of careers in my life in order to stay with the system. And that is the main reason I've done it. It's just absolutely the most important thing, I, I believe, in the military. Well, Colonel, when the book comes out, I hope you'll come and visit the program, all right? It's an invitation. I will. Thank you very much for being with us. Okay. Thank you, Colonel Robert Cranston. Thank you. I'm Ray Bream. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC. 
Apply now for Los Angeles City College's five-week tuition-free summer semester. More than 200 day and evening classes start June 25th and continue through July 27th. Los Angeles City College offers lower division classes which can be transferred to four-year colleges and universities, as well as a host of exciting career programs. Easily reached by bus or car, Los Angeles City College is located just off the Hollywood Freeway at 855 North Vermont Avenue. Call 669-5540 for admissions information. Outreach Mission in South Central Los Angeles has been providing services to the community for 11 years now. Emergency clothing, temporary housing, counseling referrals, and other crisis needs are all part of the program at Outreach Mission. To find out how you can help, call 588-5955. The Outreach Mission at 588-5955. You're about to see something surprising. The world's first self-cleaning barbecue. The outdoor barbecue that cleans itself. Watch. Turn the switch. And in minutes, the grease is gone. Look. The barbecue is clean again. Self-clean. The world's first self-cleaning outdoor barbecue. By the Happy Cooker. There's more for your home at Sears Memorial Day Paint Sale. The sale with savings on almost everything for all your painting jobs. And now, for four days only, you'll find two special savings. Save $8 on Sears Weatherbeater Exterior Satin, just $11.88 a gallon. And save 50% on Sears Interior Flat, just $5.99 a gallon. Remember, these special savings are through Monday Memorial Day only at Sears Retail Stores. There's more for your life. During the Memorial Day Paint Sale. You know, many of you who are elderly or who have a chronic illness know how difficult it is to use a heavy, cumbersome vacuum cleaner. Well, now there's an upright vacuum cleaner available to the public that costs about the same amount as most vacuum cleaners and yet is only a third the weight of its closest competitor. That's right, just one-third the weight of other vacuum cleaners. You're going to love it. It's called the Oric XL, and it's used in hotels throughout the nation because it's so lightweight yet so thorough. And again... If you're elderly or you have a chronic illness, you'll love the Auric XL commercial vacuum cleaner because it's so much lighter than other vacuum cleaners, yet it does a thorough job of cleaning your carpets. We have one and we love it. Now, there are many Auric dealers throughout Southern California. If you'd like more information about the Auric XL or if you want the number of the Auric dealer nearest you, drop me a line. Ray Bream, KABC Radio, Los Angeles 90016. Be sure and put the words vacuum cleaner on the outside of the envelope. Or you can call direct or collect to Marvin's Vacuum Center in Canoga Park. They have a list of all the Auric dealers in Southern California. And they'll give you the number of the Auric dealer nearest you. That's Marvin's Vacuum Center in Canoga Park. Call direct or collect 3401181. That's 3401181. The number again, 3401181 for the amazing Auric XL. That's Auric, O-R-E-C-K. Your ABC Summer Olympic Station, KABC, Los Angeles. All KABC Talk Radio 79 numbers end in the word talk. South Bay Area, dial 679. Glendale and Pasadena, 244-990 for the San Fernando Valley. Orange County 714 area is 750. The 213 area, 448. Los Angeles, it's 520. And then talk.
Okay, it's uh, time for James Raleigh. I knew him as captain. He came out as a colonel, and he was uh, the commandant of the Far East Network. Uh, I got to know James Raleigh when he was station manager of AFRS Kyushu. I was in Kokura, Japan. Jim, how are you? I'm fine, thanks, Ray, and I'm very happy to be here tonight. We've uh, spent most of our time either in Hollywood or uh, in Europe, but uh, the Far East played a very important part in Armed Forces Radio, did it not? Uh, that's true. I uh, started in Armed Forces Radio in uh, North Africa. You were with... Uh, uh, the Fogel. Yes, but first it was Andre Baruch. Uh, there had been a transmitter, a 5KW, on one of the battleships to broadcast uh, President Roosevelt's message to the French in French. And immediately after that, the ship fired a broadside and knocked the transmitter out of whack. <laughs> so they put it on the beach. And uh, Andre Baruch and Houston Brown patched it up. And that was the beginning of the American Expeditionary Station. I wasn't with them at that time. I arrived about a month later. They took that transmitter and sent it to Constantine, North Africa. And I was the program director of that station. And from there, uh, uh, later, <clears throat> I went to Corsica. And uh, then uh, Andre Baruch went back to Hollywood, I think, as an advisor of uh -huh. foreign radio. And uh, Tootie Fogel came over. And uh, Good man. Yes. Good and man. Uh, I became Tootie's assistant. Uh, we were in Rome. We had the Italian uh, uh, network there. And... Uh, uh, the most important thing was uh, when the war was close to an end in Italy, the Italian uh, people in uh, Radio Roma, where we had our headquarters, told me that the partisans were taking over and the Germans were going to surrender the next day. So Tutti said, you better go up to Milan and grab a station. At that time, we had competition from psychological warfare. We wanted to get the stations before they did. And I uh, got in a jeep with Sergeant Saxon, and we drove north, and uh, suddenly we looked up, and there were millions of people and tanks and armor. And uh, as we got closer, we could see it was the German army. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Saxon said, what do we do now? I said, you might as well go forward. Don't shoot. That's yeah. Off, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, as we Don't came Don't do by, any man-on-the-street programs. No. <laughs> as we came by, they saluted. We saluted back. <laughs> what had happened was uh, the... Uh, American forces had to allow the Germans to keep their weapons. Otherwise, the Italian civilians would have gotten them. But they had actually surrendered. All right, Jim. Uh, yeah. uh, during the Korean War, you uh, were uh, again in uniform, and you yeah. uh, commanded uh, radio stations in the Far East and then became the commander of the Far East Network. Yes. Uh, tell us about uh, your time in the Far East. Uh, that was quite interesting. Uh, in, the, in World War II, we had... Uh, Virtually professional announcers, people like Andre Baruch, a classic announcer, and there was Doug Way and uh, Bob Keefe and many others. And uh, in the Korean War, they were all, virtually all young men, and uh, they were just learning the profession. And uh, to me, it was quite interesting, and uh, they were all uh, very, very good, and they're all in very important jobs uh, today. Indeed, we have one that is waiting on the line here, and we're going to go to him here in just a minute. He is a producer for 60 Minutes, the number one television show on CBS, Paul Lowenwater, and we're going to go to him on the phone here in just a moment, so stay with us.
This is Talk Radio 79, KBC, and I'm Ray Bream. Griffey's are closing their West Covina store. Over a thousand TV sets must go regardless of original cost. Liquidation prices in three locations, West Covina, South Bay, and Long Beach. Hotel sets, brand new sets while they last at prices you may never see again. Now listen, RCA 19-inch late model hotel color sets, just $139. RCA 19-inch XL 100 hotel color sets, now $179. Also liquidating complete stock of brand new sets, brand names, RCA Zenith, Sylvania, at liquidation prices, many below normal dealer cost. At these prices, tell your friends. Or you may want more than one for possible gifts. Imagine, 19-inch RCA color TVs as low as $139. But once they're gone, they're gone. Griffey's cannot replace them at these liquidation prices. All sets carry Griffey's full warranty. Special hours 9 till 9, weekends till 6. In South Bay, Long Beach, and the final days in West Covina, call Griffey's at 835-8321. Come Memorial Day weekend, all sorts of good things will find their way into sandwiches. So a reminder that among the better of the good things will be Farmer John's sliced luncheon meats. Indeed, these sliced luncheon meats will deserve the adjective better to begin with. They're so superbly fresh and fresh tasting, and with good reason, too. For Farmer John, and only he, uses strictly fresh eastern corn-fed pork that's dressed fresh right here locally. And 100% of his beef is juicy, fresh, domestic beef. None is the much-traveled foreign kind. Then to complement the exceptional fresh taste of his sliced luncheon meats, Farmer John seasons them to delicious perfection with his own special blends of costly natural herbs and spices. Naya has so many favorites for your holiday sandwich making, including cooked ham, both meat and beef bologna, pickle and pimento loaf, Italian cotto salami, mission loaf, ham roll, and more. Just look for the farmer in the deli, Farmer John. Farmer John Fine Products are featured this week at all your favorite markets. Everybody's flashing it. The Talk Radio card and saving money when they do. Like one, 20% off any motel hotel TV at Griffey's TV in Lawndale and Long Beach. Two, two adult tickets for the price of one at the 19th Annual Auto Expo at the Los Angeles Convention Center. And three, at any of the 29 Tiny Nailers restaurants and bakery locations, 20% off all purchases, anytime, day or night. The KABC Talk Radio card. You win with it and you save with it. Get it. Use it. Of it, actually uh, 42 to be exact, but uh, 40 years if you include uh, going to the continent. That's because it began shortly after D Day. And uh, we're going to have that 40th anniversary here in just a, a week or so. In the studio, we've got uh, James Raleigh, Tom Lewis, Jack Brown, Jerry Fry, Bob Light, and on the phone we had Colonel Robert Cranston. Um, Colonel James Raleigh, you uh, commanded the Far East Network uh, during. Um, the time of, uh, you know, conflict. I don't know if you were commander of the network at that time, but shortly thereafter, you were with the network during the Korean War. It was a United Nations war. Yes. And uh, you'd be in the studios of uh, the Far East Network in Tokyo, and you might have two or three different languages going out on different facilities. That's true. It was quite an operation. It was, yes. And uh, our headquarters and the Tokyo station, which was the mother station of the network, uh, were in the NHK building. I remember it well. I used to yeah. slip oh. over and watch the uh, Japanese part of it. Yes. I used to have those great mandolin orchestras. Did you right. ever see those? Oh, yes. Uh, my fa- favorite. <laughs> I've been trying to get records. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
Which reminds me uh, of that story, uh, the one night the two disc jockeys in the station got a little bored playing the music. So one of them uh, announced, uh, we uh, interrupt this program to bring you an important bulletin. Uh, there's a large dragon coming out of the sea <laughs> near Yokohama. <clears throat> and uh, we'll keep you up to date on this. Now we'll go back to the music. And they played some music. And they uh, kept uh, the dragon getting closer and closer as they interrupted. And the story went on and on. Finally, the um, uh, one announcer said, I am now on the roof of the Imperial Hotel. I have the microphone up here. And... Uh, there's the dragon, he's huffing and puffing and smoke coming out of his nostrils. I'm going to put the microphone up to him. And then they played the record, I'm Just a Reluctant Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was uh, more powerful than the Orson Welles War of the Worlds because we found out then that Japanese were monitoring everything that went out over our wires. And then they heard this, and they reported it to the police. The police, in return, reported it to the American Army. And uh, they sent a division out from Camp Drake with tanks <laughs> to come into Tokyo. The first dragon division, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> and the next morning, General MacArthur personally walked into the station, and everybody was shipped away to various parts. <laughs> he didn't think it was very funny at all. Yes. May I add two uh, sure, footnotes? Uh, one, the Andre Bruce's total program content were uh, records of his wife, B. Wayne. That's all he had with him. He brought him for, for sentimental reasons. And that's how he started that radio operation in North yeah. Africa. I hope that if Andre's listening, he'll call in here tonight. I do, too. And the other one is that Tootie Fogel, Irving Fogel, Colonel Ir Ir Irving Fogel, was the man who brought to us the knowledge of the recording industry, which was to play such a very, very important part in our whole operation. All right. Um, Jim, you were the uh, commanding officer. We first uh, got to know each other yeah. uh, at the station uh, on Kyushu, the southern island. This yeah. was uh, during the, the war, mm. the Korean War. This was, uh, in the early days, a very important station. It had a 10-kilowatt transmitter. and was the only one that was able to get into Korea before we were able to set up the mobile stations in Korea. That's right. And uh, you were there, and uh, we had a, a, a great deal of talent there. We had uh, Fred Forgette. He had the Fearless Follies. Uh, we had a, a man by the name of Paul Lowenwater. Yes. And he is now a producer for CBS and produces segments for 60 Minutes. And we've got Paul on the phone. Paul, how are you? Good morning, Sergeant. This is your corporal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine, thanks, except that this is about the time back here in the east. You got me up out of the sack. About the time I was going to bed after doing the Night Owl show on Kyushu, just uh, sending music out to those fellows in Korea you were just talking about. That's right. Living back there in the barracks and walking down the corridor and doing that show early in the morning. It's nice of us to sit here and, uh, and talk about it this way. It sure is. Of all those fellows and the conditions in which they were listening to us. And I suppose maybe we did somebody some good back then. Well, uh, I think that the staff was one of the very best. I think we had a great uh, deal of talent there under some great leadership uh, with James Raleigh. Would you agree? Oh, I think that's true. And uh, that was personal leadership, whether it was uh, showbiz or not. Uh, he held our place together, and we were a bunch of young pups who didn't know what we were doing. And uh, uh, remarkably, somehow, he held us together, gave us some motivation and some direction, and taught us a lot that's kept with us all these years. 
Paul, uh, enjoy your work on 60 Minutes, especially a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Helen Hayes segment. Yes, that was one of those uh, uh, nasty little uh, investigative reports, wasn't it? <laughs> Love it. It was beautiful. She's a delightful woman, a pleasure to work with, and uh, one of the nicest little pieces I've done over the years. Listen, you're, you're on with James Raleigh. I know you want to say something to him. <laughs> oh, hello. We talked occasionally all through the years. We have kept together. Jim was at my house back east here some years back. Good morning. Good morning, Paul. It's good to hear from you. Good. And, uh... Tell us some more stories about Kyushu, well, the, <laughs> the garden spot of the world. <laughs> listening to you a moment ago, telling your your story about dragons. Uh, yeah. Shortly, it was shortly before I got there that there was another story involving uh, uh, General MacArthur, and you may remember the details of it better than I. Oh yeah. Well, uh, uh, I think Jack Brown probably knows that better than any because uh, he was in Hollywood. This is, uh, of course, uh, when uh, MacArthur was fired. You're talking about that, right? All right, uh, Jack, uh, why don't you... Uh, this is Paul Ornwater. He's, Hi, Paul. Good morning. How are you? Fine. He's on the phone with us from New York. Uh, uh, Jack, why don't you um, tell our audience about uh, what happened when General MacArthur was fired and how it came about and uh, what kind of an uproar it, uh, it created. <laughs> well, the reason that it created such an uproar was because of the manner in which the, the president, you know, chose to notify him. It was to give uh, this firing uh, in sealed orders to an, an emissary and send him to be the president's personal emissary to MacArthur and hand carry this thing. So this plan was very good, of course, but on the way, the man was grounded by a blizzard in Seoul and he didn't get to Tokyo mm -hmm. before the embargo on the news story. And now the Armed Forces Radio Shortwave Station in Hollywood was just going by the embargo that they saw on the AP and UPI copy. Now, at the Far East Network, they had a press advisory division, and they were still sitting on the story. But they used to take uh, several uh, uh, newscasts, direct shortwave, from uh, Hollywood. And uh, one of those was the noon newscast, a 15-minute newscast, and that's when the story broke. <laughs> that's right. And uh, Colonel Huff if I remember the name correctly, was uh, General MacArthur's aide at uh -huh. that time. The MacArthur's were giving a little dinner party. Uh -huh. And he heard this starting on the news, and he called the MacArthur's. Mrs. MacArthur answered, and he said, you better you know, get the general on the phone. And they tuned in the station. And this was how MacArthur found out that he had been fired. Despite all Truman's precautions to the contrary, he found it out as just another person listening to the news. Well, on the not, I've got to tell you, Jack, uh, after that episode, there was never again a shortwave newscast heard on the Far East Network. Did you know that? They, everything had to be delayed. <laughs> everything had to be originated at the Far East Network headquarters in Tokyo. I, uh, incidentally, I have that piece of copy Do you? Uh, at home. Uh, it's been permaplaked. Uh, one of the guys <laughs> at the station uh, made it into a permaplaque and gave it to me when he left, Bob Neiman. And, I, and I, it's a treasured keepsake, of course. But that was not the first time that shortwave news had disappointed <laughs> General <laughs> MacArthur some years before. Uh, when I was on the news desk, uh, not I wasn't on that particular shift, mm -hmm. but the uh, MacArthur had planned a, a New Year's Day address to the Japanese, which he would deliver mm -hmm. from his balcony at the Daiichi building in Tokyo. And, you know, he timed things very precisely and for greatest uh, public relations effect and so on. He really knew what he was doing in this area. So he prepared this speech for this particular date, the wire services got the advance copy and sent it out as an embargoed story uh -huh. for New Year's Eve. 
uh, you know, there'd be, they're 17 hours ahead over there, so that would be all right. Uh, well, on Christmas Eve, one of the news writers was finding news very sparse indeed, and he began digging into the embargo box to see if there was anything. He found something in there and misread it for Christmas Eve as opposed to New Year's Eve, and so here he was a week early, and he gave MacArthur's speech on the air and uh, <laughs> all the high points. Within, uh, within a matter of a couple of hours, MacArthur had managed to get through on the telephone. Uh -huh. uh, it was the middle of the night here, and the commanding officer at Armed Forces Radio was awakened at home uh -huh. by a telephone call from <laughs> MacArthur, which is an honor he did not particularly desire. <laughs> <laughs> those, are, those are quite uh, fond memories, uh, right, Paul? What, uh, MacArthur? Hmm? Oh, uh, he was a five-star. Yes. Yeah. Fired him. Of course, that made one at the top, but it wasn't too many months later that eventually everybody moved up one and I became a corporal. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Paul, it's great hearing from you. Okay. And uh, when I get to New York, I'll uh, check in, all right? All right? Good. Do, please. All right, okay. Paul. Good night, Paul. Ke keep those uh, good segments coming. Bye-bye. All right, see you later. Paul Lornwarder, who's a... Uh, producer and uh, provides uh, many segments for 60 Minutes. He does some great work. All right. Uh, we have yet to hear from Jerry Fry. Jerry, we haven't forgotten you. You're the current director <laughs> for programming at AFRTS in Hollywood. Now, a lot of things have taken place in the past few years. Satellites are playing a very important role today. Would you tell us something about the operation and what goes on? I'll be glad to, uh, Ray. We really have a unique operation at AFRTS Hollywood now. Uh, I think it's unlike any other operation in the whole world where we're putting out 24 hours a day a radio broadcast service by shortwave and satellite transmissions and 24 hours a day now a, a brand new satellite network where we uh, are able to provide news, sports, information, special events and some very timely entertainment programming for our forces overseas. Now you're feeding a lot of television. Yeah. Uh, how many television stations are you feeding? At the present time on the satellite service, there are, I believe, nine. We hope to have, uh, most of them are them in major areas. Right, right. And we hope to have Japan online uh, sometime in the near future, although it looks at this point as if Italy will be the next one up. Mm -hmm. And uh, So you're just adding them on. That's right. It's a matter of the American Forces Information Service negotiating with mm -hmm. the host countries, mm -hmm. getting an agreement to be able to put a dish in there and receive the signal. And for the smaller stations, uh, you send out uh, videotape cartridges, right? That's correct. And even the larger stations continue to get uh, the entertainment programming All that right. way. What, what do our men overseas hear and see today? They hear and see a cross-section of what you and I see right here in the United States. That's our whole approach to the thing, is to try to give them a representative sampling of the things they would be seeing if they were in the uh, United States. All right, we just had Paul Lowenwater on from 60 Minutes. And his program was on the satellite service this past Monday and is in our uh, videotape priority package that went out, uh, I think, Wednesday of this week. So they see all these things? Yes, indeed. Entertainment, information, interviews? That, exactly. We, we, we are very fortunate in being able to say that of the top 60 rated television programs of any particular week, we have well over 90% of those in our television package. Now, I've been through your operation, and it's really something to see, because you have to excise 
all the commercials. Oh, indeed we do. And commercial references. On the fly, as we say. And uh, that's quite a, an operation to yes. be able to do that and get the timing and produce the, the program. We used still to go to that denaturing. Of, denaturing? Denaturing. You still go to the trouble of taking out days of week and the, the fact that it's uh, uh, a month mentioned or something. No, we don't, not timely. You just let that no, go now. We, we let uh, that slip by. And we even let, a, easier. We yeah. even let an occasional uh, commercial billboard, a, a slight mention, you know, brought you by... Uh -huh. go through, because uh -huh. it's almost impossible to catch those when we're yeah. watching live programming come through like that. Incidentally, in a poll of the listeners around the world, you might be interested to know that their favorite newscaster was Paul Harvey. Oh, Paul yes. Harvey. Really? Paul Harvey. Right. Is How our about that? Number well, one were, choice. When they were going to take the shortwave transmitters off, Paul Harvey got on that crusade, as you well know. Oh, yes. And he, uh, he was very much involved in helping to uh, stop that action. Yeah. All right. Um... If you just tuned in and you wonder what all this uh, military talk is about, uh, I think we have a little historical show here. I don't think it's ever been done before with uh, the people who are making it happen and who made it happen at the very beginning. I hope Dr. Larry Seward is listening back into Virginia. The story. The yes, because he's doing a marvelous job of this, of this history. But if he could hear this program, it would help him a lot. I well, feel very fortunate, you know, being at uh, AFRTS now, and here we have the founding father and uh, all these wonderful people talking about the days that were before my time. Well, it's my feeling that you guys had all the fun. <laughs> <laughs> we have in the studio James Raleigh, Tom Lewis, Jack Brown, Jerry Fry, Bob Light, and on the phone we had Colonel Robert Cranston, and shortly we'll hear a statement from the president of ABC Radio, Ben Hoberman. I'm Ray Bream. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC, Los Angeles. Most anyone getting Medicare benefits these days is just as concerned with what Medicare doesn't pay as what it does. With deductibles and non-allowed charges, a lot of folks can hardly afford not to stay healthy. Now, under the authority of the federal government, United Health Plan has created a program that provides for total health care, including doctors, tests, hospitals, and even transportation if you need it. Now, most services are covered 100% with no deductibles. You may pay a small premium, but even if you have to go to the hospital, you don't pay any more. United Health Plan is a state-licensed, federally qualified health maintenance organization, serving over 40,000 people in the Los Angeles area. And many people now receiving Medicare benefits can qualify for United Health Plan membership. Find out if you can. Call United Health Plan in area code 213-671-2750 for more information. 671-2750. Or drop me a line, Ray Brain, KABC Radio. Put Health Plan on the outside. If I were a rich man. I must have sung that song over a thousand times. My name is Herschel Bernardi. And although we all agree that it's no crime to be rich, yet money isn't everything. If you have health, you have more than wealth. That's why I want to talk to you about the Save a Heart Foundation, a nonprofit organization where doctors are doing tremendous research in the detection and treatment of heart disease so that they can save ailing hearts. Save a Heart Foundation needs each bit of help within you to continue their research. Send your contribution and relax. Just deduct it from your income tax. And if you will heed this urgent pitch, you can make a poor heart rich. 
Save a Heart Foundation, P.O. Box 691171, Los Angeles, California. That's Post Office Box 691171. Make a poor heart rich. Presenting Larry Ferrari on the world-famous Hammond Organ. to the unmatched sound of a Hammond organ. Sound that is often imitated, but never duplicated. This music by Larry Ferrari, along with favorite songs by other stars, is from Hammond's 50th anniversary record album. And it's yours, free, from participating Hammond dealers. No obligation. It's just their way of introducing you to Hammond. For the name of your nearest Hammond dealer, phone toll-free, 800-621-5110. Hammond. Quality that stands the test of time. Your ABC Summer Olympic Station, KABC, Los Angeles. From ABC News, I'm John Degnan. Ship traffic is way down in the Persian Gulf. Japanese ship owners have now decided, at least for the moment, to keep their tankers from entering the northern waters of the Persian Gulf. This after Iraq claimed its warplanes destroyed eight ships off the Iranian coast. Iran is now saying it'll stop the attacks on Gulf shipping if Iraq will do the same. Administration sources tell ABC News President Reagan has approved a plan for the emergency shipment of 200 Stinger anti-aircraft missiles to Saudi Arabia. At the Pentagon, ABC's John McWethy tells us how the Saudis plan to use those weapons. American intelligence sources say that the Stinger missiles President Reagan is now sending to Saudi Arabia will help the Saudis defend such prime targets as Ras Tanura, which is Saudi Arabia's giant oil terminal on the Persian Gulf. It's a facility that U.S. military analysts say would not be all that difficult for Iran to bomb if Iran's Ayatollah Khomeini decided to escalate the war. McWethy quotes the sources as saying the missiles will be shipped by Air Force Transport this weekend with no official announcement until they're in the hands of the Saudis. I'll have more after this. Today, I am finally going to get this business of mine ship-shape and totally under control. First thing to do is to take care of those invoices and... No, first thing to do is to answer the phone. The average business person usually ends up doing so many things... I'm off the phone. No, I'm on the phone. ...that instead of running the business, the business ends up running them. The phone. Where did this pilot... So this summer, instead of trying to do it all, hire some of the disadvantaged young people of this country to help you. I'll for breakfast. I can wait a little while Hiring them could qualify you for a substantial tax break, and you'll not only be doing something for yourself, and your business, you'll be doing something for your community, for the needy youth of America, and last but not least, for yourself. As soon as I double-check the file so we can wrap all this up by 5 o'clock, oh no, it's 6 o'clock, maybe I could use some summer help. Help! Help! For information, write the National Alliance of Business at Post Office Box 7207, Washington, D.C., 20044, and support your local summer jobs for youth programs. Let's get all of America working again. A public service message from the National Alliance of Business. 
A casket containing the remains of the unknown serviceman of the Vietnam War now lies in state in the rotunda of the U.S. Capitol and will remain there throughout the Memorial Day weekend. ABC's Vic Ratner was there when the casket was carried into the rotunda by a military honor guard. The flag-draped casket rests atop the Lincoln catafalque, which has borne the bodies of America's famous and American heroes since the days of President Abraham Lincoln. At the four corners of the casket, standing stiffly at attention, a military honor guard, one member of each service. They will remain here directly beneath the dome of the U.S. Capitol all through the days and nights of the next three days. The rotunda will remain open for the public to view the casket until it is removed to be taken to Arlington National Cemetery on Monday. Vic Ratner, ABC News, at the rotunda of the U.S. Capitol. El Salvador's President Duarte appears to be off to a good start in what he promises will be an all-out effort to strengthen democracy in his country. Leftist rebels who have for years fought to overthrow the Salvadoran government are now offering to open a dialogue with Duarte's government without any preconditions. Up until now, the rebels have demanded the share of the power, while Duarte's offered nothing more than participation in a dialogue. If the controversial Diablo Canyon nuclear plant were to be shut down, about 200 local jobs would be lost. Which is why Walter Mondale ran smack into a chorus of boos and jeers when he told a rally at San Luis Obispo, California. I am here today because I believe the Diablo Canyon plant is a menace. That plant should be closed now and never reopened. The jeers came from a group of Diablo Canyon plant workers who told Mondale to go home. The former vice president told them other ways must be found of putting people to work than to build plants that might risk the lives of thousands or even millions of people. This is ABC News. Hundreds of angry teachers demonstrated in the streets of Juarez, Mexico. They're demanding a 100% pay hike. A demand that doesn't seem too outrageous considering the fact that Juarez teachers now earn about an average of $25 a week. Wonder if this might catch on in Congress. Mistresses of British members of Parliament could qualify for members' death benefits under a new pension plan being worked out for politicians. Up until now, only wives of Parliament members have qualified for death benefits. But under the new rules, mistresses would also be eligible. For the ABC Information Network, I'm John Degna. If you're looking for an asset management account that gives you high-quality services without the high price tag, stop looking. It's here at Charles Schwab & Company, America's leading discount broker. Compare Schwab 1 with the other asset management accounts. With Schwab 1, there's no monthly or annual fee, none. When you buy or sell securities, you save up to 76% in stock brokerage commissions compared to rates of full commission brokers. You can buy or sell no-load mutual funds, borrow on your marginable securities at low interest rates, Get high interest on cash between investments, a free Visa card, and free checking account. You can open a Schwab One account with only $5,000, not $20,000 like the others. Schwab One, all the financial services you need without the high price tag. For a free Schwab One brochure and application form, call toll-free in the continental U.S., 800-554-9600. No salesperson will call. That's 800-554-9600. Charles Schwab, a Bank America company, member SI. IPC.
Radio. I'm Ray Brame, and we're talking about Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. 42 years since the beginning, 40 years uh, come June 6th when it uh, made its appearance on the continent of Europe. And in the studio, we have the people who all made it possible. Tom Lewis, uh, Jack Brown, Jerry Fry, Bob Light. On the phone, we had Colonel Robert Cranston. Very shortly, we're going to have Kurt Logie with us. He's the Associate Director of the American Forces Information Service, and uh, we'll be having uh, a chat with him very shortly. But uh, before we do anything else, there was a program that uh, typifies Armed Forces Radio in the early days that uh, no other program could. It was designed especially for our GIs, produced in Hollywood, and virtually anybody who was anybody in show business appeared on that program. Who would like to talk about command performance? I think we all can talk about it because we were exposed to it for all of those years. It was the one, the, the really the program that we looked forward to the most uh, when it o would arrive in London and then later at, in Paris. And we would feed our own network, uh, command performance. But uh, who would like to talk about the Dick Tracy show, which was the greatest of all the command performances? We, we have now. a little excerpt of the Dick Tracy Do show you really? that we'll, oh, that's we'll get terrific. to here in a minute. Well, and I, to just to, to explain what it was, right. it, it was the Dick Tracy comic strip done as an operetta. And yeah. it had the greatest lineup of stars of any command performance ever. Uh, Bing Crosby played uh, Dick Tracy, and his arch nemesis was played by Bob Hope. But it also had Dinah Shore, it had the Andrews sisters, it had Judy Garland. Why don't we say that until we introduce uh, Excellent. the excerpt. Uh, Tom, uh, tell us about Command Performance. Command Performance was really started uh, before us by the uh, Army Bureau of Public Relations. And then when we came in, we took it over. And it became the... Um, the very great show that it is. You're quite right. Everybody who was anybody was in it. Uh, all the good writers also were in it. Uh, Bob Welch, I remember, was the man who had the idea of doing the Dick Tracy show. Now, the whole idea was that uh, the GIs would write in and they would uh, dictate what was going to be on the program, right? Yes. Uh, once, uh, let me see, they wanted to hear the sound of, uh, I think it was uh, ham and eggs. And uh, we had some current glamour. Uh, who was the current glamour? Well, anyway, Rita Hayworth, probably. Probably. You know. And uh, she did cook ham and eggs before the microphone for them. All right. Uh, we have some excerpts we put together. These are, are very rare records. Uh, these came on the 16-inch uh, transcriptions, of course. And uh, in those days, uh, it was also broadcast live on shortwave. Of course, we didn't just do frying eggs. We had Judy Garland singing, oh, you know. Yeah. And <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course. Uh, thanks to um, uh, Marty Halperin and uh, to Jack Brown of uh, Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters, we have some uh, goodies here. A little montage of what some of them sounded like, and we have a couple of uh, very important ones. First, the very first command performance that was done on March 1st, 1942, the guest host was Eddie Cantor. And then we have the Victory Extra Command uh, performance, mm. which was broadcast September 4th, 1945. Yeah. And so we'll start off with the beginning. We'll have a few uh, idea samples of what some of the others sounded like, and then uh, we'll wind up with the, the Victory Special. So take a listen.
a star-studded review featuring the greatest entertainers in America as requested by you, the men of the United States Armed Forces throughout the world. Command Performance! Presented this week and every week till it's over over there. This is Eddie Cantor, fellas, and I'm mighty proud to be laying the cornerstone of Command Performance USA, a radio show in which we of the American entertainment profession are taking orders from you, the soldiers, sailors, and Marines. Whatever you want from American radio, stage, and screen, you name it, buddy, we'll get it. Here's our first command, a letter from a U.S. Army private, first class, initials R.G., stationed somewhere in the North Atlantic. He says, I'm kind of lonesome for my favorite singer, B. Wayne, and for the way she sings Chattanooga Choo Choo. If you could shortwave a bit of it up here, us guys would be mighty grateful. How's about it? Well, Private R.G., command performance has the Chattanooga Choo Choo here in person with its lovely little engineer, B. Wayne. Stoke up, B. USA, the greatest entertainers in America, is requested by you, the fighting men of the United States Armed Forces throughout the world. Command Performance, presented this week and every week till it's over, over there. Okay, men, here comes that number one program of yours, hitting the international airlines and sticking out the old thumb to hook a half-hour ride with you guys who'll be taking the axis for its last ride. Again, your big show, presented by the Special Service Division of the War Department, is checking that huge catalog of requests made up from your swell letters and coming up with practically everything in the book. And now, meet your commanding officer of command performance, the girl who's number one in the hearts and letters of thousands of you, your mistress of ceremonies, Olivia de Havilland. Thank you, Ken Carpenter, and greetings to the AEF. Last week, fellows, Command Performers had a birthday with a big cake and one tiny candle. And we want you to know that the candle is still burning and will go on burning for the duration. For its light comes from the torch in the hand of Our Lady out there in New York Harbor. USA, the greatest entertainers in America, is requested by you, the men in the United States Armed Forces throughout the world. Command performance presented this week and every week till it's over, over there.
Taylor gang, this is Ken Carpenter. Listen to Latch on your favorite swinging door and let you in on what cooks with your favorite entertainers here on the good old stateside. And as usual, all this in answer to your requests to command performance, Armed Forces Radio Los Angeles, USA. And now here to act as your master of ceremonies is a comedian who's played so many army camps that his jokes are beginning to lay powdered eggs, Bob Hope. USA, the greatest entertainers in America, as requested by you, the servicemen and women of the United States Armed Forces throughout the world. Command performance presented this week and every week till it's over, over there. Okay there, gang, this is Ken Carpenter passing out Annie Oakley's for another mic full of songs and snappy patter as per your letters to Command Performance, Armed Forces Radio, Los Angeles, USA. It seems that about the time you took off, or wherever you happen to be now, the entire radio public had gone quiz program happy. And we beg to report that this condition hasn't improved since you left. So in accordance with our policy of keeping you abreast of the times, we bring you all the quiz programs rolled into one. We have named this impending catastrophe, Dr. People, Are Double and Take It, Truth or Ignorance, It Pays to Be Information, <laughs> or Leave It and Let the Quiz Kids Take the Consequences. And now we bring you that genial, jovial, affable, laughable custodian of the questions, that ever-cheerful dispenser of brand-new silver dollars, Dr. Groucho Marx. USA, the greatest entertainers in America, as requested by you, the men and women in the United States Armed Forces throughout the world. Command performance presented this week and every week till it's over, over there. Hello, man, this is Ken Carpenter. Tonight is jukebox night on your old command performance. The jukebox is loaded with the stars whose records have been most requested by you guys out there. And here to slip in the slugs is the fellow Barry Fitzgerald made famous. <laughs> the old slug himself, Bing Crosby. USA, Victory Extra, the greatest entertainers in America, is requested by you, the men and women, 
in the United States Armed Forces throughout the world. Command performance commemorating Allied victory throughout the world. Well, it looks like this is it. And this is Crosby. They put me up front here tonight. Hope is over annoying the English, and they asked me to say something. It's tough duty. What, what can you say at a time like this? You can't throw your skimmer in the air. That's for run-of-the-mill holidays. I guess all anybody can do is thank God it's over. You know, command performance has been rolling along overseas for a couple of hundred weeks now. But we're giving it a triple-distilled airing tonight. A lot of people you know are going to be passing through here before this meeting is over. All right, that was the uh, Victory Extra Command performance, uh, September 4th, 1945. A little montage of what it was all about. These programs were directed to servicemen. They were produced for servicemen. We had the top, the cream of the crop of, of all that Hollywood could offer. And none of this ever appeared in the commercial networks. A special show just for servicemen. Command performance. Millions and millions of memories. Indeed. All good. All great. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we have Kurt Logie checking in from the Netherlands, and we'll get a brief statement from the president of ABC Radio, your friend Bob, and my boss, Ben Hoberman. I'm Ray Bream. This is Talk Radio 79 KABC. Voluntary early retirements have become a popular way for corporations to trim bloated payrolls. But according to a recent article in the Wall Street Journal, these golden handshakes aren't cheap, and some say they're not good for the worker, the company, or the country. If information like this is important to you, have a pencil ready for a new money-saving offer that will help you get off to a head start every business day. If you'd been reading the Wall Street Journal every business day, you would have read what the investment picture is for gold. How floating interest rates that have already made sweeping changes in the housing market are now available for certain car loans. And why concern is mounting over airline safety. The Wall Street Journal. It's all the business news you need when you need it. Now, here's that new money-saving offer. Order 19 weeks of the journal for $39 and save $7.50 off the cover price. Call toll-free in the continental U.S. 800 554-9600. That's 19 weeks, just $39, and save $750. Call now, 800-554-9600. You'll be billed later. Most anyone getting Medicare benefits these days is just as concerned with what Medicare doesn't pay as what it does. With deductibles and non-allowed charges, a lot of folks can hardly afford not to stay healthy. Now, under the authority of the federal government, United Health Plan has created a program that provides for total health care, including doctors, tests, hospitals, and even transportation if you need it. Now, most services are covered 100% with no deductibles. You may pay a small premium, but even if you have to go to the hospital, you don't pay any more. United Health Plan is a state-licensed, federally qualified health maintenance organization, serving over 40,000 people in the Los Angeles area. And many people now receiving Medicare benefits can qualify for United Health Plan membership. Find out if you can. Call United Health Plan in area code 213-671-2750 for more information. 671-2750. Or drop me a line, Ray Brain, KABC Radio. Put Health Plan on the outside. 
For Democrats, the buck stops here on KABC. The California primary is just days away. And Wednesday, Michael Jackson is back and in the middle of it. Wednesday at 11, Jesse Jackson joins him live in studio and on the phone with you. Friday at 9, it's Gary Hart ready to talk to you. And at 11, Walter Mondale live here and on the phone talking to you. Michael Jackson, the candidates, the pivotal California primary, Wednesday and Friday on Talk Radio 79. We wanted to get a statement from uh, Ben Hoberman, who's president of ABC Radio and a good friend of yours, Bob. He worked with you at AFN in Germany. And uh, we uh, talked with Ben earlier on the phone, and uh, we just wanted to get his reaction. Here's Ben Hoberman, president of ABC Radio. Well, it doesn't seem like uh, 40 years have passed, Ray. Uh, I look back on those years and recall them very fondly, as a matter of fact. If you can recall anything during wartime as being something... Uh, of a fond nature but those were interesting times and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed being with the American Forces Network and uh, it was just a remarkable experience in my life at that time when I was a very young brash soldier in the, in the United States Army <laughs> alright thank you very much Ben Ben Hoberman uh, president of ABC uh, Bob uh, you thought a lot of Ben Yes, uh, we're very fond of Ben and have been for all these years. But there's a funny story. Just before we, uh, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> sorry, just before we left for uh, Munich, the war was just ending. It was uh, May the 8th, 1945. And we're sitting in a room talking, and Ben said, I'm going to call the Japanese embassy in Switzerland and see what their reaction is to the war in Europe ending. Mm. So he picked up the phone, and I don't know how he did it or how the operator got him through because you could, couldn't call, you know, 20 feet away in those days without a problem. But all of a sudden, and I could hear the other end of the line, he got this voice with a very strong Japanese accent, but in English, and Ben said, what was your reaction to VE Day uh, in Europe, the, the, the victory in Europe Day? Uh -huh. And the Japanese was terribly flustered, didn't know what to say, and, and it was just a, it's a funny experience. There's no tag to the story, except my memory of this, this Japanese being asked by an American soldier, because Ben identified himself, how do you feel about the war in Europe being over, and you're still fighting somewhere over the Pacific? All right, we're going to take another break, and then we'll go to the Netherlands and talk with Kirk Logie, Associate Director of American Forces Information Service. This is KABC Talk Radio 79. And I'm Ray Brain. A word about interest rates from Univest Home Loan. And that word is down. Univest is now arranging loans for homeowners at their lowest interest rate since 1979. Is this a good time for you to take advantage of the situation? Loan funds are available, and perhaps the loan you couldn't get before can now be arranged. Now, don't guess. Don't wonder. Find out. Call Univest Home Loan. Tell them how much you want to borrow, and they'll tell you whether the equity in your home may qualify you for the loan. Your property need not be paid for. It's the surplus of current value over what you owe that determines your equity. Univest Home Loan Corporation, brokers, they handle loan arrangements with promptness, consideration, and confidentiality. No red tape, and it's their policy to work out a repayment program that's tailored to your budget. Call Univest at 272-7500. 272-7500. 
Additional offices in Orange County, 635-4400. In Covinas and Gabriel Valley, Whittier areas, 966-4411. The following message is brought to you by Easy Quit, 18740-Oxnard Street, Tarzana, California. Hello, I'm Bill Haber, and I'd like to talk to anyone who really wants to quit smoking or who knows someone who'd like to quit. Well, now they can. Easily, quickly, and inexpensively, thanks to my remarkable invention. The Easy Quit is a smokeless imitation cigarette which looks, feels, and tastes just like a real cigarette. And all it costs you is $10, not a penny more. Instead of reaching for your brand next time, puff away on an Easy Quit. You'll think you're actually smoking, but the bottom line is you won't be smoking. In a short time, you'll reduce your smoking to a point where you'll stop altogether, and for good, I know... I used to be a smoker myself. I smoked for over 45 years, and my smoking came close to killing not only me, but my wife, who suffered from bronchial asthma. So I invented Easy Quit. Please don't risk your life or the life of a loved one any further. If you'd really like to stop smoking, let Easy Quit work for you. It already has for more than 100,000 other ex-smokers. And just compare the $10 price for an Easy Quit with the cost of non-smoking clinics or other forms of helping you kick the habit. No comparison. That's good advice, Bill Haber. Now, don't wait. Kick the smoking habit. Get your Easy Quit within two weeks for only $10. Send your check or money order to Easy Quit, Post Office Box 78024, Los Angeles, California, 90016. That's Post Office Box 78024, Los Angeles, 90016. Now, don't wait. The Easy Quit is an imitation cigarette which looks, feels, and tastes just like the real thing. So instead of reaching for your brand, next time pick up an Easy Quit and be on the road to kicking the smoking habit for good. That's $10. Check your money order to Easy Quit, Post Office Box 78024, Los Angeles, California, 90016. ABC Summer Olympic Station, KABC, Los Angeles. All right, I think we're set. Let's go to the Netherlands now and say hello to Kirk Logie, Associate Director of American Forces Information Service. Mr. Logie, glad to have you with us. Well, thank you, Ray, and good morning to you and all my old friends there in the studio. I know that. Good morning. They're all here. Well, I thought I left Tom. I think I had breakfast with Tom about uh, two weeks ago in Los Angeles. Yes, I enjoyed it very much. When am I going to have breakfast with you there? <laughs> yeah, you should. You'd love it. Yeah. Holland is great. Well, uh, tell me, Mr. Logie, uh, what is your job as Associate Director of American Forces Information Service? Well, it's kind of complicated. I guess it's a little bit of everything. Uh, right at the moment, I'm over in Europe uh, discussing with our host countries here the use of the uh, the, the, uh, both the frequencies and the, uh, the power they allow us. And uh, as you know, there's, a, there's always a demand for these frequencies. So uh, right now we're, we're concerned with holding on to everything we uh, now operate on. Could I interject something at that point? We had meetings, I remember meetings of the Allied Forces in London and later in Paris in 43 and 44 on frequencies. And uh, I was representing the Americans, and I didn't know one frequency from another. Fortunately, I had an engineer with me. But they were hard fought for then, too. That sounds familiar. I'm in the same position here. Mm -hmm. But uh, your talk about 16-inch discs, 
reminds me, takes me back to when I was bouncing across the desert in a Jeep with a 16-inch uh, Presto recorder. I don't know if you remember them, Ray, and the glass discs. I remember them well. Hmm? I remember them well. Yeah. And we were recording messages to the troops from overseas. But uh, my association with AFRTS goes way back to... Uh, I remember in Italy, we used to take the earphones from our 38 walkie-talkie sets, stick them face down in a stick <laughs> pot, and three of us would crowd around there and, and listen to a program, I think it was called Midnight from Munich. Midnight in Munich, absolutely. We had Luncheon and Munchen and Midnight in Munich with the two clever shows. Great. Yeah. You know, things will go much easier, I think, if you would tell in your diplomatic mission, if you would tell some of those stories that you told at breakfast and uh, last fall in Washington. Which stories were those, Tom? Oh, I can't mention them. <laughs> <laughs> Before we do anything else, uh, just hold on for a moment. Uh, we're talking with Kurt Logie. He's Associate Director of American Forces Information Service. He's right now in the Netherlands. I'm Ray Bream. This is L.A.'s Talk Radio, KABC. If you're an investor, you spend a lot of time trying to find out how your investments are doing, where the economy is going, and how you're going to make your first or next million. Is that right? Well, here's good news for you. Now there's a new national daily business newspaper designed just for you, Investors Daily. What's new about it? Well, everything. The stock market tables are larger and easier to read with more relevant information such as earnings ratings, relative strength, percent change in trading volume. Investors Daily even boldfaces all stocks up one point or more so you can spot significant market activity. You also get 25 different general market indexes and a front page with all the business news in digest form, plus companies appearing at the New York Analyst and more. It's more than just a newspaper. It's a tool for investors and business people. Let Investors Daily help you get ahead today. Six months for only $42. Subscribe today. Call toll-free 1-800-633-2833. 1-800-633-2833. Men, it's true. After 38 years, the Southland's famous Monty's Men's Shop has had it. Monty's is calling it quits at Topanga Plaza. A milestone in menswear retailing comes to an end. That's the sad news. The good news, Monty's is offering magnificent men's clothing at outrageously low-quitting prices. Example, new pure silk sport coats, originally $275, now $138. Suits as low as $97. $32 polo shirts, now $16.77. $195 men's blazers, just $118. Dress slacks, shirts, ties, jackets, names as Dimitri, Yves Saint Laurent. Daniel Hector, Sasson, and many others. Monty's, the last independent menswear store in Topanga Plaza, says farewell, goodbye, and amen. Share in Monty's going out of business bargains. Remember, it's Monty's for Men, Topanga Plaza, upper level near May Company, Canoga Park. Phone 883-1780. Visa, MasterCard, American Express accepted. You know, many of you who are elderly or who have a chronic illness know how difficult it is to use a heavy, cumbersome vacuum cleaner. Well, now there's an upright vacuum cleaner available to the public that costs about the same amount as most vacuum cleaners and yet is only a third the weight of its closest competitor. That's right, just one-third the weight of other vacuum cleaners. You're going to love it. It's called the Oric XL, and it's used in hotels throughout the nation because it's so lightweight yet so thorough. And again... 
If you're elderly or you have a chronic illness, you'll love the Auric XL commercial vacuum cleaner because it's so much lighter than other vacuum cleaners. Yet it does a thorough job of cleaning your carpets. We have one and we love it. Now, there are many Auric dealers throughout Southern California. If you'd like more information about the Auric XL, or if you want the number of the Auric dealer nearest you, drop me a line. Ray Bream, KABC Radio, Los Angeles 90016. Be sure to put the words vacuum cleaner on the outside of the envelope. Or you can call direct or collect to Marvin's Vacuum Center in Canoga Park. They have a list of all the Auric dealers in Southern California. And they'll give you the number of the Auric dealer nearest you. That's Marvin's Vacuum Center in Canoga Park. Call direct or collect 3401181. That's 3401181. The number again, 3401181 for the amazing Auric XL. That's Auric, O-R-E-C-K. If you're calling KBC from Los Angeles, dial 520, followed by the word talk, T-A-L-K. It follows all of our numbers. For the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. The San Gabriel Valley, 448. In Burbank, 244. And in Compton, dial 639, and then talk. So, uh, Jack and uh, Jerry, you're going to be uh, moving from 1016 North McAdden Place? After all of these years. <laughs> from the very beginning. <laughs> That's right. Well, not quite. Uh, prior to 48, the, uh, the installation occupied two buildings on Santa Monica Boulevard, mm -hmm. one on each side. Right. One on the south side was on the property of the Hollywood the Cemetery. Cemetery. That's <laughs> when I had my office when I first came back, <laughs> <Yeah>. overlocking them. <laughs> That's a very lively tombstones. place, Bob. Yeah. Beautiful remember, view. Beautiful I remember view. when we put those up. We thought it was wonderful. Yeah. I understand the building that we now occupy at 1016 North McCadden Place is an old drop hammer forge uh, <laughs> factory of some kind and uh, the uh, the current commander of armed forces radio and television service programming center colonel dave cole sits in what was then the elevator shaft i'm told uh -huh. <laughs> my office is on the balcony <laughs> overlooking the shop it's, it's been it's gone uh, undergone a few changes in the past few years all right i want to uh, say uh, to uh, james raleigh uh, that, uh, you know, we tried to get some of the people that were in that operation over there that were well-known, and uh, some have just dropped out of sight, uh, as you well know. Uh, for instance, Fred Forgette. Uh, nobody knows where Fred went. He was one of the more talented people, and uh, uh, he just disappeared from the face of the earth, as it were. If anybody knows who is listening out there, please uh, write to Ray about that. He had one of the uh, most popular programs in the Far East during mm -hmm. the uh, Korean War. It was called the Fearless Follies. Now, you gentlemen excise the commercials. Yes. And if there's anything that uh, a listener over in the front uh, or in, in the occupied areas miss, believe it or not, mm. that is as stateside as hot dogs, it's commercials. Sure. That's right. And there was a paucity of them. There were no commercials. So we had to invent our own. Uh -huh. And uh, Fred Forgette used to have the fearless products. And I mean, we, yeah. we merchandised everything, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, you name it. We, uh, we produced them. We'd have quartets singing them. We'd have announcers. We'd have Hammond organs doing the whole yeah. bit. I mean, they were produced one-minute commercials. And one of the more famous commercials was uh, the finest uh, foxhole found in FECOM, and that was the fearless fur-lined folding foxhole 
the finest field fortification found in FECOM. Oh, my goodness. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the very first commercials that we inserted, because the men missed the commercials, were done by Bob Hope, and they were about GI insurance, education, keep your weapons clean. Keep your buttons clean. That's still still our primary mission, Ray, is Mm -hmm. is internal information for the armed forces. That's why we exist, and entertainment is merely our vehicle for carrying those messages. Sure. We did a lot of that in London for all of the stations over there. We produced uh, a lot of what you'd call public affairs and public service kind of programming. Well, the GIs during the Korean War, they loved these fearless products. I mean, we merchandised everything that is GI issue. (laughs) (laughs) We we had, uh, for for the Navy, we had... uh, uh, Let's see. Uh, uh, we had navy suits of of lint that. Uh, how did that go? Do you remember that? Uh, and they brushed off the uniform. They had the complete lint uh, uniform. That's right. It was yeah. made out of lint. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I see. And you brushed off blue serge. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was a wild thing. And people, uh, the, the GIs, they really loved it. Yeah. We had we staged a march of dimes thing, and we had the army pitted against the navy, and the navy against the marines. Mm. Remember that? Did oh, you? Yes. Uh, how, how much do we raise for the march? Uh, one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. And it, my and we, we'd, we'd, get pledges, we'd get pledges. We get pledges from uh, the yeah. front uh, in Korea. If we would break the Marine Corps hymn, that was worth uh, fifteen thousand dollars, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> On the air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, really something. And yeah. and uh, of course, uh, I had a show called Hometown Mailbag, and I had to take that off. That thing was uh, going for about uh, two years. Uh, it was once a week at first, and we had it every night. And then about a year later, we had take it off. Why was that, Jim? Uh, It was a program wherein the people back home wrote to their uh, GI friends in combat, and uh, they would give their names and addresses. And any message to the And message to the uh, young man. And 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 a record dedication. And a record dedication to him. Mm -hmm. And then there was the thought that we were divulging too much information. It was a powerful station, as uh, Ray mentioned, and the Russians were tuned into it. Also. And you'd listen to Radio yeah. Moscow, and they'd yeah. pick up the and names. They, they had the names. Someone in Idaho w- doesn't like uh, this war, yes, that type yeah, of thing. Yeah. And they were using it back at the GIs and their propaganda broadcast, so no, we, we had to terminate it. And uh, it was 5,000 letters a week. That was Ray Bream's show. It's the most popular <laughs> show overseas. He All didn't right. say anything. I wanted to tell you, uh, we don't hear from Forget, but uh, I heard from Danny Malianak. He sent me uh, some pictures of the network at that time. He's got quite a few of you, and Bill Reynolds keeps in touch, and uh, Bill Adler. I thought he would call today. Uh, he's writing books in New York. He's writing one now on Mike Wallace, I think. All right, let's take a call. Hello, Barry. You're on talk radio with uh, the crew. Go ahead. Yes, I've enjoyed them. Um this um, program pretty much. I'd like to ask you a question to um, Mr. Fry. Yes. Uh, what type of format do you utilize uh, right now on um, AFRS radio? And uh, is the middle of the road, uh, rock, uh, beautiful music, and do you utilize um, both AM and FM? Yes, indeed. You name it, we got it, as the saying goes. Uh, we try. We, we still do block programming, if you're familiar with that term. Uh, we have a program uh, devoted to rock music one hour, and the next hour you may get a program of country and western music, uh, and then you'll get a program that may be uh, for this, the uh, black-oriented audience, urban contemporary. We have an Hispanic program every week. We have uh, religious programs. We have programs that are designed for 
the so-called acid rock, the hard rock freaks. We have, uh, you name it, we've got it. Uh, American Top 40 is our most popular program with Casey Kasem. It's a syndicated program that we provide them. And yes, we do have FM, and that's designed for counter-programming. Uh, a station overseas, if, they, if they're playing rock music on the AM, would probably play easy-listening music on the FM to satisfy the, the people who don't particularly enjoy rock. And as far as the formats are concerned, I don't know whether you meant the physical format or not, the radio shows still go out on disc, uh, for the most part, but they're 12-inch discs these days, long-playing records, of course. We're looking toward possible conversion to another format, or maybe audio disc, maybe digital compact disc, you never know. Some of these uh, technologies coming to the forefront now. Uh, our FM programming is all on reel-to-reel -reel tape recording. It's all, um, it's, it's all packaged. It isn't on... Oh, you don't... Each station doesn't have its own library, or does it? Yes, they do. They receive uh, six hours, roughly, of radio library music every week, uh, which they keep. And it's indexed for them on 3x5 cards, and they're able to take request shows because they can use that. Uh, they do their own local shows from that source, and uh, we provide them 80 hours of what we would call network programming from AFRTS Hollywood every week. All right, Barry, thank you very much. We're going to uh, be right back, and uh, we have uh, some other people checking in who've been with Armed Forces Radio, so stay with us. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC Los Angeles. I'm Ray Brain. If your house is plagued by roaches, then you know what a mess it is just trying to get rid of them. And you probably know that most foggers and sprays have strong warnings on their labels which caution against inhaling the fumes and spraying around pets, plants, food, and kitchen utensils. But now, thanks to Eccles Roach Killer in bait trays, there's a clean, simple, and easy way to get rid of roaches. You see, unlike foggers or sprays, with Eccles, there's nothing to move or cover up. You simply put the neat little bait trays in cabinets or closets, wherever roaches hide. Eccles' formula is irresistible to roaches. They eat the bait, then go away and die. There are never any contaminating fogs, fumes, or vapors, and Eccles is more economical than costly sprays. One application gets rid of roaches for good. Get Eccles Roach Killer in bait trays, that's E-C-H-O-L-S, and use the trays that are safer than foggers or sprays. Available at all Hughes, Bonds, Thrifty Drug, Stater Brothers, Skaggs, Smith's Food King, and Fedco stores. Senior citizens, you don't have to remain lonely. You can have worry-free, carefree living with security at the Kipling, a residence hotel for active senior citizens. Attractively located at 4077 West 3rd Street, Los Angeles. Now, the centralized Kipling is managed by the West Specialist in Residence Hotel Hospitality and Family Attitude. At the Kipling, a single monthly payment starting at $500 covers three meals a day, seven days a week, and daily room cleaning service with 24-hour desk attendant. Safety is in the air in this six-story brick building with added sprinkler protection. Now, the Kipling pampers its 100 active senior residents who share in the fun of planned and unplanned social activities. If you don't want to live alone and you're discriminating in your choice of friends and living environment, call Jeff Stern, the Kipling's manager, at 387-2341 for more information and a free brochure. Just mention my name when you call. You'll enjoy being liked and worried over at the Kipling. Phone today, 387-2341. 
hottest piece of plastic in town doesn't cost you money, it saves you money. That's a big difference. With that card, one, two adult admissions for the price of one to the Renaissance Pleasure Fair through the 28th. And two, free admission to the Los Alamitos track, Monday, May 28th. Just present your card to the ticket booth with the KABC banner. The KABC Talk Radio Card. A money saver. Get yours. Use it. Alumni, alumnus, uh, we've got uh, Merwin Smith checking in. Merwin, how are you? I'm fine, Ray. How are you? All right. You're on with James Raleigh. Merwin, now tell me, are you still under snow in Denver? No, we finally got rid of it. <laughs> I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Merwin, I'd like you to tell everybody uh, the wonderful work you're doing for the blind now. Uh, now I'm uh, reading uh, books and magazines for the Library of Congress to uh, distribute to the blind and physically handicapped. I've been doing that full-time for about seven years since I went straight. I got out of radio and television almost altogether and uh, started doing it. <laughs> yeah. I've read probably maybe 150 books by this time and a lot of uh, publications as well. Good. It's a wonderful thing. I, I read the article about your organization. What, they said one man reads 16 hours a day. Well, not, no. I, I do an eight-hour eight An eight-hour day. Right, right. Uh, is that straight through, or do you take breaks? Well, we take some breaks, but uh -huh. it took a while to... It's not like exercising any kind of a, a muscle or anything. Yeah. It takes a while so you can do that. But, uh, well, what happens when you uh, mispronounce a word or you misread? We do errorless recording. We can go back and punch in and fix that on the fly, and then somebody else in turn audits that, and if they find mistakes, we have to go fix them. Uh -huh. So we give them... Uh, they're very particular about pronunciations and foreign words and correct reading and all of that. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, I enjoy it very much. I was in commercial radio, still, and I dabble in it now. I have a sort of a do a food uh, show with another guy in Denver, and uh, an afternoon shift on a radio station for fun. But mostly, I enjoy doing the talking books. You were talking about decommercializing the programs a while ago. I remember one time we got a program in uh, Tokyo. I was program director there. We got a one of the programs we got was from Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. That was on an acetate disc. It wasn't one of the pressings out of L.A. And uh, right in the middle of one of the songs, it was a musical variety show. And, uh, Jim may remember this. <laughs> they faded down the, they all decommercialized it, except they faded down the chorus of this song and ran a 30 second Colgate toothpaste jingle, right? <laughs> yeah. I was on the board at the time and I was so stunned I didn't even kill the pot. I just let it play. Merwin, did you ever uh, experience one of those Tokyo earthquakes when you were on the air? Not on the air. We had one one morning. I was sitting at my desk. I remember that. It was really... Well, I was on the air once on uh, Tokyo Trolley. We had a morning show called Tokyo Trolley. Right. And we had a dandy. And uh, the uh, the tone arm, we were playing a record, and the tone arm just lifted up and went back and forth. In a... Same one. <laughs> 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 well, those were all suspended studios. And yes. They were really, really well built when they were done. But, they, but the studios used to roll. They were on rollers. Mm -hmm. It's original rock and roller studio. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least the one time, you know, we had a dictate news announcer drop on to sleep one time doing the dictate news. That's <laughs> been a lively show. You know, when you talked about an earthquake, at least you could acknowledge the fact that the place was shaking. We'd be doing something on the air. The, the, the people who did broadcast, uh, uh, and all of a sudden, one of those V1s would land a few blocks away. And we were never able to indicate that uh, because it would give comfort to the enemy that anything had landed in London. And a guy would be talking, and it would sound something like this. And now I'm going to do a little song by Dinah Shore. <laughs> Literally, and or a wow. record would jump from, from, from the beginning of a song right to the end. Well, 
it's fantastic. Could have, so you could have fun. Remember in Tokyo, we were very straight-laced. It was very by the book. Uh, we were under the gun and the eye and the ears and whatever of the I&E command and all that. And the, they even told us uh, what kind of records to play. That's right. The waltz, the march, and the hymn every morning. <laughs> you remember that. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, my last day in Tokyo was one to remember. Do you remember that, Merwin? <laughs> what was that, you don't remember. Well, I'm glad that you don't. I, I, I decided I wasn't going to go by what, what they were, were saying. Can you imagine for the GIs playing a waltz, a march, and a hymn in that order? Oh and, a, and a college song. And then a not-too-raucous popular record. <laughs> <laughs> and so my last day there, I, I, I love big bands, so I brought out some Les Brown, some Stan Kenton, and some Harry James, and we swung. And, uh, Jim, you remember that, don't you? I, I certainly do. I almost lost my commission. <laughs> because I had recommended Ray to come to the station. Oh, they had me under arrest. <laughs> yes. Have any of you been back to uh, to visit the station since since then? No, I've never no, been no. back. You know, no. it's, it's not in Tokyo anymore. It's uh, moved to Yokota Air Base now. Oh, really? A lovely new plant uh, built there not too many years ago. Mm. It went out to Camp Drake shortly after. Yes. That's right. I yes. left after Camp Drake. Merwin, thanks for checking in. We started the jazz program there. We did play some of that music, and it was very, very well received by Japanese listeners. Well. Yes. Yes, indeed. Right. They, they loved it. Good. Yeah. yeah. Terrific. Thank you very much, Merwin. Good to talk to you. Uh, Goodbye, uh, Merwin. Get, get Jim going. He's one of the great raconteurs of our time. Yes, okay. he is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's true. Yeah. But, you know, he said uh, we had an announcer who fell asleep doing Dictate News, and I can understand why that would happen. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, in those days, uh, the only way that you could get to some of the uh, newspaper people in the remote locations out on the front in Korea would be by shortwave. And so they'd be in the shortwave frequencies in the shortwave studios giving Dictate News so the guy could write it down on the typewriter. And it would come out something like this. Well, I'll just read this. Things have more or less, then he'd repeat it, things have <laughs> more or less settled down, <laughs> and if it's a big word, he would spell it. I can, I can understand why the guy fell asleep. <laughs> Trying to do a, a five or a ten minute newscast that way. That's where Paul Harvey learned his craft, huh? <laughs> In fact, the broadcaster who fell asleep went on to become quite a famous broadcaster. Who was that? Who? His name is Ernie Myers, and he's one of the top uh, broadcasters. Was that Ernie? Yes. In San Diego? That's correct. That was Ernie Myers who fell asleep? I was there at the time. He, be <laughs> he'd better, he had better call in. That's all I can say. <laughs> we got another famous broadcaster. <laughs> <laughs> we have another famous broadcaster on the phone, George Putnam. How are you, George? George. But I had the great privilege of first being... The Voice of the Army Hour, written by Willis Cooper back in New York at NBC before I went in the Army and then the Marine Corps, and then later, the voice of uh, This Is Your Marine Corps. And of course, uh, Tom Lewis brought me out here, a sweet Larson, the former Navy football coach, decided the Marine Corps should be a participant. And so I came out here to the coast and understudied uh, Tom Lewis, and I'll never forget the day I went out uh, as a guest, and they were wonderful hosts at uh, Tom Lewis's home, and Loretta Young pinned his eagles, his wings, on his shoulders. Yes, yes. George sure. Putnam, you worked uh, at NBC in New York, you Rockefeller bet. Center. You bet I did. And then when I came out here, of course, Tom uh, briefed me and then sent me out mm. uh, into the Pacific, and I covered Armed Forces Radio Service for the Marine Corps and their participation. 
took all of the recordings and showed them what we could do with radio and brought out radio receivers and flew from uh, San Francisco out to Johnson and then down to, as I recall, Bougainville, then into Guadalcanal, then back up into the Solomons, up to Pavuvu, over to Aoi and Biak, and then back again, and up to Kwajalein, and uh, I guess I hit everything, Tarawa, I guess I hit everything but uh, Okinawa and Iwo Jima. It was a delightful experience, and as I listen to your wonderful comments on the part of everybody tonight, it brings back 40 years with a catch in the throat and a tear in the eye. Well, you know, uh, these were dedicated people, as you well know, just as they are today, and uh, the good that uh, Armed Forces Radio and Television Service has done over the past 40 years just cannot be calculated. Would you agree with that? Oh, I would agree, and I'm thinking of Vic Knight, and I'm thinking of all the others who contributed so much, and uh, unselfishly. All of us, of course, uh, we did not choose to do the work we did. They selected us for it because they figured that we might do our, uh, serve our country best in that capacity, and we don't have to apologize to anyone. Uh, we took our risks. I remember we had a motor shot out over uh, the old city of, uh, of uh, Manila. Uh, we all took our risks along the way, but we all came back, and we were thrilled to have served Armed Forces Radio Service, but most of all, those great men and women out there. George, I inadvertently did a very fine service for this part of the country bringing you out here. Yes. Thank you very much, George, for checking in. Oh, very nice. And my very best to all of you. A legendary broadcaster on the West Coast. You know, he, he brings up a good point, Ray. Uh, if it weren't for the, for the goodwill of the broadcasting industry, even today, in providing us radio and television programs at uh, little or no cost, and the guilds and the unions who waive all their performance fees, exactly. there wouldn't be any Armed Forces Radio That's and Television service as we Always know exactly. it today. And it's a very, very, very valuable service they provide to us. Hello, Eunice. You're on Talk Radio. Good evening, gentlemen. Hi. Uh, you're bringing back memories of 42 years ago at the American Eagle. I was a volunteer all through the war for the American Red Cross and the Office of War Information. And I started at the American Eagle Club in London. Uh. And I'm hoping and praying that there's some of my GIs out there that I took care of. My name is Eunice, and uh, we had the Eagle Squadron, the, America, the Eagle Boys, and they transferred uh, from the Royal Air Force to the United States Air Forces in 1942. And from the Eagle Club, we did all the broadcasting, and Dwight, uh, Eisen, uh, Dwight Wyman used to do the USO shows. He did those shows. He auditioned there. And then I went as program director as a volunteer at the Hans Crescent Club in Knightsbridge. And we stepped 2,300 GIs there every night on their furloughs. And I had an all-night owl cabaret show every Saturday night with... Uh, every star in london and we kept about six to eight hundred boys off the streets every saturday night i knew dwight wyman in those days and knew the uh, that whole operation the uso and the the uh, shows that they uh, that traveled the british isles that's right yes but he auditioned at mm -hmm. the clubs at the hans crescent club and at the eagle and then um uh, Kathleen Kennedy, Kick, we called her, President Kennedy's sister. Yeah. She was one of my assistants at the Hans Crescent Club and uh, for, oh, many, many months. And then she married Lord Hartington. I was at her wedding. And uh, Joe Jr. Uh, was in my office just before he was uh, shot down. 
Which was very sad. Eunice, Eunice, we appreciate your checking in. We're short on time, but uh, thanks very much uh, for your recollections. We're uh, saluting American Forces Radio and Television Service here this morning. 42 years in business. Uh, it's the 40th anniversary of AFRTS, in fact, AFRS at that time, on the continent of Europe. In the studio, James Raleigh, Tom Lewis, Jack Brown, Jerry Fry, and Bob Light. I'm Ray Bream. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC. Hello, Jerry. You're on Talk Radio with uh, the crew. Ray, thank you so much for this. But, Darren, the news is coming up, and I wanted to talk to Jack Brown. Um, Jack, are you there? Yes, he's here. Jack, I am sitting here thinking of six years, five months ago on December the 26th when you were on the air with Ray when we almost lost Armed Forces Radio and Ray Bream Well, you didn't lose Armed Forces Radio uh, just just the shortwave transmissions Well, we'd almost lost something and it was <laughs> your, 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 We still have it and I have before me here a beautiful letter that was written for by Congressman Bob uh, Wilson of the 41st District to uh, the ranking uh, minority member of the armed services to the Secretary of State in behalf of keeping this program on the air. Also, I have before me a beautiful letter from Buzz Reiser, Jordan E. Reiser, who was at that time director, thanking the little people of America for, on behalf of the men and women in uniform who helped uh, to save this part for the people that serve in the remote parts of the country or the world where they're so isolated. Well, Jerry, you played a very big part in it, and, uh, I mean, you uh, really, uh, you know, did a lot of wheeling and dealing and shaking. Boy. <laughs> you you rattled some cages. Well, Ray, anything for, for our kids. Well, Jerry, I remember your call very well, and I remember you went from coast to coast on that project. That's right. Indeed. No, I did, and you know what is a lot so amazing. They didn't even... See, I called the Joint Chiefs of Staff. <laughs> I know. That's the way to do it. Thank you, Jerry. This is Talk Radio. I'm <laughs> ABC Summer Olympic Station, KABC, Los Angeles. Oh, Mr. Pitney! Yes, Mr. Moles! Oh, Mr. Pitney! Yes, Mr. Moles! Can you tell me how to give up licking stamps? Get our postage meter, then never lick a stamp again. Absolutely, Mr. Pitney. Positively, Mr. Bowles. No matter how little mail you send, if you're still licking and sticking stamps, it's time for your company to get a Pitney Bowes postage meter. It can seal and meter stamp all your mail. There are even Pitney Bowes postage meters you can fill up by phone in just 90 seconds, so you'll never run out of postage again. To find out more, just look up Pitney Bowes in the white pages of your phone book. Oh, Mr. Pitney! Yes, Mr. Bowles! Oh, Mr. Pitney! Yes, Mr. Bowles! Now you've told me how to give up licking stamps. With our postage meter line, we made stamps a waste of time. Absolutely, Mr. Pitney! Positively, Mr. Bowles! With our postage meter line, we made stamps a waste of time. Absolutely, Mr. Pitney! Positively, Mr. KABC Los Angeles, your ABC Summer Olympic Station. From ABC News, I'm John Dagnan. 
Japanese shippers have put the brakes on their tankers, temporarily keeping them from entering the waters of the northern Persian Gulf. That's where a number of tankers have come under attack from either Iranian or Iraqi warplanes. Iraq claims eight ships were destroyed by its planes off the Iranian coast, but so far this has not been confirmed. The U.S. is reportedly set to go ahead with a plan to help the Saudis protect their oil interests in the Persian Gulf. Details from ABC's John McQuethy at the Pentagon. After a series of high-level meetings and a White House visit by Saudi Arabia's Ambassador Prince Bandar, administration sources say President Reagan approved a plan on the emergency shipment of 200 Stinger anti-aircraft missiles to Saudi Arabia. U.S. government sources say the missiles will be shipped by Air Force transport this weekend with no official announcement until after the Stingers are in the hands of the Saudis. The president is using his emergency powers to bypass the normal steps of congressional approval. John McQuethy, ABC News, the Pentagon. I'll have more after this. Everyone says I should cut down on my smoking. My kids, my doctor, my husband. I only smoke a pack a day. I'm on your side, Sally, but that's 7,000 cigarettes a year. Mm, maybe I should cut down. It's easier than you think with the help of Bantron. Bantron's America's most widely used smoking deterrent. But I'm not ready to quit. Bantron cuts down your desire for cigarettes so you'll smoke less. And it's a tablet you swallow so it's easy to take. You know, I think I can do it with Bantron's help. Listen to your conscience and get Bantron today. Use only as directed. 103? 104? For occasional sleeplessness, you may want help feeling drowsy. D-R-O-W-S-O-M-P-O-Z. Try Compose. C-O-M-P-O-Z. Just one maximum strength Compose can help you feel drowsy. So you can get a good night's sleep and wake up ready to go. Use only as directed. Compose. C-O-M-P-O-Z. El Salvador's leftist guerrilla movement has apparently made a 360-degree turn. The guerrillas have issued a communique expressing their willingness to enter into a dialogue with President Duarte without any preconditions. For years, the leftist rebels have been fighting to overthrow the government and more recently have been demanding a share of the power. Duarte has offered them nothing more than a chance for open dialogue. Johnny Carson, who makes a living cracking one-liners on his Tonight Show, got serious for a while last night, telling his audience... I feel compelled to, uh, to respond to certain allegations made today in the John DeLorean trial. The statements that were made about me are totally false, and beyond that, there is nothing further to say. Carson's denial was in response to testimony at the DeLorean cocaine trial linking him to drug trafficking with the former automaker. The government's chief witness, James Hoffman, testified that DeLoreans once told him he dealt drugs with celebrities, including Carson. Hoffman also testified that he didn't believe DeLorean. Defense attorneys say DeLorean never made the remark about Carson. The National Transportation Safety Board wants a visual inspection made of the cockpit wiring of all 350 DC-10 jumbo jets now operating in this country. The agency wants to make sure there is no repeat of the kind of short circuit that forced a DC-10 with 236 passengers aboard to mark an emergency landing last week at Minneapolis-St. Paul. Effective Tuesday, the government's rate for new federally guaranteed VA mortgage loans goes up a half point to 14%. It's the second increase in three weeks. And from Washington, ABC's Tony Sargent explains what's behind the upward climb. VA loans carry cheaper rates than conventional mortgages because Uncle Sam stands behind them. 
But when VA rates lag too far behind a rise in regular mortgage rates, the home seller has to sweeten the deal for the mortgage lender by paying points. A point is 1% of the loan value up front. When VA loans start needing too many points, homeowners refuse to sell to VA buyers. So the VA rate has to move up so it's not too far behind the continuing climb in other rates. ABC's Tony Sargent. This is ABC News. Hunter Ellis, a high school sophomore in Virginia Beach, Virginia, knows firsthand the pitfalls of campaigning. Standing before 500 students in his bid for the class presidency, Ellis said, Can't you trust this face? At that point, he dropped his trousers. Underneath was supposed to be white tennis shorts with black tape letters saying, Vote Ellis. But the tape stuck to the inside of his trousers. Down came the shorts as well. Some teachers were offended, but the kids apparently felt Ellis had an honest face. He got one of two spots in next week's runoff election. He represents 2,600 square miles of California's mountains, deserts, farms, neighborhoods, and almost 2 million people. More than the state of Nebraska. It's a big job, and Mike Antonovich does it well. Ask the people he represents. Talk about property taxes? I'm still for Prop 13, and so is Mike Antonovich. And that's important. Police and fire protection are my concern. I'm glad Mike Antonovich is our supervisor. He's a reserve policeman himself. He's concerned about government cost and waste. So are all of us. He saved millions by letting private contractors bid on county services. More than a hundred years ago, Lincoln offered us profound advice that the future of this country can only depend upon the realization that government should only do for the people what people cannot do for themselves. Four years ago, the people made the right decision. They will again. That's why friends of Mike Antonovich have paid for this message. Radio. I'm Ray Brame. We're talking about military radio and television known as Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. In the studio, Colonel James Raleigh retired, Colonel Tom Lewis retired, Jack Brown, former director for programming for AFRTS LA, Jerry Fry, currently the director for programming, and former, uh, what were you? Were you a major colonel? What were Lieutenant you? Lieutenant Colonel. Lieutenant Colonel Bob Light. And it's been uh, quite a uh, a night here this morning. Um, you know, you were saying a moment ago, Tom, that uh, it was all the the thinking, the the uh, the great vision of General George Marshall that that caused all of this. Tell us how that how that germinated. Well, in the begin in the First World War, uh, we had no such operation, and uh, all this kind of thing was done by volunteers like the Salvation Army lassies and their donuts. Uh, various religious organizations, and so, some of which conflicted with the others. And Fosdick made a, a Reverend Fosdick, I believe, made a report to uh, the Secretary of War then. This report, Marshall dug up, and it was his idea to do exactly what we're talking about all tonight. You mm -hmm. know, to do it in radio, to do it in, in pictures. He, he personally brought in Frank Capra. He did. Yes, he was the one that designated him. And Frank Capra really had the lead on all of us because he reported quite directly to Marshall. Now, I don't want to get into presidential politics, but something comes up uh, quite regularly on this program, uh, trying to uh, denigrate uh, President Reagan, saying that during the war, 
uh, all he did was uh, do motion pictures for the military. Now, you're telling me about uh, a lot of these people, uh, such as Crosby and others, who wanted uh, Duke Wayne, who wanted to enlist into the service. They, they wanted to do these things. Duke Wayne uh, desperately wanted to enlist. He felt... He felt uh emasculated by not being in the army. Uh, Bing Crosby, the same. And it took a great deal of talking to him to tell him that they were doing something was, which is far more valuable than getting into the... All right. Getting I, I, I get some cranks who call me saying, yeah, you, you served your time, not out there in the foxholes being shot at, but you were in that silly armed forces radio service as a means of denigration. <laughs> How would you answer someone like that? And people who try and denigrate uh, President Reagan for his service to the military in uh, training films. Well, I, uh, related to me, you mean? I never felt that... No, I but never... how, would, how would you answer someone like that? What would you say to them? As far as, uh, you know, saying, you, 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 you just worked in Armed Forces Radio Service. You don't know anything about the military. You don't know about being shot at. Ray, maybe I could help out a little All bit right. by saying that uh, the most recent involvement was over in Beirut when the Marines were uh -huh. still there. The Navy Broadcasting Service had a mobile radio station and television station very near that building that was unfortunately destroyed by the explosion by some quirk of fate, act of God, they moved that facility the day before. But they could have uh, gone could, up too. They could all have gone and been and been not been here today. Well, Jack well, Brown. Every day, every day of your life, you know. Oh yeah, we were we were as far as being bombed or uh, being in 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 jeopardy, much of the time. That was certainly true for about a year and a half in in London, not in Paris, which is, uh, was declared an open city, but certainly in London. But the answer really is that the the military is divided into two parts, not necessarily equal parts. Mm -hmm. One is a fighting part, but the fighting part can't operate without the supply part. Mm -hmm. And part, and a very important part of the supply part, is to take the 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 fighting man's mind off the rigors of what he's doing and enables him to become a better fighter. We're talking about There's a morale a definite, factor. There's a <clears throat> tremendous morale factor in what we did during the war. At least I certainly believe that. Oh yeah. Plus the 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 training that we did in in uh, explaining to troops the reasons for fighting. Uh, many of the things they had Why to do fight? to make themselves better soldiers. Sure. Know your enemy, know your ally. You know, I have no patience with people who think that, that because you didn't stand uh, in a foxhole with a gun, you didn't do uh, the kind of job that was necessary during the war. You know, uh, we were talking tonight, Bob, about one particularly peaceful spring evening in uh, London when we walked down oh, yes. South Audley Street Remember. over into uh, um, into uh, that park, the little park. Uh, actually, Grosvenor Square, I imagine. No, 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 no down into Farm Street, Farm ah. Street Gardens. Oh, yes. Farm Street Gardens, and we got there where the water tank was, and you said, you know, last week we were walking along here, and it was during an air raid, and so-and-so, I forget who it was, didn't wear his helmet. Oh, yes. Rapno came down yeah. in here and he dropped dead. So I moved very quickly after you said Jack, that. Jack, how would you answer that? <laughs> a few years ago, I had the, the pleasure of meeting in Munich with the deputy commander-in-chief of the European Command. Uh -huh. now, that means all the, the Army, Navy, Air Force forces and so on throughout Europe. And the point he wanted to make very strongly was that the presence of uh, radio and television throughout his command contributed to military readiness which was his big concern. They said that, that without the radio and television, the, the information and entertainment that his troops are so accustomed to at home, they would be deprived. That an informed soldier is a sharp soldier. Well, so I, uh, and to back up what Bob said, you could say that same thing about General Marshall. Mm -hmm. All right, how would you answer that, James? Uh, 
the uh, broadcasts of Armed Forces Radio Service uh, had a powerful effect upon the enemy. I found that out uh, talking to Italians that uh, we had liberated. And they didn't realize that we were playing records. They thought that the United States had sent the complete radio industry <laughs> with the army. Pretty impressive. And oh, boy. It did impress them, sure. and it impressed the Germans. And the Germans, according to these Italians, told me that they listened only to our newscasts because mm. they knew that we told the truth. And they were gradually taken over. As you mentioned about Bing Crosby wanting to enlist, the Germans worshipped him. They call him Der Bingle. Right. You brought up a very important point, yeah, and right. uh, I, I want uh, Jerry Fry and Jack Brown to get in on this thing. And that is that when we're broadcasting to the troops, it's not only the troops that are listening. No, exactly. exactly. Uh, and that's, uh, yes, I'd like to hear something on that. The effect on the civilian population now. Well, we, we have no way of judging that other than our overseas stations, of course, who are right there, and they can tell us exactly what the effect is. We don't officially recognize that shadow audience. We can't, but we know they're there, and, and we... And we you get, get mail. We get mail. We get... My goodness. Well, what you, about that two-hour salute from uh, West German? Yes, West the German. West German television. A year ago. Beautiful salute yeah, to the AFN's right. 40th anniversary. And they're, they're, AFN is an integral part of West Germany and all of, uh, all of Europe now. And uh, how many Japanese people learn their English by listening to the Far East Network? Exactly. Uh, people are foreign people all over the world are learning English. And I would think are building a better picture of what this country is all about and a friendlier exactly. attitude through this. And the important uh, thing... tremendous the, part. The important thing that was just mentioned is that we still today... Our, our, our major precept is that we, we pass everything through without any manipulation, no censorship of any kind. If it's broadcast in the U.S. on the networks and in syndicated programs, it's heard and seen that way over a season. It's a long fight forces. to attain that. Oh, I'm sure it was, but it's the only way to operate it. And we yeah. have foreign visitors that come through here from other countries that can't understand how we can do that. You mean you don't manipulate the news? You mean you, you put out everything that comes sure. across the wires? One of, our, nice. one of our famous generals said that uh, if you would have an effective soldier, you must keep him informed of the cause for which he contends. That was George Washington. Very <laughs> interesting. <laughs> we'll be right back. George who? KABC Los Angeles, your ABC Summer Olympic Station. If you're creative, if you knit, crochet, or do weaving, you should know that Super Yarn Mart manufactures their own yarns and sells direct to you in their own giant art needlework centers. On the other hand, if you do needlepoint, you should know that Super Yarn Mart offers the West's largest collection of fine needlepoint canvases. Now you'll find exquisite reproductions of the masters, imported from Belgium, France, Israel, Greece, and Germany. To tantalize your tapestry needle, you can select from 430 colors of tapestry wool, 323 colors of cotton floss, and 246 colors of Persian yarn. To make your needlepoint project truly pleasurable, you'll find every accessory you need, including stretcher bars, needle threaders, tapestry needles, yarn organizers, and much more. Super Yarn Mart offers blank needlepoint canvas in 10, 12, and 14 mesh interlock, and even special felt-tip drawing pens for putting your own yarn design on canvas. Super Yarn Mart, where browsing through their needlepoint department is like a stroll through an art exhibit. Attention students, be a part of the exciting activities at Hollywood Bowl this summer by becoming a Los Angeles Philharmonic student representative. The Los Angeles Philharmonic is looking for students who are interested in promoting the cause of classical music. As a student representative, 
You'll earn tickets to Hollywood Bowl concerts, be invited to special picnics, and more. For information, call 972-7216. 972-7216. Olympic fever will mean more traffic headaches this summer. Getting to and from work and all that congestion won't be any joyride. But you don't have to go it alone. Carpooling to and from work during the Olympic Games is a more comfortable way to get there. And Commuter Computer can help. It's easy. To cure those traffic headaches, call Commuter Computer. 213-380-RIDE. Carpool and feel good again. Call 213-AREA-CODE-380-RIDE. For Democrats, the buck stops here on KABC. The California primary is just days away. And Wednesday, Michael Jackson is back and in the middle of it. Wednesday at 11, Jesse Jackson joins him live in studio and on the phone with you. Friday at 9, it's Gary Hart ready to talk to you. And at 11, Walter Mondale live here and on the phone talking to you. Michael Jackson, the candidates, the pivotal California primary. Wednesday and Friday on Talk Radio 79. In Los Angeles, dial 520, followed by talk. All KABC Talk Radio 79 numbers are followed by the word talk. Orange County, 714 area, dial 750. The 213 area, it's 448. South Bay Area, 679, and the San Fernando Valley, dial 990, and then talk. Well, we uh, talked about command performance, and uh, I'd like to uh, go back uh, to a command performance. Uh, it's typical of uh, what you would find in one of those command performances. It was always star-studded talent. This uh, happened to be two of the great comedians squared off together. It was Fred Allen and Jack Benny and a skit from Command Performance. Gee, Fred, you're, you're looking fine. Yeah, thanks, Jack. You're looking fine, too. Well, this can't last long, fella. <laughs> Anyhow, Fred, welcome to California. Uh, what are you out here for? The orange picking season? <laughs> well, I've been doing a little picking while I'm waiting to hear from Monogram. <laughs> but I, I really came out here to make a picture, Jack. A picture? Good. You know, things have changed since you made your last picture, Fred. They talk now. <laughs> well, I, uh, I, uh, I talk a blue streak. I'm ready for Technicolor, if they talk. <laughs> Well, I see you brought your... Now, wait a minute. That's my laugh. I know, I know. <laughs> I see you brought your famous wit over the Rockies with you. <laughs> By the way, where are you living, Fred? Well, I've only been here six weeks, Jack. I haven't gotten a room yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, it gets pretty chilly here at night, Fred. Doesn't the cold bother you? No, I, I picked up an old Indian blanket at Albuquerque. Mm. It's a little crowded in there with the old Indian, but... I... <laughs> housing in California yeah, today. Jack. You know, when you're away from home nowadays, Fred, things are pretty tough. Travel is difficult, too. Now, take my case. I've just returned from a 32,000-mile trip overseas where I entertained thousands of men. I, uh, I, was, uh, I was waiting for that. I was wondering how you were going to work that in. I was just... <laughs> it was a thrilling trip, Fred. South America, Africa, Sicily... The boot of Italy. The heel finally reached the boot. 
Fred, you're jealous, that's all. When I was in Egypt, I did a special show for King Tut. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. King Tut has been dead for 3,000 years. I know, he was a very tough audience there. <laughs> and he still looks better than you do. Isn't uh, well, I wouldn't talk. Every time I look at your scalp, I think of that song, The Surrey with the Fringe on Top. <laughs> I don't get the connection, Fred. I drive an automobile. Well, all right. Sorry with the fringe on top, Maxwell with the jerk inside. What's the deal? Lucky for you, Alan, that I don't understand that type of humor. You, you know? uh, you don't understand my humor? Why, I remember you in vaudeville, Benny. The only reason you carried a fiddle was to beat off the audience. <laughs> Well, Fred, you never had to beat off an audience. For your first ten years in the theater, you did your act in the men's powder room. <laughs> and that reminds me, Benny, you still owe me 40 cents for towels, by the way. Well, that was from command performance. Uh, those were, were skits, uh, shows that uh, were never heard stateside. That was especially for the G.I.s. Uh, and great, great talent. Uh, you, you were saying, Tom, that uh, both those shows were your shows. In Young Newcomb. In other words, yeah. the, the Fred Allen show and the Jack Benny yes. show. One for General Foods and one for mm. Bristol Myers. Fred Allen for Bristol Myers. He was a great wit, you know. It's amazing oh, yeah. that he was so popular because he was a wit. He wasn't a comedian. That's either. right. He really was. You know, Ray, you were talking about all the great stars that they got on command performance. Mm -hmm. Every week, all of the stars were, were somehow obtained to do those shows right. free. No one could ever have afforded to pay that, uh, In, that price tag. Indeed not. That was worked out through an organization called the Hollywood Coordinating Committee. And I thought you might be interested to know... I remember hearing that. that. Uh, that who, who, who were the... Uh... Well, for a while, the president of that, before he went into the service, was a fellow named Ronald Reagan. I just thought... Oh, really? <laughs> 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 All right, let's take and it. And then uh, Abe Lesvogel, Hollywood Victory Committee, uh, Allenberg, uh, Bert Allenberg. Great many people served in that. Hello, Harold. You're on talk radio with the crew. Go ahead. Okay, I would like to thank you gentlemen very much for the effort that you made for uh, Radio Okinawa. I don't know which one of you people personally were responsible for it, but I would like to thank you personally. Were you, were you there? Yes, I was. I was there in uh, uh, July and August and June of 45. Were you operating in the station? No, I, I used to trip over your station going to work in the morning, and I worked at a little carrier shack. Uh -huh. telephone and teletype communication. And you used to listen to it all the time, huh? I, 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 I couldn't do without it. It was either that or Radio um, Tokyo Rose, and all she gave was a lot of crap. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have a little sample of Tokyo Rose. We're going to... Uh, can, can you get the Tokyo Rose thing up here? I, the guy... Uh, brought up a good point. Harold, uh, thanks for mentioning Tokyo Rose. I'll bet uh, we have millions of people who've never heard Tokyo Rose. Well, she had good music on, but the news was very poor. And we didn't really like to hear what she had to say anyway. I'm sure of that. It, we had Lord Ho-Ho <laughs> in London yeah. coming to us. We knew which way Same thing. blown. <laughs> All right, Harold, thank you very much. I was just over in Okinawa uh, last uh, March, and yeah. uh, my first trip there, and I, it's still a going operation with radio, television, FM, and AM. AM, FM, and AM, television. AM, FM, and television. Mm -hmm. And we hope, we, we hope that uh, the Japanese will 
see their way clear to put a satnet operation in there so they can receive live satellite signals very Would, soon. Wouldn't that be great? Yes. Uh, foreign governments are very sensitive about that, as you know. Yes, they are, and they have particular uh, sensitivity mm -hmm. in Japan because uh, they like to do things a certain way, and mm -hmm. we're asking them to do something just a little bit different. We have a, a tape of uh, Tokyo Rose, and uh, this is what she sounded like. No talent, just another pretty face. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be right back. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC, and I'm Ray Brain. Bernice Wallen is a cancer survivor. Like all the other people who have fought cancer and won, Bernice is special. This weekend, a seminar will be held discussing various ways that are being used to fight cancer, including the treatment that Bernice and many others have undergone. The seminar is presented by the Livingston Wheeler Medical Foundation, dedicated to the fight against cancer, with keynote speaker, the renowned Norman Cousins. That's this weekend, May 26th and 27th, at the La Jolla Village Inn, Interstate 5 at La Jolla Village Drive in San Diego, designed for doctors, nurses, and the public. Anyone interested in the latest findings on the prevention and control of cancer? That's this weekend at the La Jolla Village Inn in San Diego with special keynote speaker Norman Cousins. For registration information, call the Livingston Wheeler Foundation, area code 619-692-2115. Area code 619-692-2115. Or in Los Angeles, call Bernice Wallen, a cancer survivor, area code 213-870-1650. The following message is brought to you by Easy Quit, 18740 Oxnard Street, Tarzana, California. Hello, I'm Bill Haber, and I'd like to talk to anyone who really wants to quit smoking or who knows someone who'd like to quit. Well, now they can, easily, quickly, and inexpensively, thanks to my remarkable invention. The Easy Quit is a smokeless imitation cigarette which looks, feels, and tastes just like a real cigarette, and all it costs you is $10, not a penny more. Instead of reaching for your brand next time, puff away on an easy quit. You'll think you're actually smoking, but the bottom line is you won't be smoking. In a short time, you'll reduce your smoking to a point where you'll stop altogether and for good. I know. I used to be a smoker myself. I smoked for over 45 years, and my smoking came close to killing not only me, but my wife who suffered from bronchial asthma. So I invented easy quit. Please don't risk your life or the life of a loved one any further. If you'd really like to stop smoking, let Easy Quit work for you. It already has for more than 100,000 other ex-smokers. And just compare the $10 price for an Easy Quit with the cost of non-smoking clinics or other forms of helping you kick the habit. No comparison. That's good advice, Bill Haber. Now don't wait. Kick the smoking habit. Get your Easy Quit within two weeks for only $10. Send your check or money order to Easy Quit. 
Post Office Box 78024, Los Angeles, California, 90016. That's Post Office Box 78024, Los Angeles, 90016. Now, don't wait. The Easy Quit is an imitation cigarette which looks, feels, and tastes just like the real thing. So instead of reaching for your brand, next time pick up an Easy Quit and be on the road to kicking the smoking habit for good. That's $10. Check her money order to Easy Quit, Post Office Box 78024, Los Angeles, California, 90016. ABC Summer Olympic Station, KABC, Los Angeles. In the studio, former Colonel James Raleigh, former, former Colonel uh, Tom Lewis, uh, Jack Brown, former civilian director for programming of AFRTS in Los Angeles, Jerry Fry, the current uh, director for programming, and former Lieutenant Colonel Bob Light. They uh, all have had a very big stake in what is called Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. And uh, this, this, of course... Uh, goes back 42 years. But, you know, we have to remember that these are GIs, many of them who've never had radio experience before. And this is a great uh, spawning ground, you might say, for uh, some of our great talent today in the radio and television industry. They got their start exactly. at sure. the GI radio stations, AFRTS. And for many years, the Defense Department has operated the finest broadcasting school you can imagine at Fort Benjamin Harrison in Indiana. Is that it's right? It's called the Defense Information School. So they do get some training before they go overseas. However, just like in commercial broadcasting, sometimes they would make their boo-boos, and uh, we have a a couple here, three in fact, to show that it doesn't always go right as you intended. So take a listen very carefully. From Washington comes the announcement that the Navy Department is now giving instruction in special new curses for Navy nurses. Like the weather, there's not much you can do about the common cold except take care of yourself. Now if you're troubled by a stuffed up naval pas nasal passage, get as much rest as possible and Maintain a well-ordered diet. This is the advice of your doctor. <laughs> Far East Network, Tokyo. In British Columbia, actor Errol Flynn died at Vancouver Hospital tonight after being brought there by an emergency squad. Flynn fit to perfection the popular concept of a movie star until the last few years when he grew punchy. Rather punchy. <laughs> uh, those things do happen. <laughs> oh dear. I, I didn't hear that, Jim. What? Uh, the best one was in Tokyo. What was that? Ed Montre talking about plankton. He said the tiny orgasms of the sea. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be right back with James Raleigh, Tom Lewis, Jack Brown, Jerry Fry, and Bob Light. These things don't happen anymore. Of course, of course not. <laughs> I'm Ray Bream. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC, Los Angeles. In the next few seconds, I'm going to give you more than 100 good reasons to make Charles Schwab and company your brokers. So listen carefully. Reason one, Schwab is America's leading discount broker, and when you buy or sell stocks, you can save up to 76% on commissions compared to rates charged by full commission brokers. Two, you can enter an order or get a stock quote by toll-free phone 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Three, you
your securities at Schwab are protected up to $2.5 million. Four, Schwab often executes your market orders in seconds using advanced computer technology. Reasons 5 through 105, at Schwab you have your choice of over 100 nationally known mutual funds. Over 100 no-load and low-load mutual funds you can buy or sell as easily as stocks. For your free Schwab information kit and discount rate schedule, call toll-free 800-554-9600 in the continental U.S. That's 800-554-9600. Charles Schwab, member SIPC, a Bank America company. Hey there, want to see how I look reduced? Aren't you the Mita man? The original, miss. Look, this Mita 213RE copier made me four sizes smaller. Oh, my. Here I am again, enlarged. Oh, my. Now feed me, please. Oh, my. A document feeder and a sorter? You must be very expensive. Not much more than a compact copier. Well, bye now. Hey, come back. You forgot the original. Gee, the copies look better than the original. Oh, my. Full service copiers. Call toll-free 1-800-222-0878. When my hemorrhoids flare up, I'm a believer in the rapid reliever, Tronolane. When the pain starts, I reach for Tronolane. I'm a believer in the rapid reliever. Why sit around waiting and waiting for relief of swelling, itching, soreness? Use Tronolane, the rapid reliever. Tronolane multi-symptom hemorrhoid treatment with its hospital-used medicine starts relieving your major symptoms immediately. For fast relief, I'm a believer in the rapid reliever, Tronolane. In cream or suppositories. For temporary relief, use only as directed. You know, many of you who are elderly or who have a chronic illness know how difficult it is to use a heavy, cumbersome vacuum cleaner. Well, now there's an upright vacuum cleaner available to the public that costs about the same amount as most vacuum cleaners and yet is only a third the weight of its closest competitor. That's right, just one-third the weight of other vacuum cleaners. You're going to love it. It's called the Oric XL, and it's used in hotels throughout the nation because it's so lightweight yet so thorough. And again... If you're elderly or you have a chronic illness, you'll love the Auric XL commercial vacuum cleaner because it's so much lighter than other vacuum cleaners, yet it does a thorough job of cleaning your carpets. We have one and we love it. Now, there are many Auric dealers throughout Southern California. If you'd like more information about the Auric XL or if you want the number of the Auric dealer nearest you, drop me a line. Ray Bream, KABC Radio, Los Angeles 90016. Be sure and put the words vacuum cleaner on the outside of the envelope. Or you can call direct or collect to Marvin's Vacuum Center in Canoga Park. They have a list of all the Auric dealers in Southern California. And they'll give you the number of the Auric dealer nearest you. That's Marvin's Vacuum Center in Canoga Park. Call direct or collect 3401181. That's 3401181. The number again, 3401181 for the amazing Auric XL. That's Auric, O-R-E-C-K. KABC Los Angeles, your ABC Summer Olympic Station. All KABC Talk Radio 79 numbers end in the word talk. South Bay Area, dial 679. Glendale and Pasadena, 244-990 for the San Fernando Valley. Orange County 714 area is 750. The 213 area, 448. Los Angeles, it's 520. And then talk. Gentlemen, uh, there was a lovely lady during World War II and uh, for uh, a couple of years, I guess, thereafter. That How, how long did uh, G.I. Joe do her show? Do you remember? It was until about 47. Well, during the war, of course. Uh, during the war, until about 47, if I recall, 48. Yeah. 
Anyway, she had a very, very popular show. And it was called G.I. Jive with G.I. Jill. And this is what it sounded like. Here it is, fellas. The AEF jukebox of the air, G.I. Jive. Hiya, fellas. This is Jill saying welcome to the 597th session of G.I. Jive. That's a lot of jive, isn't it? And the first record from the jukebox is a lot of jive, too. It's for Corporal Miller Jackson and the engineers at APO 948, and it's Benny Goodman with I Found a New Baby. Well, well. that does it, fellas. Till later, this is Jill saying good morning to some of you, good afternoon to some more of you, and to the rest of you, good night. That was uh, really a rage. The the GIs just flipped over GI Jill. Well, she was everybody's girl next door. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, she must have been the first successful female disc jockey. Have you she thought was. about that? She was. Yeah. Was. She would have yeah. to be. Probably yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ray, I'd like to go back to that uh, cowboy music, uh, country music. Right. The most popular song in Italy. Uh, we had a contest, and they wrote in. It was uh, Roy Acuff's The Great Speckled Bird. And I remember when we got to Rome, I told Tootie Fogle, I said, we can't play this cowboy music for these Romans. They got the opera and the great music, <laughs> Verdi, etc. And uh, so I took Melody Round up and, and put it on at 6 <laughs> o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and immediately, letters start coming in sure, from yeah. all the Romans saying, you took our favorite program and you have it on at 6 in the morning, and it's so early we can't get up that early, <laughs> and it's cold, we don't have coal, and so forth. So we had to reschedule. Another that shows you what a program director I am. Uh, <laughs> another interesting side light. They didn't call it country music then. There was another no. name for it. But we did a survey of, of uh, tastes in music oh, among yeah. the GIs in the European ETO yeah. in those days. And country music, or whatever it was called in Hill those Billy days, music. was head and shoulders. I think it was, yes, Hillbilly. Yeah. Was head and yeah. shoulders above every other kind of music. Right. Well, I'll tell you, yeah. I mentioned earlier that the American Top 40 with Casey Kasem is uh -huh. our most popular uh -huh. radio program today. The second most popular is American Country Countdown with Bob sure. Kingsley. So mm. uh, what Hugh is saying, I, I had a letter oh, about six months ago from a chaplain in Okinawa, just the reverse of that. This chaplain had been raised as a Southern Baptist on country and Western music. That's all he knew. And he said when he went to Okinawa then, all he had was AFRTS, Armed Forces Radio, to listen to. And he became aware of the other music in the world. The popular music, the rock and roll, the black music he'd never mm -hmm. heard before. Mm -hmm. And he became familiar with it and learned to like it, even classical music. And so he, he thought AFRTS had done him a good, a good deed there. Mm. Hello, Harvey. You're on talk radio. Hello, gentlemen. Could you tell me who Robert L. Castle is? Bob Castle works for me at the Armed Forces Radio and Television Service Programming Center. If that's the one you mean, he used to work at AFN in Frankfurt. Well, uh, the reason I said that is I'm getting it out of the World Radio Handbook. Yes. Uh, I couldn't... Uh, I thought maybe there was a misprint. Anyway. He's the chief of our radio programming branch. Uh, are you going to move the Delano uh, antenna site? Delano? Yes. No, we're not. Uh, incidentally, those transmitters do not belong to us. They are leased uh, from the Voice of America, so they, they will remain at that location. Only our studio complex and office complex will move to Sun Valley, California, in the San Fernando Valley, sometime in the middle part of next year, April to July time frame. 
the reason I asked is because uh, uh, I do listen to it. Uh, I can't get a QSL card, but I, I do listen to it, and uh, it's... Uh, Didn't I read where yeah, you, you do can, send? You can get a QSL right. card if you'll fill it out for us and send it in with all the mm -hmm. information. We'll sign it and send it back to you. We, we're not chartered, unfortunately, to uh, acknowledge requests from the United States because our audience, of course, is overseas. And we uh, don't have the administrative work, uh, the administrative staff to take care of all those. Well, so what I do is I just send it to, to that. That's right. Fill, fill it all out, uh, the, you know, the frequency and everything that you heard, and we'll, we'll acknowledge it, we'll verify it and acknowledge it and send it back to you. Okay. Thank you very much. All right, Harvey. Thank you. And let's say hello to Anita. Hello, Anita. You're on Talk Radio. Good morning. Anita? Huh? You know, it might be interesting, Ray, to uh, just mention that we are now heard on 88 land-based radio AM and FM stations around the world. There are 35 land-based television stations, that is, bigger stations that do productions of their own. 425 ships have shipboard radio stations that carry AFRTS programming. There are over 425 shipboard television stations, and there are about 275 of those mini-TV outlets that we mentioned earlier. And all from that very inauspicious beginning yes. in 1942. That's right. All right, let's say hello to, uh, we have Charlie. Hello, Charlie, you're on talk radio. Good morning. Uh, I'd like to add something to that name. It's Charlie Computer, uh, since I own a computer. All right, Charlie Computer, go ahead. Okay, uh, my main object this morning is I'm a first-time caller to your program. I would like to thank you for having such a very, very interesting program, but I'm also a long-time listener. Good. Glad to have you aboard. Now, what's on your mind? Oh, uh, the gentleman uh, that uh, you have as a uh, guest, I would like to address all of them and say thank you very much for the many hours of entertainment that they gave me back in 1951 to 1953 when I was in Germany listening to uh, AF, AFN uh, Stuttgart and uh, Frankfurt. Also, I'd like to thank them uh, for when I was in uh, Korea in 55 and 56 and since I was working this about the same shift, hmm. working now. I used to listen to Radio Tegu and, and uh, uh, AFK in Seoul uh, quite, uh, quite a number of hours due to the fact that I was in uh, telephone switchboard communications, and that was my uh, way of uh, getting all the information. Very good, Charlie. Thanks for the call. An appreciative listener. That's yes, nice, huh? Indeed. You know, Ray, there, there's a thing that, uh, that I think is little known. We had an armed forces radio school during the war, and we taught men to make landings in the South Pacific, for instance, when the, when the, with the uh, troops oh. in the island. So with rudimentary equipment to set up broadcasting equipment right away. Is that right? Yeah. So I might add, incidentally, that I'm also an appreciative listener. I do listen to you a great deal. Well, how about that, Bob? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, Carol. You're on talk radio. Good morning. I listen to you on your excellent program. And I remember the Second World where I was a volunteer worker at the Red Cross rolling bandages. And two of my brothers went to war. Of course, one didn't come back. He was in the... They were both in the African Normandy invasion in Italy. Is one of the people there said he was in Rome or Italy somewhere? Yes. Yes, uh, Jim. Yes. James Rawley here. I was I was in and Rome. All the infants, the boys who were at NCO Beaches? Uh, yes. That's where I lost my brother. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. All right. We, we lost many there. We were yes. fighting for a cause right. freedom. And it's wonderful we can sit today and reminisce about it. Yes. And I hope we'll never have to face a third world war. 
I hope so, too. Amen. Amen. Here and there. And, Ray, you really have excellent program. I missed part of it. And I wish all of you a wonderful weekend. Well, Thank same you. to you, Ken. Thank, Thank you, you Thank much. you very much. Your ABC Summer Olympic Station, KABC, Los Angeles. Men, it's true, after 38 years, the Southland's famous Monty's Men's Shop has had it. Monty's is calling it quits at Topanga Plaza. A milestone in menswear retailing comes to an end. That's the sad news. The good news, Monty's is offering magnificent men's clothing at outrageously low-quitting prices. Example, new pure silk sport coats, originally $275, now $138. Suits as low as $97. $32 polo shirts, now $16.77. $195 men's blazers, just $118. Dress slacks, shirts, ties, jackets, names as Dimitri, Yves Saint Laurent. Daniel Hector, Sasson, and many others. Monty's, the last independent menswear store in Topanga Plaza, says farewell, goodbye, and amen. Share in Monty's going out of business bargains. Remember, it's Monty's for Men, Topanga Plaza, upper level near May Company, Canoga Park. Phone 883-1780. Visa, MasterCard, American Express accepted. Griffey's are closing their West Covina store. Over a thousand TV sets must go regardless of original cost. Liquidation prices in three locations, West Covina, South Bay, and Long Beach. Hotel sets, brand new sets while they last at prices you may never see again. Now listen, RCA 19-inch late model hotel color sets, just $139. RCA 19-inch XL 100 hotel color sets, now $179. Also liquidating complete stock of brand new sets, brand names, RCA, Zenith, Sylvania, at liquidation prices, many below normal dealer cost. Now, at these prices, tell your friends. Or you may want more than one for possible gifts. Imagine, 19-inch RCA color TVs as low as $139. But once they're gone, they're gone. Griffey's cannot replace them at these liquidation prices. All sets carry Griffey's full warranty. Special hours, 9 till 9, weekends till 6. In South Bay, Long Beach, and the final days in West Covina, call Griffey's at 835-8321. Everybody's flashing it, the talk radio card, and saving money when they do. Like one, 20% off any motel hotel TV at Griffey's TV in Lawndale and Long Beach. Two, two adult tickets for the price of one at the 19th Annual Auto Expo at the Los Angeles Convention Center. And three, at any of the 29 Tiny Nailers restaurants and bakery locations, 20% off all purchases, anytime, day or night. The KABC talk radio card. You win with it, and you save with it. Get it. Use it. Morning. out of Tucson, listening to KNST. Uh, I'm calling from the another, uh, a different end of the spectrum. You've been getting phone calls from people who appreciated your work over the years. Uh, let me explain. Uh, I'm set to enter the Air Force in the fall. And uh, I have a four-year degree in radio, TV, film, production work. I have done some production, and my aim is to get in... Uh, to join the Armed Forces Radio Television Service. Well, you have to uh, get into the service first, and then... Yeah, yeah, that's what I was told, mm -hmm. that they hire from within. But I'm just wondering, with my background and uh, with a degree and some work, what are my chances? Well, first of all, let me let me say this for, from my viewpoint. This is Ray Brain. Hi. Uh, when, when you go in, you're into the processing in uh, basic training. Right. Uh, you don't know how to type. You don't know how to drive a car. You don't know how to shoot a camera. All you know is radio and television. No, I know those things, too. 
Yeah. Now, you've you've got to get your 201 file, get your classification yeah. all squared away. Well, what, what you have to do uh, is, Lou, is, is make sure you've worked, been working with a, a recruiting uh, person of some kind, I assume, and you're all signed up now. Have you discussed uh, getting into broadcasting with that person? Yes, I have, but I was told that uh, that determination would only be made as soon as I get to basic. I was al it was also suggested to me to prepare um, an audio tape. There is an audition that you need to, to do, and uh, your recruiter should be able to help you on this because they're supposed to have that information. Uh, the Defense Information School that Jack Brown mentioned earlier is the course of instruction that you want to get into after your basic training. Uh, I'm not certain how I can advise you to have this happen once you're in the Air Force. Um, you're in Tucson, huh? Yeah. Um, and you told me a moment ago that my recruiter should be able to help me, but I was told by my recruiter that uh, they have no connections whatsoever with their local radio stations, that all of their uh, their advertising is done um, from somewhere else. Yeah. That's really no problem. That doesn't bother me. I I will take it upon myself. To well, proceed. the important thing is to is to get in your classification, your MOS number. AFSC in his case. Yeah, oh, that's right. Again? You, you, when you get into the service, they'll give you an AFSC. That's the Air Force Specialty Code. Okay. And it's a number, and it designates a broadcaster if you get the right one. Uh -huh. So when you're interviewed by a personnel person, when you get into basic training, as Ray says, make sure you emphasize your background in broadcasting, your degree in broadcasting. Tell them you want to go to the Defense Information School okay. and become a military broadcaster. And well, twist their arm. Well, it'll... Don't bribe them, but, uh, you know, everything is legal. <laughs> if they ask you if you want to go to journalism school to there, tell them yes, because the uh, students yes. go through journalism first, and then certain uh, people from that class are allowed to go on and specialize in broadcasting. Good luck, Lou. Hello, Chuck. You're on talk radio. Good morning. Well, hi, Ray. How are you? Welcome Great. to the halfway house uh, in Michigan, Burma. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, it's sure great to hear all you guys talking about the, the war. I remember. Uh, my little radio station was unique. I think Jack Brown remembers uh, hearing a little about it. Uh, we uh, were on the China-Burma border on the Irrawaddy River, and that was uh, near where General uh, Colonel Chenault's Flying Tigers made their missions, and they loved to come back and tell the transmitter they would like a little Glenn Miller to welcome them home. And the transmitter would ring us on the leather box, and we had put on some Glenn Miller for the Flying Tigers. It was a very unusual station uh, because uh, it started on, on a couple of uh, K-ration boxes with <laughs> those emergency guys that you said you had to fly in to set up problems, uh, solve problems where morale existed, and we didn't have much morale there. So um, following the Battle of Michinaw with the Merrill's Marauders and, and later the Mars Task Force, uh, I was pulled out of a GI show called Canteen Caravan. And uh, because of a radio background in WKY in Oklahoma City, was uh, told to open a radio station and get on the air. So we had 100 watts going, and uh, it was real wild. But um, uh, Tokyo Rose was a familiar voice to us, and somehow the uh, uh, the news always got to her whenever we tried to sneak in a Black Widow night fight or something. She before we even got it unpacked that it was there. So. Well, did you uh, feel that you were doing a very important service? 
I know we were doing a very important service, uh, right. mainly because uh, morale yeah. problems were the reason the station had to go on the air. Speaking of problems, uh, you recall that one of Michinaw's problems was the fact that the, the line between the station and the transmitter kept getting stolen. <laughs> well, yes, that's true, but uh, in a unique way. Uh, uh, let's see, the uh, Chinese First Army was a battalion there with us, and uh, that was under General Stilwell and Chiang Kai-shek's uh, era in 43-44. And um, our line that went from Michinaw, a little bombed-out Burmese temple, out to the transmitter at the airstrip, um, sometimes the Chinese would be going through the jungle, and they would uh, they they heard that there was music going through that wire. And they'd take the machete, cut it in two, stick one in each ear, and try to hear the music. And that would throw us off the air. And so one of us had to... Uh, uh, flip a coin to see who took the test clips, and we spent a G.I. Jill platter and <laughs> head for the jungle and follow that wire till we found where it was. Uh, Chuck, thanks for checking in. You know, he mentioned uh, Glenn Miller. Bob, uh, you have some stories about uh, Glenn Miller, don't you? Oh, my, yes. Well, I have one story about Glenn Miller. He was uh, very much involved with the armed forces uh, broadcasting in London. He came over with what was called the Allied, the American Band of the Allied Command, and that was the group with... Ray McKinley and, and uh, Johnny Desmond and so forth, a huge orchestra. But um, he and I would sit together at the meetings we would have at the Allied Expeditionary Forces Program every Tuesday morning. The meetings were at Broadcast House, uh, mm -hmm. Portland Place, at BBC. And one morning, uh, one Tuesday morning, Glenn said uh, to me, I, I've got to do something this afternoon, and I'm very concerned about it. I said, what's that? He said, well, I'm flying over to, uh, to Paris. I said, well, that sounds wonderful. What's the matter? He said, well, I'm going over there with a fighter pilot, and the guy takes an awful lot of chances, and I'm nervous. And I said, well, I sure as heck wouldn't go. He said, well, I'd hate to hurt his feelings. He's a nice man. And that was the last anybody ever saw of Glenn Miller. Well, that was mm -hmm. the day he disappeared. Yeah, Isn't he just flew something? over with a guy who took chances. Hmm. Isn't that something? One Tuesday morning. That's a story I've never heard before. All right, uh, let's take another call. And let's say hello to Lou. Hello, Lou. You're on talk radio. Good morning. Hello, Lou. Hi. This is Lou. I'd like to extend a personal greeting to Colonel Raleigh. Colonel Raleigh. All right. Uh, Jim, there you, there you this, are. Wait, is this the Lou? Oh, great, Lou. You sound wonderful. Thank you. I recall May 1st, 1951. Yes, May 1st. Yes, May Day, and when they were rioting in Tokyo. I remember that one. Yeah, I came in uh, for an audition. Uh, our group was uh, due to move out to Tucson. We got called out that one time, the MOS worked. Yes. And uh, we came over for that audition, as you recall. Anyone in show business is aware that we live by auditions, but that was a, an unusual one. Mamo had just uh, arrived from stateside. Yes, call. my wife. Yeah, and my first meeting with Colonel Raleigh, who seemed to be more interested in filming a May Day riot from the roof of the NHK building. <laughs> I um, did remain in Tokyo. Of course, I remember Ray very well. I think it was Colonel McGifford that you were friends at the time, was it? Yes, yes, Colonel McGifford. And um, I'd like to mention Dick Long, who was there. Yes. Some time with passing a few years ago. I know. It was, uh, uh, personal lot. Yes. And I listen to Ray uh, very often, uh, 35 years ago. He continues to be a, 
uh, a great broadcaster who found me say without sounding gratuitous, a great uh, voice uh, for freedom. I guess the most memorable historic event that took place while I was there was uh, when General MacArthur was notified uh, of his dismissal by President Truman yes. over Armed Forces Radio in Tokyo. Right. And he was before he did by special career. I believe uh, Julian Barber, who was in Washington for many years, broadcasted did that bulletin, if you recall. That's right. Well, it's great to hear you fellows and, and Jim. I, I look forward to talking to you personally at home real soon. Uh, are you still in the radio business, Lou? Uh, yes, I am, and uh, I'm president of a company now called Point of Purchase uh, Company, which is something I don't pass by going into in any great detail. But I look, um, look forward to talking to you real soon, Jim, and give my love to Mamo, and a um, special uh, greeting, of course, to Ray, and look forward to talking to you one day soon. Thank, Thank you very, very much, much, Lou. Thanks, Lou. Thanks for calling in. Yes, goodbye, Lou. You know, Jerry earlier mentioned Buzz Reiser was instrumental mm -hmm. in this short wave thing. Of course, Buzz is now the director of the American Forces Information Service mm -hmm. after Bob Cranston retired. So he's now the new leader oh. of the entire organization back there. Right. Uh, we don't have much time left. I uh, Maybe we can take another real quick call here. Very uh, quick-like. Hello, Sam. You're on talk radio. We only have about a minute. Good morning, Ray. I've enjoyed your program for a long time, and it was of special interest uh, when you played Tokyo Road. My outfit went over in February of 42, and I came back of May of 45 in the Pacific. We went over on the Queen Mary, and we went from Australia on up. I went on through the Philippines. But the 104th anti-aircraft uh, separate battalion are having a reunion down at Oak Tree Inn in Bessemer tonight. We have a big supper and expecting around 200 of the old members reunion. And that's an old form with partly of an old Birmingham uh, uh, National Guard outfit that mobilized just uh, prior to the war. Yeah, listen, I have to leave you, uh, but uh, very quickly, Sam, uh, do you think that Armed Forces Radio played a very important part? Yes, I enjoyed it, and uh, of course we didn't have the facilities for listening to it roaming around through the islands where we were, but yeah. we picked up uh, or listened to it every now and then, and I enjoyed it. Very good. Thanks for the call. My guests, James Raleigh, Tom Lewis, Jack Brown, Jerry Fry, and Bob Light. I'm Ray Bream. This is Talk Radio 79 KABC. Hello, Anita. You're on Talk Radio. We don't have much time. I know. Well, I was disconnected. I guess you somebody pushed the wrong button or okay. something. I just wanted to say hello to Bob Light. I think he was responsible, along with Frank Donzik, for sending me up to AFN Berlin. I was the first woman up there. Were you really? Yes. I see Frank. Where, where are you located? I live in Malibu. Ah, well, you're out here in Southern California. Yeah. Uh, uh, is Frank still alive? Frank's very much alive. He's with a brokerage firm in Century City. Oh, for heaven's sake. Mm -hmm. to give him a ring and say hello. Yeah, I was with AFN Berlin. You remember we used to say on the road to Berlin? I remember it well. I, I got into Berlin in September of 45, as a matter of fact. You know, there wasn't a, there wasn't a, a one whole roof on any building when the Russians came in. They just threw hand grenades on all the roofs that were still standing then. It was quite a quite a sight. You went in there when? Except, well, it was around that time because we had a studio on Podbielski Alley. All I remember was Max Sperling's apartment, which yeah, was the, the billet. The billets were. That's where the yeah. billets were. Yeah. Anita, we have to leave you. Thanks for checking in. And I want to thank you, uh, Colonel James Raleigh, Colonel Tom Lewis, Jack Brown, Jerry Fry, and Lieutenant Colonel Bob Light. Uh, you've... Uh, 
I think, lightened up our, our whole morning, and you've uh, helped us uh, reflect on 42 years of uh, just the greatest for the, the armed forces overseas through the American Forces Radio and Television Service. They were a very productive uh, 42 years. I hope they're another productive 42 years in the future, and I'm sure there is. Thanks for being with us, and thanks for what you've done to the servicemen everywhere. I salute you. It's a great pleasure to be with you. Thank you, Ray. Thank Thank you you very much, Ray. This is Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brain. KABC Los Angeles, your ABC Summer Olympic Station. Voluntary early retirements have become a popular way for corporations to trim bloated payrolls. But according to a recent article in the Wall Street Journal, these golden handshakes aren't cheap. And some say they're not good for the worker, the company, or the country. If information like this is important to you, have a pencil ready for a new money-saving offer that will help you get off to a head start every business day. If you'd been reading the Wall Street Journal every business day, you would have read what the investment picture is for gold, how floating interest rates that have already made sweeping changes in the housing market are now available for certain car loans, and why concern is mounting over airline safety. The Wall Street Journal. It's all the business news you need when you need it. Now, here's that new money-saving offer. Order 19 weeks of the journal for $39 and save $750 off the cover price. Call toll-free in the continental U.S. 800-554-9600. That's 19 weeks, just $39, and save $750. Call now, 800-554-9600. You'll be billed later. Your ABC Summer Olympic Station, KABC, Los Angeles. I'm John Grimes. Iran says it will hold its fire in the Persian Gulf if Iraq does likewise. Iran's U.N. ambassador made the pledge as the U.N. Security Council began debate on the fighting in the Gulf. Blank. Windows M. Desktop. Folder view. List view. My documents. 23 of my music. My document. Enter. Documents. Items. Why? Yesterday, USA 2018020206. Walton Hughes and Larry Gassman with Janine Roos. Why? Yesterday, USA 2018020222. Walton Hughes and Anson Williams. Enter. Hi, everybody. I'm Wong Hughes, and I have a gentleman on the line who I bet is very busy and very pleased how things are going. Anson Williams, welcome back to the show. Well, thanks for having me back. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's wonderful. Tell me what's going on, what's the latest news with the products, and give, give me a little update. How, how is everything going? Oh, well, um, gosh, you know, we talked about Alert Drops the last time, you know, which is uh, just helping so many people from uh, unnecessary tragedies because of drowsy driving. And just thousands and thousands of people now have been helped, and uh, it's been very effective. And, you know, again, it's because of my uncle, Dr. Heimlich, who, have the knowledge to, to make all this work, to take a very natural product and understanding the sensory connection of the body, helping the body. He knew that citric acid and sour lemon on top of the tongue will hit the lingual nerve and the automatic reflex reaction of the body is adrenaline. So we were able to get a spray drop, natural, basically like a high-powered lemon, spray that on the tongue, top of the tongue, and man, you're up instantly. You're awake and you're ready to go and you're going to avoid dozing off and uh, nothing in your system to uh, hurt your body or to, uh, you know, affect your sleep pattern or anything like that. So, uh, and we've been just, you know, the re- I don't know, the reviews have been phenomenal. Uh, we even did one, um, an interview with a large NBC affiliate, unbeknownst to me, did their own checking, did their own testing. 
and we came out with flying colors and um um yeah it's been it's been fantastic and uh we were we've now been written up a lot in some major major publications and um it's just been growing and and more importantly we've been helping people so everyone out there you go to alertdrops.com and uh you'll read all the information all the science behind it why it works how it works how effective and uh and how natural it is and you know we you can you can stop stop yourself from having unnecessary tragedies tragedies we're also finding out that Major construction companies are, are using alert drops on construction sites, mm-hmm. uh, police departments, fire departments, uh, doctors, nurses, uh, sports, kids in school, anybody that needs to be alert instantly to have that clarity. It works for all that, especially jobs, you know, where, you know, they're dangerous or where you've got to be, you know, totally clear, totally aware. It's, it's very effective in, in instantly kind of waking up and, and having the clarity you need for a dangerous situation. So it not only works with drowsy driving, it works for, you know, any time you need to be alert in any, in any area. So, uh, again, go to alertdrops.com. Uh, it's Dr. Heimlich's genius. He passed away over um, a year ago. But wow. every day now he's saving lives through his Heimlich maneuver or alert drops. And that's very important, very important. It's a catastrophic problem in this country. There's over 168 million drowsy drivers a year. One out of five admit to falling asleep. Um, uh, over one out of five accidents are caused by it. More deaths than drunk driving and, and medicated driving combined. Uh, this is this is up there with guns and everything else. And yet, this is something we can control. So, uh, please, everyone out there, go to alertjobs.com and uh, keep your family safe, keep your friends safe, keep society safe, and uh, we can stop this catastrophic problem. So, is it still only available through mail orders, or will you eventually maybe have it in certain locations? That I'm thinking, like truck driver yeah. stops, something like that. That guys who drive all night, this would be a perfect thing for them, you know. It is perfect for them, and you know, and commerce is a whole other animal. But we <laughs> we just signed on to a really good rep group, and in the next six months or so, we should be in all the truck stops, uh, and you know, and and drug stores and all that. It should be readily available to local retail store. In the meantime, it's available at uh, alertdrops.com or amazon.com. You can get it either way. Mm. So it's very easy and it's very reasonable. I mean, people spend, gosh, like $4 and $3 and $5 for these little shots of really questionable products that really don't do much but hurt you. And uh, this, you have this little spray, but it's over 80 sprays. It'll last a month. And uh, a lot less expensive than all those other uh, energy things out there. So it's very affordable. When somebody orders, does it come in several bottles in a package? What What's the packaging like for when somebody orders it through Amazon or through? Oh, well, they're 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 enclosed uh, sprayers. They come in a you know a, a package envelope, and you can buy it. You can buy one, two, three, six, or twelve. Okay. If you buy up to twelve, it's half the price. So it has all, yeah, oh, no, not at all. So it has all sorts of different, uh, you know, combinations, whatever your needs are. And it has a return policy if you don't like it. Also, out there, if you don't want to buy alert drops, or you, can, you know, you're, 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 you're strapped, keep cut-up lemons in the car. So keep cut-up lemons in the car uh, when you're going to have long drives or long days. And if you start feeling that drowsiness hitting or that exhaustion, bite into it because, the citric acid and the, sour, and, the, and the sour lemon will hit the, that lingual nerve and, and, and will be effective for you. Um, 
it's a little, you know, it's not as convenient as a lift off. So it sprays right onto the nerve. But uh, if you, you know, you can do that also. So I, I just care that people save their lives. Mm. The, how did you become an entrepreneur? That's something that you always wanted to do as a kid. Eventually, you had the opportunity to do different things on your own to, you know, to take a product to market. How, how did that trend come about in your life? Jeez, I think it's DNA. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was when I was a little kid, I remember I was nine years old, <laughs> and when my father was in college, he was really wanted to be an artist, and he he created uh, cartoon stationery, right? And couldn't do anything with it, so it was just stored in our garage, right? And we had no money, hundred dollars in the bank, small little house, but he, but they had this he had this like box full of uh, cartoon stationery, you know, and uh, he came home one day. And I put all I put this money on the table. I had sold it all. I went gone door to door and sold all the cartoon stationery. <laughs> and then another time, my best friend was in junior achievement in in um, junior high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, of course, he ended up going to California Institute of Technology and became this he's this egghead, right? You know, right. chemist engineer. But he wasn't a salesman. But what happens in junior achievement? You you know you invent a product. And then you sell the product, mm-hmm. right? And then a certain amount of the money goes to you. Right. It, it's kind of teaching you entrepreneurialism and all that. It was a really good program back then. So they made a great product. I forgot what it was, but he couldn't sell at all. So I made a deal with him. I said, I'll be you, and I'll go door to door. But I get 10% of what you get. <laughs> <laughs> so I went door to door. I went door to door. And sold this product, he, and he became, he got the award as being the number one salesperson in that little in that little group. So I knew early, I knew early on. I just had these instincts of 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 of, of seeing a problem and fixing it, or finding a you know finding a way to to create something to fill a need or whatever. It, I just it just was always there. In fact, entertainment. I mean, it came very handy in entertainment because it's you know it's so competitive. Yeah, and you want to be at the right place at the right time and. And many, many times that 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 God-given gift helped me so much. It, it, it has to be helpful when you're when you're producing a product and or even a, a film or a TV show, and you're trying to pick. Mm-hmm. It's the same, probably a lot of it's the same technique in, in a way. To that you exactly, exactly. You got to get away from the noise. You've yeah. got to. You have to bring attention to your product. To what you have to bring attention. But then you build it, and now, then you, you know, like with me, I, I, I saw all these voids in the marketplace. And it's so funny, all these big companies couldn't figure it out. And what's nice is being the little guy, you're able to figure it out, and, you'll be able to, and you're able to do it pretty quickly because you don't have all these layers of people, unnecessary politics and bureaucracy. So it's a lot of fun to go against the big guys and uh, find a solution before they do. So for 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 the uh, product that you're help, helping to promote, a it's gotta be a great feeling because it's a useful product. It saves lives. So yes. that gives you the passion yes. for it. How, yes. did, how did you it's, how did you analyze the competition? You know, the, the energy drinks, all that. How did you decide what what was the best way to, you know, say, so this is real. This is the real McCoy. I mean, how did you? Well, Tested out, I guess. Well, one, you need credibility. One, I didn't even, there, there is no competition for it. It's the only one in the world. Mm-hmm. It's not energy. You know, this is not energy. It has nothing to do with energy. 
It has to do with the sensory connection of tongue and brain to give you instant adrenaline so you won't crash on the road and you get home, you know? It doesn't replace sleep. It doesn't replace that. It's not, oh, it's, we're going to make you safe, get the hell off the road and get home. That's what it's for. And this is, see, and the difference with, and I didn't even, there was no competition. The, the challenge was, was getting the word out to what it is. Right. It's not energy. It's not energy. It's nothing to do with it. It's science. And also, this particular product, I mean, what it is is not new. What's new is the, the, the delivery system. The research of citric acid and sour lemon, I mean, MIT did research on that years ago. The lingual nerve and all that, that's very, very old science. Very old science, so it's credible. Then Dr. Heimlich, one of the most famous doctors that ever lived, inspired it. He gave us the knowledge. That's an amazing plus in terms of bringing credibility. We also had a top psychiatrist who is an expert on, on what goes in your mouth and what happens to the brain did his own testing on it and put a stamp. So it's doctor approved. It has a stamp on it. So it went through, you know, safety tests, this test, that test to have the, to, to sort of have the credibility when you go out there. So in selling it, you're not creating a bunch of hype. You're telling the true science behind something that's so simple that can save your life. So if, it, if, if I didn't have that, I want to, I want to made the product. I want to promote it. But when I call, it's funny, years ago, the way this whole started, the whole thing started years ago, I did. I, I blacked out, fell asleep at the wheel after a hard directing day. Right. And I was lucky I didn't kill myself. And Dr. Heimlich told me to, way back then, over 20 years ago, cut up lemons. And he explained why they worked. I would have never had this information. So for years, I used cut up lemons. And then when I, I went into the product business during that time, creating problem-solving products, um, that's when I researched just how catastrophic this was, and it came and it came to me that wait a minute, well, why can't we take what's in a lemon, kind of make it a super lemon, and put it in a spray drop? What's the difference? And I spoke it over with Dr. Heimlich, and he said, absolutely do it. He said it'll be more powerful than a lemon, more instant than a lemon, and it will save more lives in the Heimlich maneuver. Promise me you'll do it. So we did it, mm. and that's how it all came about. And then you know, and then you know. As far as selling it, I just went to the root of the problem. I want to stop drowsy driving. We didn't sell it as a hype, a hypey, gimmicky anything. We sold it as a very important, problem-solving, life-saving product. And the media, like you right now, as, together as a team, collaboratively, because I can't do it by myself, we are saving lives. You're putting, you are putting the word out. Right. People are researching. And that's why it's doing so well, because it's real and it's true and it's effective and it's it's. And it's, it, it, it's, a, it's an important story. It's not you know, a gimmicky, you know, greedy, you know, say anything to, get, to buy my product. You know? and, and, and it's something that's important, it's natural, and it saves lives. And it's the media, it's you guys that are helping me. It's you guys that, that are bringing my voice out there to, to, to communicate and to educate. And that's why we're doing well. And I, and I knew, I knew... You know, it's worth the risk, the finance and all that to do this, because I knew you guys would be on board. Yeah. And I knew the larger picture. I knew the larger picture was, you know, was 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 beyond me and and that we'd get this out there and it would take its own life. In the spray format, what the concentration of women would it be like the same as having eight women, <laughs> nine women, ten women? What would 
No, it's the amount. It, 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 I, well, it's not the rate. Yeah, the ratios. This it's 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 not so much the it's the it's the citric acid and the sour lemon. Okay. We 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 hit a little harder with the citric acid than I, I, I said. So we put about twenty percent more citric acid. So citric acid, you need to hit a citric acid, mm-hmm. and then you need the sour. That triggers the lingual nerve. Got it. You know, it triggers it, and you know what I'm saying. And the other the other thing that triggers is only another taste that triggers it. And that's hot peppers. However, and hot peppers will do the same thing, but it's like you'll get blown out of the car. It's almost like you could crash just from the, you know, it's too much. It's, over, it's overwhelming. And it's, so, so we decided to stick with the citrus. And um, so, um, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, so it's, it's pretty, it's, it's, a, it's citric. And I'll tell you the ingredients, it's citric acid, it's sour lemon, it's water, it's a little bit of, it's too preservatives you have to have a little bit hardly anything mm-hmm. just to keep it give it shelf life that's it i mean it does it just it doesn't even go in your system it sprays on you know a little spray on your tongue and, and you're ready to go no caffeine no nutrient no no caffeine no um uh, you know you know nothing you know no no stimulants nothing just a natural combination where your own body wakes the body that's what's brilliant about it but that's dr heimlich's knowledge i would have known that no. i wouldn't have had any idea how that works you know? Tell me about your uncle. What's some of your memories about him? What kind of personality was he? What 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 do you sort of the times you talked to him? What what were the, some of the things that impressed you about the man? Himself? Well, one is selflessness. You know, he could have been rich, rich, rich. He not, no, he 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 saved lives out of his heart. You know, he could have done a lot of things to make a lot more money. He he saved lives from lives from his heart. His personality was large. His sense of humor was large. His caring for people was large. His commitment was large. He lived the right kind of life. His, you know, he, 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 you know, he, he told me, he said, Anson, he said, we all, we're all, you know, going to pass away. He says, it's very important to leave something behind that doesn't. And that's how he lived his life. And boy, did he leave something behind that oh, doesn't. Yeah. You know, every day he's saving lives, every day because he lived. And I took that to heart. And that's Dr. Heimlich. You know, that's the selflessness of the man. Were there other people in your family that had sort of a medical training, or was he sort of the uh, a medical background, or was he sort of the, uh, was he unique in, in the family tree to have that, you know, uh, that gift? Well, he, he, you know, his, his father was the head of the, God, juvenile, whatever was the head of the juvenile delinquent area of New York City. His father was the head of it. Very, very bright. He was, no, he was the one in medicine. However, he was very influenced by his wife, Jane Heimlich, mm. who passed away quite a few years, well, maybe three, four years ago. Right. Um, she, she was one of Arthur Murray's twin daughters. Oh, Remember the Arthur yeah. Murray school? The, the teacher. And she yeah. was, right. And she was a pioneer in alternative medicine. She wrote the famous book, Which Your Doctor Doesn't Tell You. <laughs> and she yeah. she had a big influence on on Hank because Hank at the time was head of the Jewish hospital in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. you know he he was a surgeon and blah blah blah, and she influenced him tremendously in alternative medicine along with regular medicine, and it really inspired him to look beyond just medications and maybe there's ways for the body to help the body. So she she was the big influence on Hank. Do you know how the Heimlich maneuver came about? Was it 
just him studying the body physicality to figure, okay, if I put the right pressure here, this is going to help here, or uh, you have any idea well, how the, that come about? I think, well, I think he had some personal experience of, of people almost choking to death. Wow. And he just went, it just became a natural thing. And he tried it out on um, safely uh, on some animals at first, but not to hurt, mm-hmm. just safe, just seeing how things work. And then, and he just figured it out, you know, again. And again, it was like the simplest, because he went pounding your back. That's why the Red Cross hated him, because mm-hmm. he went against them. They insisted right. on pounding on the back, and they went against him publicly. And boy, you, that's a movie. I mean, the Red Cross really, it, it was like, my God, here you have something better. And they refused to use it out of ego and out of not liking Dr. Heimlich. Pounding your back only, only puts it in deeper, you know? I mean, yeah. common sense. How's that going to come? Gee, and he came up with the simplest, simplest, simplest solution that has saved some, I think he's in the Guinness Book of Records, or was, as, as, a, as a single individual saving more lives than anybody in the history ever. And, um, yeah, so um, it, came out of, it came about of, of not wanting to see, you know, he, in, in his own personal life, saw people almost choke to death, and he wanted to fix that. He had an idea. He had an idea, and he figured it out. Okay. And how simple is that? And look, look at this. And look at his and his, his and it's also his knowledge. His very his knowledge of the human body. He knows how it works. Just like with me, I wouldn't have known about the lingual nerve. I wouldn't have had, had an idea. You know, I didn't know that it's a reflex reaction. Just like going to the doctor with you know they have the rubber mallet. They test your your you know your knee and your arm. It's a, it's the same thing. It's it's an automatic reflex reaction of the body. It's very simple. How long, once you decided to go for it to develop the product, mm-hmm. how, how long did it actually take before it really hit the market? Did it take a year, 18 months? What was sort of the timeline for you took, to make it work? took about two years. It took about two years. Wow. Because even though it sounds simple, it's not that simple. you got to get the right combination. You have subject groups. You want to make sure it's, it's, it's strong enough but still civilized and getting, you know, then you need you need to go through your manu, you know through your F, it's not an FDA product because it's a food but mm-hmm. but you have to go through an FDA lab and you got to go through all your testing and safety testing and blah 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 you got to find the right packaging um, you've got to like start getting credibility you've got to start giving it to doctors you know you got a lot of a lot of things that have to be put together before those to market and two years ago it goes by in a flash you know yeah. So, what the hardest part just cutting through the red tape of working to get it, you know, approved? Was that the toughest part of the two years, or was it just getting credibility? With that, with that, a uh, credibility. Yeah, uh, you don't. Yeah, you don't. It's not like doing a drug where you need all these approvals. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, ninety-nine percent of the products out there, you know, are are are, are not FDA, but every product out there is overseen by the FDA mm-hmm. in terms of. You've got to go in an FDA-approved lab. You've got to do an F- FDA-approved manufacturing. Because safety, no matter what you have, if it's, if it, especially a digestible, um, it, you know, it's got, to, it's, got to be, it's got to go through its proper channels. And that, that's all. And that doesn't, that's just normal business. That doesn't take more time. What takes time is just getting everything right. You know, I mean, you know, you got everything from the product to graphics to packaging to promotion. You know, it's a lot of stuff to, to getting uh, – 
credibility from serious people that give you that credibility. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole process. Mm. So, will they come back, the, the FDA, will they come back with a report saying, we recommend that you, you know, uh, tone it down, get the hair here, or add a little more hair? What, what would there report be back to you like? Would, and I'm oh, no, well, well, that would be like the FDA getting involved in lemon juice. No, yeah. they don't. Yeah. No, they don't. No, they don't get. They they get involved with that stuff when it's a drug. You know, okay. they, you know, a drug. Got this it. is a, this is a food. It's 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 a food. Okay. It's not a drug. So no, no, they don't get involved. They they don't only get. They would get involved if you're manufacturing it Got in it. an unapproved place. In an unapproved place, and I mean that. But that's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. So you have to go through. They they make sure that the facilities before you start a manufacturing plant, they make they approve that plant to make sure it's clean. It's safe and all that kind of stuff. So, and that's for any, that's whether it's bread, whether it's meat, whether it's cereals, whether, you know, it, it, that's all included. It's the same process for us. Mm. So, ha, ha, over the last uh, period of time you've been marketing it, had the biggest growth been on TV? What, what's been, what have you noticed been, what, what more people find out about the product and been able to order it from you have you been to keep tracking of that uh oh, of, of where the, uh, oh, of where they, they hear about it uh-huh. and all that correct um yeah it's actually pretty interesting um yeah because if i do a sh- any certain shows you'll see an immediate spike right you know right. and we do we also do um interesting we do facebook ads and uh when you do facebook ads it's interesting with those algorithms you yep. can get real specific and when when people do purchase it, you know exactly where. They, I mean, it's like pinpointed. So, it's interesting. It's 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 interesting. So yeah, we can pretty much we pretty much can define what's doing what. Have you noticed anything about the customers? Are they a certain age bracket that normally have bought it? Is it mostly the women? Is it mostly women buying for the men? Is it mostly men? Have you have you been able to sort of track it to who? You know. You know, we do have that information. We do, we do have the information. I don't, but I don't know what it is. I didn't right. ask. <laughs> I, I have, a, I have another partner that deals with all that. Uh-huh. And I, it's a good question. I didn't. I, I, it's probably. It's. I don't know. It used to be more women. I think it probably evened out by now. Because um, you know, they, we had a big article in Deadline, which is the the publication for the entertainment business. Right. I mean, it's the. You know, it's, you know what it is. It's right. huge. Well, they did. They did a cover story. They did a cover story on exhaustion in the film industry and it, the whole article wasn't about us but it was in there you know and they recommended us and um so we've been getting you know a lot a lot of um, orders from the from from shows and you know people in the industry people in the industry that 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 has to be gratifying too just to make sure it's available um yes very so what's the plan for the rest of the year? Is it mostly going to get it in stores, you think, eventually? What's what sort of the, yes. the, mall, the ballpark game plan? We're just, we're just, see, and to get it in stores, what's important is, um, yeah, I'd love to get it in there yesterday, but <clears throat> commerce is a whole other animal. Yeah. And they really don't care what's good for you or anything. It's, it's a dollars and cents business for them. Right. So I needed, I needed to get it really well known. So when it goes into retail, they take it seriously yeah. and they put it in the proper place because you have a lot of competition in that store. You know, big companies buy up shelf space yep. and whatever, and you need, you, you need to have a lot going for you 
to make sure it's placed correctly, or it's, or you can just bomb. So uh, we've, we're finally to that place, and we just put together a great rep group, and they're going out to start uh, approaching all the buyers for the convenience stores and all that. And it's wonderful because they're going to be doing, you know, whether they know it or not, they're going to be doing a great service for the country. When people go to your website, what do they see? Do they see uh, endorsements? What, what, what are some of the things they would visit when they go to the website? Well, there's a video of me explaining the product. Okay. There's uh, the whole history of the product about Dr. Heimlich. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they can see all the science behind it. They can see the ingredients. They can see, uh, you know, the doctor recommendations. They can see the honors. We've already been honored by the United States Congress, by the California State Senate, and the city of Los Angeles. We've been promoted by the Los Angeles Fire Department, Los Angeles uh, Sheriff's Department. But they can see all that credibility. They can also go to testimonial pages where there's also videos where we have tons and tons of testimonials. We have videos of famous people you know, that really believe in the product, so they really can get a sense of, of what's behind it, who you know, the credibility of it, the, the, uh, the effect of it. So, it, and it's all there very easy. It's very easy to, to, to navigate anywhere, but it'll give you everything you need to know about the product, so you're real secure before you buy it. <clears throat> and do you have a Facebook person, a Twitter account, all associated with the product, too? Or yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep, Adler Drops, and... And Facebook's alert drops. Uh, yep, everything's there. Instagram. <clears throat> and, the, and the website again is alertdrop.com, right? Alertdrop, alertdrops.com. And from there, you can go to get, get into all the social media, too. Wow. And you also can go right to Amazon for alertdrops. For if you want to buy it there, too. So, yeah. So, everything, it's, very, it's very easy to navigate. Everything's there. Uh, any questions are there. And if you have more questions, <clears throat> we have a... A, a place where you can ask questions and you'll be answered within 24 hours. Perfect. And then they, they can just go to, they can order directly through the website or directly through Amazon, whatever. Whichever's easier. Whatever's easier. Uh-huh. Exactly. Wow. Well, but, um, but it's very important. So, Anson, I wish you nothing but the best and hopefully in a couple more months we can get another update. See how everything's going with the product. Thank you so much, and and thank you so much for being there for me and using your talent and your hard work and your platform to help get get the word out. Because again, I can't do it by myself. I, I can't. It, it need it. You know, it takes you know collaboration. And and thank you so much for being there. And thank you so much for for using your hard earned celebrity, your hard earned platform to help this cause. Really appreciate it. No problem, Andrew. What's that part of the thing we're supposed to do? We. That's one of the things we all place on this earth to help other people, and that's what we're doing. So that's it. That's thank you. and you know we're here to get. We're really here to give. Really, absolutely. We become a, we become a country. I think we're seeing what's happening with the word greed. I really see we're seeing the cause and effect of what's happening unnecessarily in this country. And it's time, it's time to take it back. It's time to change. It's time to change the character. Time to change the fabric. But but right now we can't we can't save lives right now. This is something we can control. Absolutely. Anson, have a wonderful day. I will talk to you down the road. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye, everybody. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, let's play a Chesterfield Supper Club.
Windows M, Desktop F, FS Reader F, Fibber Mac G F, Friday Night Show Live Enter, Friday Night C, Cathy and Deli C, Cavalcade of America C, Chesterfield Sub Enter, Chesterfield Sub, Chesterfield Supper Club 451, Chesterfield Supper Club 451231, Chesterfield Supper Club 481207, Dorothy Lamer Hostess Peggy Lee, Chesterfield Supper Club 481208, Perry Como. Chesterfield Supper Club 481210 Epps Chesterfield Supper Club 481210 Chesterfield Supper Club Supper Club on the air five nights a week with America's greatest singing stars, Perry Como, Joe Stafford, Peggy Lee, and featuring the Mills Brothers, the Fontaine Sisters, the Starlighters, and the orchestras of Mitchell Ayers, Dave Barber, and Paul Weston. All brought to you by the milder cigarette, Chesterfield. A. Always milder. B. This is Martin Block speaking for our more than 6,000 wholesale distributors and over a million retail outlets all over America who always have Chesterfields on hand for you. And now, friends, here's the star of our show, Perry Como. You came a long way from St. Louis you climbed the ladder of success I've seen the town and country cars That were parked out in front Of your fancy dress You came a long way from St. Louis You came a long way from St. Louis You broke a lot of hearts between you broke a lot of hearts between I've seen a gang of gloomy guys Who were doing all right Till you came on the scene You came here from the Middle West and certainly impressed the population here about. Well, baby, I got news for you. I'm from Missouri, too. So naturally, I got my doubts. You got them dropping by the wayside. Got dropping by the wayside. A feeling I ain't gonna know. Feeling I ain't gonna know. You came a long way from St. Louis, but baby, you still got a long way to go. Came here from the Middle West, certainly impressed the population hereabouts. Well, baby, I got news for you. I'm from Missouri too, so naturally I got, got my doubts. You got him dropping by the wayside. You got him dropping by the wayside. A feeling I ain't gonna know. You came a long way from St. Louis, but baby, you still got a long way to go. I got a long way to go. Long way to go. Long way to go. Long way to go. 
Well, Supper Clubbers, it sure is a pleasant surprise seeing so many of you back at the club after a weekend of Christmas shopping. I wonder how that fellow made out who was trying to get that Christmas tree into the subway. Well, maybe he'll be here a little later tonight, so we'll start off kind of slow and uh, let him catch up to us. to call you my darling for many and many a day my darling my darling I fluttered and fled like a starling my courage just melted away now all at once And there's not a thing I'm sane enough to say Except my darling, my darling Get used to that name of my darling It's here to stay Tater trap, Ma. Here comes Perry now. My darling, my darling, 
I just want to call you, my darling. Hey, son. Uh, your pa and me and ma and me has been jawing about you. <laughs> uh, beg your pardon? Your ma and me's been jawing about oh. you. Well, uh, what's the matter, Pa? Appears to us you're crazy in the head, son. Oh, shucks. Tain't that at all, Ma. It's, uh, it's love. Love? He means he's sparking, Pa. Oh, well, that's different. Oh, here comes my girlfriend now, Ma. Just get a load of this. Nature boy! <laughs> oh, my Myrna Lloyd. Pa, look at her hugging Perry. My crickety, she sure knows how. Oh, kiss me, Perry. I'm scared. <laughs> you might set fire to my beard. Boy, that settles. If the darn fool critter's gonna get wet, we gotta put shoes on him. We gotta put shoes on Perry. Oh, no, you won't, you won't, you won't. I got them all three in. No, huh? You have to tell him, huh? But you gotta have him, son, when you take the marriage vow. Oh, no, they ain't necessary. And uh, I don't like them anyhow. Gee whiz, how do you suppose that she can tickle my toes if I gotta put my shoes on now? Now look here, Perry, obey your paw, bought your pair of shoes in town. Cutest shoes you ever saw. Yep, one is black and t'other is brown. Now, Ma, get our relations, cause Perry may begin a row. Took his uncles and aunts to put them into pants. And we gotta get the shoes on now somehow. We gotta get the shoes on now. Come here, son. Oh, now, I ain't gonna do it, Ma. I don't wanna put those shoes on no how. And you ain't gonna get me to wear Hey, come back here. Come back, I say. Come on, gal. Let's get out of here. Boy, he's a running The shoes on Barry. Oh, my feet are killing me. Wow! Get up, you stubborn ox. Yeah, but I won't put on no socks. Well, we got the shoes on Barry now. Yahoo! We got the shoes on Barry. Well, while they're buttoning those shoes up on Perry. Let's take a look, friends, at the things that count in a cigarette. Now, you know that a cigarette is made of tobacco and paper, but it's important for you to know that Chesterfield gives you long, clean, even burning shreds of the world's best tobacco and pure, white, tasteless paper, the world's finest cigarette paper. Truly a right combination of the things that count in a cigarette. The reason why we say the best cigarette for you to smoke is Chesterfield. Now, when I tell you the Chesterfields are milder, much milder, and that you can buy them in the gay red and green Christmas cart with Santa Claus there to carry your Christmas greetings. Say, I'm sure you'll agree with the lovely star of 20th Century Fox Studios, Maureen O'Hara, who last Tuesday night said, in person, the studio, at home, wherever I go, I go for Chesterfields. Supper clubbers, they're tops because Chesterfields are always milder, better tasting, and cooler smoking. That's why in my home I always serve Chesterfields. So, friends, for your greater smoking pleasure, 
And for every name on your Christmas list, Chesterfield's in the gay Christmas carton. Yes, the best cigarette for you to smoke, the best cigarette for you to give, is the milder cigarette, Chesterfield. special announcement for our Los Angeles friends who hear us on KFI. As always at nine each night, Chesterfield brings you the supper club and the frost warnings during the citrus season and brand new starting tonight here on KFI. Chesterfield also brings you a rebroadcast of the complete supper club at 1130. This is Perry Como saying good night for... This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Supper Club from December 1948.
So with that, may the good Lord Jesus Christ bless you. And this is Yesterday USA. Good morning, everybody. Love you all very, very much. Tab, Documents, Items, View, Multi-Select, List, Box, Yesterday, USA, 2018022, Alt-Tab, Chesterfield, Alt-Tab, 1, Alt-Tab, Saturday Night, Alt-Tab, Sound, Forge, Pro, 11, Point, Escape, Escape, Enter, 1, Point, Enter, Menu, File, A, Leaving Menus, Sound, 1, Star, Save as Dialog, File, Name, Sound, 1, Edit, S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y, N I G H T two dash two four dash one eight S E C O N D P C I T eight P A T R I C I A Save as type save button enter sound one star Professional Apple software update dialog. Are you sure? Alt F4. Welcome to Skype. Press JAWS key. Alt H down. Alt tab. Sponsored. Alt tab. Sound Forge Pro 11.